greeting and good afternoon, everyone. This is Cheryl, and I'm so pleased to be here to welcome you to, to Tara and Rama's Saturday afternoon program, The True Planetary and Galactic History Herstory, and True History Herstory of Nasara. It is Saturday, January 29th, and I would consider us in the portal opening of the 2-2 gateway. We have much to celebrate in this coming week, in the days ahead. We have, of course, on February 1st, a new moon. That is exact at 12.49 a.m. Eastern Time. That means it is the start of the Chinese New Year, the year of the tiger. Of course, February 1st is considered the cross point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox here in the upper hemispheres. And so, therefore, we are celebrating in bulk. And February 1st is in bulk through the sundown of February 2nd. It is also the Feast of St. Bridget, likely connected to the goddess Bridget, which is a time of cleansing and purification. It is the feast day of St. Bridget on the 1st. And, of course, the second is not only Groundhog Day and the 2-2 portal, it is Candlemas, where people would get their throats blessed and celebrate the light and also the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. It was a pure, there was a purification ceremony that Mother Mary went through at that time as well. So it is a powerful time indeed, and we're going to do our own purification and our own cleansing, our own celebration of the light. And let me just give you this interpretation of the in bulk before we start our opening prayer as well. In bulk, February 1st, this festival celebrates the growing light. The sun god has grown into a youth. Every day, his light gets stronger, and his rays begin to warm the earth, preparing it for quickening. As the light of the sun child grows, so may the light also grow within us all. This is a time to celebrate the light that shines within all of us. And so let's celebrate. As we go into our heart center that sacred portal to all that is. And we honor the divine love and light that we are by welcoming the full emergence and integration of our soul, our higher self, our monad, our mighty I am presence, and all of our multidimensional being through to our God presence, our goddess presence. See yourself in a pillar of light, 
It contains a sunshine yellow, the light of illumination, the light of divine wisdom and Christ consciousness. Add to it the gold of eternal peace and the gold of infinite abundance as we call forth for light for the enlightenment of all, every man, woman, and child. See, sense, and feel your pillar of light fully anchored to source. Feel that connection to the heart and mind of God. And feel your connection directly to the heart of Mother Gaia in the center of the earth. Expand your pillar the maximum that you can receive as you take in the planet within your heart and all upon her. We decree our oneness as we say, I am my I am presence. As my I am presence, I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. I am one with the I am presence of every man, woman, and child. I am one with the I am presence of all of my family members and my loved ones. I am one with all that is. Take a nice deep breath as this integrates within you and we connect heart to heart, soul to soul. I am presence to I am presence. Cosmic heart to cosmic heart with every man, woman, and child invoking our unity consciousness and connecting to the cosmic heart of all that is. Feel the sweetness of this energy as you see it anchoring through everyone else in their own pillar of light as well. And thus we invite in for one and all, all of our soul extensions, planetary and galactic, all of our ancestors, all of our genetic lineage, our ancestral lineage, all the generations past, all the generations forward, our spiritual lineage, our soul families, our soul pods. We welcome for one and all, all of our guides and teachers, our healing teams, our beloved guardian angel, our beloved twin flame, our ascension council and mission council. Take a nice deep breath as we welcome the assistance of all of the kingdoms, the plant kingdom, the tree kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the animal kingdom, the diva kingdom, the elemental kingdom, the fairy kingdom, and all of the kingdoms of nature, the whales, the dolphins, the unicorns, and all magical kingdoms. We welcome all of the realms of the angels, from the angels and archangels through to the cherubim and seraphim and all angelic healing teams. We welcome all of the Ascended Masters, 
the Brotherhood of Light, the Sisterhood of the Rays and Rose, the Order of Melchizedek, the Radiant Ones, all of the Enlightened Masters, all Divine Mother Emissaries, Divine Father Emissaries, all of the Planetary and Cosmic Hierarchy of Light, and all Ascended Master Healing Teams. We welcome the healing teams from the Galactic Federation of Light, especially those that we work most closely with. The healing teams from Arcturus, from Pleiades, from Sirius, from Andromeda, from Chiron, and from Venus, We welcome all cosmic, galactic, universal healers that can be of service. We welcome the assistance of the entire company of heaven, asking that Mother, Father, God overlight all that we do and magnify, magnify, magnify it in divine order for our beings. Breathe and receive. As we ask for the magnification of all that we invoke, 10 billion times, 10 billion fold, individually and collectively, for both our personal and collective ascension on a planetary and cosmic level, and always in divine order for each being. We call in the assistance of all the rays, all the flames, all the universal laws, all the ascension waves. And with every energy and frequency, every prayer and invocation, every blessing, every grace, every dispensation, every activation, we ask that it be received on a conscious, subconscious, superconscious level within every cell, chakra, meridian, layer of our work field multidimensionally. Again, as we call in all of these energies and frequencies, with every prayer and invocation, every blessing, every grace, every dispensation, every activation, receiving it multidimensionally, individually, and collectively, as well as the easy and effortless digestion and assimilation grounding and anchoring integration and embodiment of these frequencies and all that we receive, the maximum that we can receive, ever expanding to divine perfection with the greatest of ease and grace and joy and peace and bliss and ecstasy, serenity and tranquility, balance and equilibrium, without resistance on any level, without discomfort on any level, without fear on any level, in love and light and laughter. We give thanks for this, and we call in all those in the circle of support, from the very first name that created it to each and every individual, each animal and pet, each family member and loved one, each and every group and organization, each and every nation, institution, government, military, each and every weather pattern, each and every situation and condition of life, all that is going on on the planet, 
and we call on all of that energy and all the attention, whether it's to the um, powerful snowstorm going on on the East Coast or any fires that may be going on or any other world events, including what may be going on in Eastern Europe. We call in all that energy and attention into our collective cup of consciousness to be utilized by us in divine order for the true transformation of the planet, the uplifting of everyone's consciousness, the raising of the vibration of every man, woman, and child into unity consciousness so that we may truly manifest heaven on earth. We ask that Gaia receive all that we receive through her chakras and meridians and layers of her auric field multidimensionally. Through every ley line and song line, every portal, every vortex, every monument, every sacred site, every place of power, every stargate, every city of light as we continue with Gaia up this spiral of evolution, going with her on this amazing, amazing journey as she takes her rightful place as Freedom Star. And so it is. We once again recommit ourselves to being that bridge between heaven and earth, the anchor for the new golden age, and the open door that no one can shut. We ask to align to our highest aspect of being, to our divine presence, as we say, great presence of all life. I invoke the transforming light of union to come and fully illuminate my thoughts, my feelings, my body, soul, creating a resonant field of sustained coherence that empowers the highest levels of divine alignment within my consciousness. By and through universal law, I call forth a greater embodiment of my true self lays the light of presence through me a greater opening of my intuitive channels. Reveal my connection to all that is. A greater alignment to my soul purpose. Intensify my receptivity to divine will. Keep expanding my mind into total unified awareness that I may directly experience beyond all doubt, the greater love responsible for my creation. Inspire the deepest levels of conscious communion within me now. Beloved creator, please radiate these codes of self-realization all throughout the mass consciousness fields of humanity. Accelerate our collective reorientation to the spiritual principles that govern the universe that all, may be, all beings may live in total joy, peace, and oneness. May thy will be done. 
so be it. And so it is. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We focus on bringing in the light of eternal peace. It is a golden color. And see it through your pillar. And we see it around the planet as well. Everyone and everything filled with the most pristine golden light as we affirm ourselves to be a pillar of peace. I call upon the light of peace to bless my life with grace and ease. Shine this light by mind so inner I can find. Spirit of Cosmic Om, fill me with your sacred tone. In ballistic soap found, dissolve me now into your sound. Please purify my life. Let my be fully healed. May my stillness now increase as my heart is filled with peace. I am blazed divine, a pillar of peace within my spine. I transform the souls I see with the love of through me. Constant calm is now my way, expanding every single day like a rock of solid strength, holding firm at any length. Angels come and share your mirth. Increase the peace upon the earth. Show us how to love, to heal. All our conflicts, now for real. Peace is blessing every soul, calming, grounding, taking hold, shining through our divine core, may it last forevermore. So just see everyone in this pillar of peace, the beautiful frequencies of golden light, filling every man, woman, and child, anchoring eternal peace, within and without. And we seal this by saying, let peace prevail. Let peace prevail. Let peace prevail. So be it and so it is. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. And see this taking hold for every man, woman, and child. As we do our purification process, working with the fires of these sacred feast days, purifying with the sacred fire, 
through the law of invocation, we now say, for one and for all, bless me now with sacred flames, transmute all fear, discord, and pains, forgive all deaths, both old and new, blaze this fire through all I do. Beloved presence deep within, free my life from strife and sin. May mercy fill this heart of mine to bless all life forms with its shine. Charge the mighty holy fires through all my lower self-desires. Cleanse my mind and temple space so I may live in joy and grace. Angels, come and set me free. Clear my vision, help me see. Alchemize a powerful shift. Veils of matter dissolve and lift. Drench the earth in divine light. Empower all people with its might. The global shadow now consume with this brilliant cosmic bloom. Liberation, come at last. Transmuting fire engulf the past. Purify all karmic vows. Transform all limitation now. Compassion floods through every soul, bonding us as one great whole. Hearts are healing, loves renewed. Blessing all with peace imbued. As I go about my day, charge these words that I now say. I am a torch of sacred flame, ending separations game. So be it, and so it is, and we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. As we blaze the sacred fire, we call in the frequencies of illumination, bringing in the energies of illumination, wisdom and enlightenment through this yellow golden light from the realms of higher mind at one with all creation I call for the golden light of pure illumination may it fill my every thought this mighty living flame uplifting me beyond all doubt beyond the human game. Master teachers of the race, of wisdom, and of love, shine your light upon me now. Please bless me from above. Light of wisdom, come to me. A blazing cosmic surge. Penetrate into my mind. Let inner peace emerge. Beloved presence of all life, I wish to now expand To see with eyes of perfect love, please grant me this demand. Activate within my being the power to discern, to know the holy truth of one, for this I deeply yearn. The source of all enlightenment, please lift the veil of time, awaken every human soul, illuminate all minds. Bless life on earth with joy and peace. Bring balance to the scale. Keep blazing universal light. Let wisdom now prevail. I am the light of the world. 
I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And thus we call this forth for ourselves and for every man, woman, and child. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We call in at this time divine intervention for all that is going on on the planet, be it the changes in climate, be it the saber-rattling over in Eastern Europe and so on. We call in divine intervention for all that we need assistance with on this planet. In the name of God, Goddess, all that is, the great spirit of all life, we invoke the light of divine intervention to help shift the reflection of each challenging world situation, especially in Eastern Europe. By and through universal law, we call into dynamic, immediate dynamic action, the spirit of the earth, the powers of nature and the forces of the elements, the love and wisdom of the great master teachers, the legions of angels assisting earth's evolution, and the vast intelligence of the unified field. Come now and amplify our efforts to the maximum degree, guaranteeing all unfolds in right divine order. Sacred allies through our one group presence pulse a mighty wave of transforming love through the collective heart of every soul facing challenges on this planet, especially in the United States, in the Ukraine, in Russia, in all areas experiencing conflict of any kind, inspiring now the highest levels of coherence, compassion, and comfort. And please affirm with me, divine love is blazing through every heart connected to this reflection. And through every heart on earth. For the higher minds of all people, fueling the appearance of conflict in the United States, in the Ukraine, in Russia, in every place around the world. Fuel us with the light of wisdom, bringing forth profound peace and insight born of true understanding. Please affirm with me, divine wisdom is purifying every mind connected to this reflection. Enliven every individual and group seeking to positively shift the consciousness of this planet, consciously shift the circumstances in Eastern Europe, and and positively shift for each nation within and across the world, divine peace. Enliven us with the cosmic willpower 
to have the greatest possible impact. Let courage and inspired right action increase now. Please affirm with me. Divine will is empowering every soul connected to this reflection. Beloved, please open and stabilize the portals of light over all areas experiencing the effects of conflict on any level, especially in Ukraine, in Russia, in the United States. We call in the energies of peace and the expansion and stabilization of great portals of light throughout this planet and throughout these specific areas. Through these channels, transmit a constant stream of transforming energy that significantly uplifts and empowers every being affected by these challenging circumstances, including the circumstances of weather across this planet. May this divine intervention and its containing matrix be made imperishable, eternally sustained, all-powerfully active, and ever-expanding until the evolutionary plan is fulfilled for all life on Earth. With our deepest gratitude, it is done. So be it, and so it is, and we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We call forth great blessings and the love and light and wisdom of clear understanding as we ask to bless all governments, all leaders, and all politicians. In the name of love and liberty, we invoke the total empowerment of a governmental body that supports the highest good of every living thing. Here in the United States, in every nation of the three Americas, in every nation of Eastern Europe, in each and every nation, across the planet. May the collective presence of the celestial realms come forth now to support the highest possible outcomes in this deeply transformational work by and through universal law. Purify the governing soul of this nation and each nation as well as each state, provincial, each local government, in this nation and in all nations, purify the governing soul of all corrupting influences, instantly requalifying every device of thought, polarized emotion, and discordant deed, 
through the revolutionary power of love's intelligence. Saturate the leaders, politicians, all candidates, all decision makers and voters in each and every nation on all levels of government, along with all of the people they serve and with the light of divine understanding. Motivate the government of each nation on a national, state, local level to take much greater action toward the cultivation of lasting peace and goodwill, both locally and internationally. Inspire the leaders of each and every nation. And on a national, state, and local level to truly work together in harmony to ensure the health, well-being, and prosperity of all citizens, all wildlife, and the environment in this and in every forthcoming generation. Empower the true spirit of democracy in this nation in each nation across the Americas and each and every nation across the planet as well as on a state and local level. Great Presence, please open and augment the pathways of light over every governmental building and office in each and every nation each and every state and city, each and every locale across the planet. Send wave after wave of transforming love into the entire political consciousness of each nation and all of its people on all levels of beingness to support the highest levels of purification possible. Let divine governance emerge quickly to serve as a potent catalyst for positive societal and systemic change. May this divine intervention and its containing matrix be made imperishable, eternally sustained, all-powerfully active and ever-expanding until the evolutionary plan is fulfilled for this planet, for each and every nation, each state, city, local, location, and government, and with profound gratitude, it is done. And so it is, and we give thanks for this. can take a nice deep breath as we continue to call in the light, calling it in individually and collectively for all. Again, asking for the highest frequencies of universal light, as well as all the rays, all the flames, all the universal laws and ascension waves in through and around us individually and collectively now. Great divine presence I invoke into dynamic action, the many streams of universal light and all of the higher intelligences responsible for its direction. 
May we join together now as one luminous force field of transformation to empower this planetary service activity. Assisting angels, please fill my entire consciousness with the mighty flow of sacred fire. Send this cleansing fire deep into every atom of my being, initiating a meticulous purge of any discordant and imbalanced energies within my subtle body system. As I call this forth for myself, I call this forth for every man, woman, and child, individually and collectively. And we say, reveal the wholeness of my greater self. Saturate the land, animals, plants, atmosphere, and all bodies of water in, through, and around this planet with constant waves of transforming light. Send this transmuting energy deep into every particle of life in each and every geographical region across the planet. bringing forth the assistance that they require and bringing forth the profound alchemy of true healing. Restore the Earth's immune system individually and collectively for every man, woman, and child, for the planet and all upon her to the highest levels of divine strength and invincibility. Circulate an immense penetration of the cosmic light through the mass consciousness of humanity. Send this absolving light deep into the minds, bodies, and souls of every person destined to evolve at this time, effecting a thorough holistic purification of each one. Raise the collective consciousness of all on this planet every man, woman, and child into unity consciousness. Beloved creator, please continue to drench this planet and every area of the planet, including those with potential conflict of any kind, in vast amounts of transforming universal light keeping each region of the planet free of all harmful influences that would seek to inhibit the the fulfillment of the divine plan. Bring harmony, empowerment, and positive shift to everyone and everything within this sphere of influence, everything across the planet, and everyone in divine order. May this invocation be qualified through the agency of universal law for the greater good of all. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And so it is. We seal it with three ohms. Please join me.
And so we give thanks for the energies of information received here today. At this most sacred time of cross point between the seasons and all that we are celebrating in the days ahead. I thank you for your divine service. Our Mother, Father, God, thank you for your divine service as well. Please plan on joining us for further divine service each and every Sunday and Monday evening as we do the Ascension Meditation and Activation Calls. Our anniversary is also part of this celebration this week. The first call took place on February 1st, 2010. So this is our 12-year anniversary. And we will be celebrating tomorrow and Monday. Please plan on joining us for this amazing teleconference call that is unique each and every time with different invocations and meditations, activations and dispensations. The call begins at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.45 p.m. Pacific Time. Greetings left for about 25 minutes, and then Tara and Rama come in and give us a brief update. The phone number, this is a teleconference call, so the phone number is area code 425-436-6264. Again, area code 425-436-6260. And the code to access the call is 946-7441-POUND. 946-7441-POUND. Now, there are additional phone numbers. There are international numbers. There's a way to access it through the computer. I'd be happy to share that if you contact me through email. And that's Cheryl Croce, C-H-E-R-Y-L-C-R-O-C-I at AOL.com. Again, that's C-H-E-R-Y-L-C-R-O-C-I at AOL.com. We'd love to have you join us for our celebration time this week. We have so much to celebrate and so much to do to continue our work in bringing heaven to earth. Please join us and be a part of that. So with that, I'm going to wish you a most magnificent week filled with magic and miracles at this most sacred and holy time. We want to thank you. We want to thank Tarn Rama for their divine service as well. And I thank Rainbird for her divine service as I pass the talking stick. You know the talking stick is always filled with the amazing frequencies that we work with. But it is definitely overflowing with the yellow golden light that we first invoked. It has lots of angelic energies, 
so much wisdom and illumination flooding from it and purification as well as I pass the talking stick to my dear sister Rainbird I send my love to all of you thank you well thank you Cheryl I'll take that talking stick lots of gratitude for your divine service as well and and goodness Imok is on the same day as the um, Chinese New Year so so many People will be celebrating this in the in the Celtic, the new spring, and and the and the new year in the in the east. So not just the Chinese, just a lot of people in the east. So um, what an amazing uh, time we're in now, and we're already in the energy of the shift of the of the seasons. And I wanted to just say or just a brief thing about Imok. And it's um, it's it's the spring quarter, that, and Imok brings the gift of insight and inspiration into the time of beginnings and of essential truthfulness. Uh, so it's a good time to celebrate the lives of all soul midwives. In our case, let's celebrate the lives of Tara and Mama, who have taught and prepared us. All who have been upholders of justice and truth, all holy. Ones who have gone to the heart of the matter with great clarity and insight. And so, as we give thanks to Tara and Rama by assisting them, and we give thanks to ourselves and our our soul midwives as as we do this work. Um, so let's give ourselves with, by assisting with the housekeeping work that we're here to do. <laughs> And we're here to do the work, and we have the housekeeping. So this week, we need um, the rent for Tara and Rama, and we also need extra for uh, the radio. So let's go through it by the nitty-gritty first. Um, we need $300 each week with, for BBS radio expenses. And this week, we need exactly twice that, actually. Um, we need, because we're behind a week, this week, we had bills that had to be paid, and um, it just happened. So uh, we're needing the $300 right away for them, and $300 by the end of the week for them. And we, by Monday, we need the rent. So to make a donation to BBS Radio, this is how we do it. We go into our heart space, see what is ours to give, and then go to bbsradio.com. Click on Radio Station 2 or scroll down and find that menu uh, for Radio Station 2. And then what you're looking for is our programs on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, so on Thursdays, it's a night at the round table with the panel, and you'll see that at the 6 o'clock hour. And these are all Pacific times. And then on Fridays, the hard news with Tara and Rama on Friday night. Uh, at the 6 o'clock hour and then this program at the 1.30 hour. The True History, History of Nisera and Our Galactic Origins. As you click on the icon on the menu right there, you'll be taken directly to our account with BBS Radio. And that's where you can make a donation in any amount uh, with your bank, with a bank card. So that makes it nice and easy and simple. 
So thank you. Thank you for showing up that way. Thank you for that action. And thank you for your generosity. You know that we're behind a week. And so we're looking for 600 this week to come in for that. Uh, so, yes, lots of gratitude for uh, the guys at BBS Radio and lots of gratitude for all of you that assist and make it happen. So, thank you. And we're also assisting Tara and Rama with their needs. And this week is rent week at that rent needs money needs to be there by Monday, which is day after tomorrow. And um, so thank you for contributing. There are bills that are due. There was a bill that was late, and now there's late fees by as a consequence from that. And it's not just late fees, <laughs> but it was a forty dollar extra charge. So um, we need to be really timely with our generosity and making sure that that money is there to pay these bills. So there are four bills due at the beginning of the month, and that's usually that's usually around $400, and I would add an extra 50 to that. So it's going to be 450 for that um, because of that late bill. And then they need 1150 for the rent, and that's due on Monday. And so you can see that... Uh, time to go into our hearts and see what ours to give and in honor of them at this time at Inlock where we are um giving thanks for our soul teachers and and and, and ourselves <laughs> those midwives that we are and the work that we do. So um let's let's invest and make it happen and celebrate this amazing time we're in right now with the energies and the beginning of the spring and a new life and plant our seeds. Let's plant them good. So um, here's how I make a contribution to Tara and Lala. You want to go to the website, which is rainbowroundtable.net. And there on the homepage, you'll see that menu grid at the top of the page. Click on that and that'll drop down a menu near the bottom there. You'll see a donate link. Click on that. That'll link you to Rama's PayPal account. And there you can use your bank card. And thank you again for taking that action. Thank you for your generosity um, at this time. And and punctuality. Let's make it happen right away. <laughs> so um, as you do so and and you make that contribution that's wonderful with the PayPal. But if you have your own PayPal account, um, you can access the friends and family option if you put in Rama's email address at PayPal. And so I'll give it to you here. It is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at hotmail.com. And then that takes you to the friends option. Either way is perfect. We're grateful for your participation for your gifts, and may be blessed many, many times over for your giving it forward like that. So much gratitude for you and all your life and all the ways that you show up. So as we are sending something, we need to send Rama an email to let him know, and that email address for Rama is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 99939 at Comcast.net. Um, yes, yeah, so let them know when you send it. And then also, if you need it, the 
physical address is as follows, Rom D. Berkowitz, R-A-M-D. Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z. Post Office Box 280-280, and that is in Santa Cruz, New Mexico. And that zip code for Santa Cruz, New Mexico is 87567. So there you have it, all the information. And if you want to participate in the pre-marked projects and the all the fun that's going on there and all the wonderful products, this is the Rainbow Roundtable site. It's 2013 Rainbow Roundtable, and it, as it is listed there. And that address is https colon forward slash forward slash www.shopfreemart.com forward slash T-A-R-R-A-M. So thanks for your participation in that. It's a wonderful place to access good um Supplements for our environment and for our bodies and for our bank accounts. <laughs> so there you go. 13 thank yous and honey in the heart. And I'm passing this, oh my gosh, this inbox talking sticks with the Chinese meteor right with it. So there's lots of fireworks and there's, there's lots of um, celebration and welcoming into spring of the year. Um, so greeting and all those twos. <laughs> so greeting Paranorama. Here comes his talking stick, and it of course has all the rays and the rainbows that Cheryl put there always. Greetings, Paranorama. Welcome. Greetings. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Happy New Moon, Happy Imbolac, Condomas, Groundhog Day to everyone around the world. And in the southern hemisphere, they're getting ready for fall. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Rainbird, when is uh, Chinese New Year's? You mentioned that. February 1st, the same as Richard's Day. Oh, my goodness. God. And bridges. Yeah, really. And it's for truth and justice in the world. So let's bring it on. We got a and huge cup of consciousness here. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Say it, Rama, now. Bridget and Lady Freya are both related. Lady Freya, or Frigga, is Thor's mother. And she was let's say, part of the Asir. The Asir are these ones Matthias talks about that showed up at the very beginning to help create these bodies. So Bridget and Lady Freya, Frigga, know all about what's coming in. And um, Sweet Angelique the Cat and Tom were over Norway and they sent me this Aurora Borealis that is like breathtaking with the greens and the blues in the sky and it's that plasmatic light coming in and they are just saying right in this moment 
the Matrix is falling and Joe is going along with it because he's the program in the Matrix. His ratings are in the toilet and they're going to flush it. Excuse my language. Blaze the violet fire. Uh, somebody's got to lift this up. Well, who's going to flush the toilet? Excuse uh, my that, language. <laughs> that I don't know. And I would say... Maybe it's the force, the midichlorians, the energies out of which the primordial source creative energy that can do things out of left field that we might call magic and miracles, but it's about the quantum physics and the science of thought. When you think it, therefore it is, and it's right there. <laughs> hmm. And right now, Mr. Joe, President Joe Biden, wants to put boots on the ground in Ukraine. That would be a grave mistake, and kind of, in a sense, uh, egging Mr. Putin on. And that is not the best uh, strategy at this time. Peace and good vibrations. What's not the best strategy, Rama? To put boots on the ground in the Ukraine. Oh, no. That That is a, I mean, grave mistake. And they're talking about it, and, you know, the lamestream media is pushing that agenda, so... Put it in the circle of support, cancel clear. Um, why do we have boots on the ground in any country on this planet? It's all about hegemony and the agenda, which is the fallen matrix that I keep saying is falling apart. And still and yet, they, they do what they do, but... And... The energy's coming in. They know it's their twilight, as I keep saying. It, it is coming to pass, and I see it in the interactions when I go out in the world, and people are lifting themselves up out of the muck and the mire, and as a result, they're taking matters into their own hands and it would be in their best interest to use the highest good for all concern, not violence. That's the biggest story. I passed the talking stick. I found him, Rama. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're going to play Bruce Linton with Camp Solution, on Camp Solutions. Uh, I didn't find it with the normal procedure because they put it in a different place, but I found it, so we can play that. But um, I was going to say that I just want to remind everybody that, you know, the Faction Three White Knights have been telling us for a long time that there will be no more wars conventional or otherwise, and no more nukes. And 
So uh, how do you, uh, um, see, this is what I proposed in a question, uh, you know, how, how does this change and what Angelique and Tom the Cat have said we can change this with our thoughts because we are so powerful. We have tipped the scales in the quantum field. It's in our favor. And it only takes one of us. I passed the talking stick. Well, there's only one of us here, which is talking about collectively co-creating the one of us here at a higher vibrational frequency plane. Yes. And that requires each and every one of us to let go of anything that's going on in terms of judgmentalism. Uh, One thing I learned from Cynthia Rose Young-Slosser to take away is that the highest form of love is praise. The highest form of love is praise. So find something to praise. How about Donald Trump? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All souls need love, even in the darkest of places. And that that's that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's see, what else did they say, Rama? Hmm? Just, uh, to stay in the high vibrations and send more love to these solutions. Um, Should I read what you told me today? Sure. Okay. I received a text message from this morning uh, at 11.10 a.m. from Tom the Ringtail Cat and Sweet Angelique the Cat. They said to me, Lord Rama, we are over Norway in our shuttlecraft, and there is an awesome aurora borealis in the sky above what is what is happening is plasmatic light from the great central sun is drifting into our atmosphere and rama's going to send a picture to penny <laughs> to you penny so that you can have our New wonderful webmaster Derek put it up on our website for everybody to see. What is happening is the plasmatic light from the yeah great central sun is drifting into our atmosphere. The solar flares are infusing higher and higher uplifting frequencies. As Cheryl keeps on repeating, repetition being the mother of wisdom all the time, into our atmosphere. All we need do is open our hearts and receive. And remember, higher and higher wisdom comes from meditation, prayer, and making our life a living, walking, light 
pass. And today on, oh, what was it? Uh, David Barsimian, he had on, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu and Thich Nhat Han, and they were talking about the events of 9-11 and after 9-11 and the subsequent wars and what they were bringing up is in spite of the most horrendous war crimes that the United States and other countries have done, please pray for the souls of the leaders so that they may come to compassion and wholeness. That's the message. Now, who's saying that? Not Han and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Yeah, but where did you see that? I heard it today with David Barsimian. Oh. oh. Yeah, I don't know the name of this show. It was on your radio? On the radio, our local public access radio. Haven't heard from David Barsimian on TV forever. Oh, he, he's like 75 and... Still trucking. <laughs> That's only a year older than me. What is this, chop liver time? <laughs> We're babes in the woods. <laughs> oh, my God. What can I say? Well, um, okay, so to, to finish this. Meanwhile, I asked um, Sweet Angelique the cat and Tom the ringtail cat about President Joe Biden's um, announcement that he is he is sending boots on the ground to Ukraine in the next few weeks. They responded by saying to me, Lord Rama, President Joe Biden's ratings, as Rama said, are in the toilet. They said those words right now. And he has become more of a burden than an asset to everyone. Yes. By the way, President Biden is now a hologram. Oh, my gosh. Please send more love to the whole situation. So what's else here? Uh Oh, yes, and then they went on and said Vice President Kamala Harris may soon be taking over the reins of the presidency. They would not give a time. No, never. Yet it couldn't be more on us than ever before to walk that line and 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 praise, respect, thank, and love all the feelings that come up and do not harm ourselves in any way, shape, or form. That means in body, mind, spirit, in every way. Just, just remember, praise is the highest form of love. And choose, you know, choose medicine for the heart. Choose medicine for the body. A good medicine for the body. Uh, and it's legal. In a lot of places, is it? It's not. It's legal across. This is what's so. We are so backward in this country. Yeah. Marijuana is legal across the entire, all of Canada. <clears throat> and here we are. Well, how many states? A few states here and there. If we were able in this country 
you know, and I know that they're growing hemp as there were some folks to, you know, upgrade Henry Ford's diagrams or blueprints for creating cars. And I know they've actually created hemp cars that run on hemp oil. There were a group of folks that actually converted a car and drove it from California to Florida, all on hemp oil, completely. It's on YouTube. (laughs) Oh, but as we were to do that, instead of making parts for cars out of plastic that support the oil industry. Yeah, plastics made from oil. Petroleum never solved any solutions on this planet. It, I mean, I remember the stories. They, they, they knew before they did that that. There was other technologies to work with. They knew the that. dinosaurs got caught in the La Brea tar pits and they died. What? Back, back, during the time of the Jurassic period, Jurassic Park <laughs> uh, on the planet. I mean, there were, this has to do with the story <laughs> of Pangea. And kind of Lemuria at that time, California, where the La Brea tar pits were, that was swampland. There were trees that were taller than the redwoods, and they were tropical trees because it was part of Lemuria. And as things evolved and changed, uh, things, you know, they, uh, the La Brea tar pits were formed. And many animals got caught in them. I just remember as a kid going there and looking at the various dinosaurs and beings, and it made a big impression on me. And um, why do we need to use petroleum? It's something that needs to stay in the mother. I passed the talking stick. Yeah. Uh, um uh, cash technology can replace it right away. Yeah. Um, he's using plasma energy, I'm assuming, something. I mean, he already has the technology to travel to the moon in five minutes. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, we need to kind of uh, our brother Randy and our sister Carol, uh, Rainbird, I mean, are really following this. And Micah's doing it too. So Rama and Tara need to catch up a little bit. Yeah. And maybe what we should do is send that, uh, those, uh, that site where you can learn how to make the Gons water, and that should go up on our website. And it should be in a place where maybe somewhere up uh, underneath the uh, headline thing. I don't know. Even in terms of under the Nasara topic, it could be there, and people could look there, and they could read about Nasara, and they could learn how to do that Uh that particular thing, there still hasn't been a solution 
for the uh, subatomic particles that have razor sharp edges that go into the vaccine. There ha- it hasn't been figured out how to get those things out of the body. Uh, yet Captain Randy told us when I asked a while back, uh, how's that going in terms of cash figuring it out? And he said they're working on it. So this is how seriously situated this problem has become for all of us. I'm just going to say that's uh, a good idea. So let's follow through with that. All right. So um, what are we going to do here? Oh, did I finish? Oh. Yeah. Yes, place all of this in the circle of support as we uh, can focus on uh, consciously raising our vibrations into the quantum field with loving kindness and compassion. We can and do create miracles and magic. Yes. That is the truth. And some, most of us, when we go and fall back into old habits, I just remember that saying that was going on for decades. If you can't beat them, join them. No thanks. No thanks. I do know that with mastery of higher conscious awareness, even as you have gotten the jab. You can transmute it with higher conscious awareness. Yes. All things. Bruce Lipton talks about that in this little piece here. I remember him saying you can take strychnine and you can, you know, overcome it. Can take, well. Gotta have your consciousness in the right place though. You can drink it. Yeah. And it won't harm you. But that is a prerequisite of that is you're living in higher conscious awareness. That's right. And it's dumb, dumb, and dumber to go get vaccinated because then you're for sure you're not living in higher conscious awareness. No. And ignorance is what that is. No. And uh, as Don Juan says that our brother Richard pointed out so well is that Don Juan says the human race has a trouble with stupid. And it's usually, you know, saying something, doing something, thinking something that's beyond who we are in terms of a downward spiral. That's what that means where human race has trouble with stupid. In other words, we don't have the patience is still a virtue. That's what I'm always saying. And right now, you know, fear can kind of possess us to do things that are not worthy of that, which we are. Because it's pretty hairy out there. They are not following the law of one, not even close. And, you know, human beings have just accepted that they're going to die. And that's not even close to the truth, obviously. Okay, so 
This piece that I'm going to play first is from Going Underground with Afshin Ratanzi. And this is exposing things that Empire have done that is just unconscionable. Yet, we are going to get a lot of this, a lot more of this coming forward uh, in the sense that what it is necessary to do, and we've been saying this since since we started the uh, show here and before that on the conference calls, uh, that uh, accountability is necessary before Nasara can be enacted into law. So this, as we witness this, and and witness it with sending the good vibrations that are required in unconditional divine neutrality to correct the course of humanity. Only a small group of us is necessary, as Margaret Mead has said, to do this. So let's listen to this with that in mind. So here we go. Um, the distribution of all our daily products and the infrastructure of our economy. Is this the world, according to Amazon? I'm back in the studio after having had coronavirus here in London for the second time. This is going underground, coming up on the show. While Boris Johnson, who fights for his political life this weekend, may have opposed charging those involved, <coughs> hours away from commemorating a ten-minute massacre, Bloody Sunday, we investigate. And after the Vatican last week beatifies priests slaughtered by alleged so-called U.S.-backed death squads in El Salvador. What should we expect from the country's Supreme Court opening up a new investigation into the murders of Jesuit clerics that inspired Saint Oscar Romero, himself martyred 45 years ago? We speak to an expert witness in the case. All this and more coming up in today's Going Underground, but first, we are on the eve of the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday, which sparked global outrage against the British government for parachute regiment soldiers killing unarmed civilians in Ulster. No one has ever faced trial, and Boris Johnson's beleaguered government has been considering legally immunising all soldiers involved in atrocities. Joining me now from Cookstown, Northern Ireland, is Sinn Féin MP from Mid-Ulster, Francie Malloy. Thanks so much, Francie, for coming uh, back on. I mean, people were waiting this week for Sue Gray and an inquiry. Uh, of course, when it comes to Bloody Sunday, there was a widgery inquiry that people may have forgotten about. Uh, tell me and remind us about what Bloody, Bloody Sunday was and the whitewash committed by uh, British uh, civil servants and officials after the atrocity. Well, thank you very much for the invitation to come on. Bloody Sunday was a change of the Irish political scene. Uh, It was a a massive change because for the first time uh, in the civil rights campaign, British soldiers had actually went in and opened fire uh, with live rounds on on, on unarmed civilians marching. Uh, and the uh, the targets were very much in the line of people walking hand in hand, as the song said at that particular time, following the steps of Martin Luther King, who actually had done the same in America for civil rights. Uh, so it was a massive change uh, and surprise to people who actually were unarmed, unarmed civilians, women and children, families out, uh, demanding civil rights and looking for civil rights. Uh, and for this attack to happen, I guess, it was, of course, 
Ireland's second Bloody Sunday because in the 1920s the Bloody Sunday as well when British troops took and fire in Crow Park uh, so as a reminder of those days and that the, the war was still continuing uh, by the British government the British army in, in Derry yeah, the first one when Churchill's uh, Black and Tans fired into, into a uh, uh, football stadium. But, um, I mean, I'll get to the parachute regiment in a second. Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, has said previously that uh, as regards uh, who should take responsibility for it, there would be, quote, there would be a storm of utter fury if four men were charged for killings while the IRA gets away with it. Well, of course, a lot of IRA men and women they served long periods of time in jail, thousands of them in long in English prisons and Irish prisons, and across the world, uh, Republicans were actually convicted in jails, some of them on very uh, scapulated grounds, uh, and forced confessions and torture and all the rest of it that goes the legacy of the British control in Ireland. Uh, so the, the fact that nobody has been held responsible for Bloody Sunday, whenever 14 people died on very Sunday, the 13 on the day and one followed after that, and nobody has been found guilty of that. It is very clear from the Wagery Tribunal, first of all, it was a total farce, and, and things could have been sorted out at that time. But I, I suppose the problem is that the British government find it difficult to convict soldiers for doing what they were sent out to do by the powers that be at that time. And it's quite clear that the direction for this come directly from Downing Street, well, of course, following orders after Nuremberg, no, uh, uh, no excuse for, for any kind of atrocity. And you're going to have to tell me which prime ministers. And tell me about the commander on the day, Frank Kitson. Uh, he had uh, been in Cyprus, in Bahrain, in uh, a number of places in Kenya, uh, famously for trying to destroy the independence movement there. Uh, he's alive. We invite him on, on the show. He was commanding one para, also involved in uh, Bally Murphy in 1971. Well, of course, Frank Kisson was the architect of all of this, not only of the shoot-to-kill policy, which was carried out on Bloody Sunday in Ballymurphy and in other parts of the north, but very much on the line of the collusion, where he used the loyalist forces in collusion with the armed forces of the UDR and the RUC to carry out the murders on the nationalist people. So Kisson's theories, as he put in the book, is very much on the line of the strategy that has been followed by the parachute regiment on this day. And it is remarkable actually how he has never been held to account for all of the atrocities that were carried out following the example that he gave. And, and as you say, and not only in Ireland but around the world where he divided and conquered, where they partitioned and where they murdered people to try and put down any objections to British rule in whatever country it may be. I mean, over a hundred uh, bullets shot in ten minutes on Bloody Sunday 50 uh, years ago, but disgraced former CIA boss General Petraeus said he read Frank Kitson's book when uh, trying to counter insurgency in Afghanistan and Iraq. What does it make you feel uh, that uh, the events of Bloody Sunday are somehow connected to the killing, wounding, or displacing of tens of millions of people across uh, the Middle East or West Asia uh, <laughs> in the past few years? Well, it, it, just that colonial power and the domination that Britain has tried to do across the world, the empire is slowly diminishing. What they stay, still try to hold on to uh, as many areas and places as possible, whether it be by setting in governments to, uh, to replace others, by partitioning countries in order to divide and conquer, uh, or whether, uh, as on the same in Ireland, where the partition 
the, the country after the British Sunday of 1920 that reacting then finished up following the same strategy following the same idea they, they, some say Britain has learned nothing in Ireland but the one thing it has done is it has continued to do what it done at those times and right to root its colonial powers across the world can you understand why the British government feels that the Good Friday Agreement put a uh, curtain behind all those days and the fact that any uh, legacy issues, if they were tried in court, might reveal that weapons were being imported from apartheid South Africa and the role of MI5, the building just next to the studio here, and uh, the fact that um, uh, apparently uh, collusive behaviour uh, according to the police ombudsman for Northern Ireland report, which was only released in the past few days. Well, I think it's quite clear just what the British government have been involved in Ireland in, in no, 30 years from the early civil rights campaign. Uh, I took part in the first civil rights march from Colina to Dunyan, uh, and that was actually basically looking for one man, one vote, the right to a house and the right to a job. Uh, and the British government on Stormont at that time couldn't deliver those simple demands. Because to give people rights, they would stay in the country and, and they would look for jobs and would stay and they would outnumber the, uh, the unions vote in, in the years to come. So the, uh, the whole collusion issue has been part and partial of how the British control Ireland and, and, and even to this day. And the reports, the most recent reports from the Ombudsman clearly state that there was collusion in the murders, that collusion directed by the British government, collusion implemented by the RUC, UDR and, and Special Branch, the importation of the South African weapons by British agents, uh, I think at a time whenever the South African regime was coming to an end uh, and where the, uh, the British were rearming the loyalists here and most of the murders that happened that time were murders carried out by those weapons brought in from South Africa. Well, the Ministry of Defence um, says the way the army is trained, the way it works and the way it operates have all changed significantly. What about uh, Jeremy Corbyn, actually? I mean, some say that he only came within 2,227 votes of becoming Prime Minister of this country. But, of course, he was very active in the Irish civil rights struggle. Uh, do you believe that it's uh, a shadow still lingers over British politics today, that uh, uh, politicians in Parliament here cannot speak about the Irish civil rights struggle for fear of security service reprisal today? Yeah, I think there's also that, that fear within the man, but you know, Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonald and others within the Empire, Paul Rose was one of the, the key players at the time of the civil rights campaign, uh, and even Jim Callum actually came to Derry and actually spoke in relation to rectifying the wrongs of Avon, the, the William Whitelaw with the Secretary of State that probed Stormont, which actually got an end to Stormont as a parliament is no longer a parliament, it's simply an assembly because they couldn't manage the, uh, the proper control of power uh, and, and they instigated the, the Special Powers Act they also instigated the, the shoot to kill and they introduced internment you know, Rand Faulkner with the, the go-ahead from the British government introduced internment which again inflicted wounds on the nationalist people and turned people uh, who were totally innocent uh, and, and who weren't involved in anything whatsoever and of course we have to remember that stage there was no IRA in operation. No, Bloody Sunday and others brought out who became recruiting agents for the IRA because of the, uh, what the British government were doing in Ireland. And uh, uh, as part of the Good Friday Agreement, MI5 are allowed to operate freely with the BSNI. I'm going to ask about Joe Biden. He's famously, uh, some people report that uh, his house... Uh, uh, 
rocks to the sound of rebel songs uh, in the evening sometimes. Obviously, Britain wants a post-Brexit trade deal with the United States. Do you think Bloody Sunday is a factor in Joe Biden's um, uh, actions towards his NATO ally, Britain? Well, I, I don't know the details, obviously, uh, around what Joe Biden's thinking is, um, but I know uh, Irish American, the Democratic Party in particular, have been a key player. Bill Clinton was a key player in bringing about the Good Friday Agreement. And I think right across Irish America, there is the good swell of support for the nationalist cause because they know what Britain and Clinton Ireland over the years. Joe Biden and others know that, like the Kennedys, that they actually had to run away from Ireland looking for woke because of the actions of the British government in those early years. So it is very important the uh, role of the Irish Americans in play, uh, played in both the Good Friday Agreement and in the political dimension of any movement thing forward. And I think he has made it quite clear that if you interfere with the Good Friday Agreement, that there will be no trade agreement between Britain and America. Uh, so that's a very strong lever against Boris Johnson at the present time. Uh, and it's a lever, I think, that America will in, make sure that they carry out and control to make sure that the, the Good Friday Agreement is not tampered with and not damaged in any way whatsoever. But remember, the Good Friday Agreement hasn't been fully implemented. We need to see it fully implemented. And again, you know, we are talking years after the Good Friday Agreement was signed, and we still haven't got the full implementation of the Good Friday Agreement. And that's up to both the British and the Irish government to make sure, as the guarantors, that they carry that out, because we do have the right to a vote on Irish unity. Uh, and that's been held back by the British, British Secretary of State at the present time, who won't give that referendum on Irish unity for the people in law. That was one of the guarantees of the Good Friday Agreement. It has never been lived up to. Francis Malloy, thank you. Thank you. After the break. Another NATO nation atrocity, we speak to an expert witness in the reopening of an investigation into the alleged U.S.-backed 1989 Jesuit priest massacre in El Salvador. All this and more coming up in part two of Going Underground. Hold on, everybody. Hold on. Listen very carefully to this, because... It just gets blurred out. It doesn't really sink in until we really listen. So let's do this one. Welcome back. 100 years ago today, the second federation of Central America, comprising Latin American nations we know today, formally dissolved after an attempt to create a regional government amid increased U.S. influence in the region. One of those nations was El Salvador, a country which later descended into a 12-year civil war, reportedly killing over 75,000 civilians. One of the most notorious crimes during the war was the Jesuit massacre of 1989. Now, 33 years old, the Salvadorian Supreme Court has ordered the case to be reopened after an hour overturned amnesty law prevented prosecutions. Joining me now from California is a war crimes and human rights investigator of Stanford University's Political Science and Latin American Studies Department, Professor Terry Lynn Carl. Thank you so much, Professor, for uh, coming on. In part one, we talked about the 50th anniversary of uh, uh, mass UK killing in Ireland known as Bloody Sunday and attempts for justice. But why has El Salvador opened this criminal investigation uh, into events in 1989 where, of course, uh, Reagan stands accused of of, uh, funding de facto death squads? I think Reagan actually funded the, the uh, Salvadoran military, which is very important because it was the Salvadoran military that started at, at death squads. 
along with some civilian allies. What they used to do is take off their uniform and then go out and kill people and then put their uniform back on. And then in the case of El Masote, which is the worst massacre in uh, Latin American contemporary history, they had their uniforms on. Now, that's really important because why open the Jesuit case? The first thing to understand is that the current president has formed an alliance with the military. Therefore, to the extent that the Jesuit case may or may not be opened, it will be opened on civilians and not on the military. That's my understanding. The civilians are uh, President Alfredo Cristiani, who was president of the Arena Party, and the other one is, a, is an attorney named Robert Parker, who is quite an enemy of the current government. So what you're seeing here is actually the political manipulation of human rights trials, because the civilians will be charged, and I very much doubt we will see any Salvadoran military charged, and if they are, they will be very low level, um, if this case proceeds forward. On on whether it actually proceeds, obviously the president denies uh, that uh, there is anything being cooked here. You testified as an expert witness at uh, trials in Spain. Uh, Do you expect to be an expert witness in this one? I do not. Um, I think that the Spanish have all the evidence they need. They particularly have some of the evidence that the Salvadoran government needs um, if they were going to proceed with this. I actually think this trial is a way to threaten leaders of the Arena Party, um, who um, have, uh, particularly President Cristiani, it was just uh, revealed in the Pandora Papers that he has 16 offshore uh, accounts, a lot of, quite a lot of money stashed away. And I think this is actually a way to pressure the Arena Party, which the Bukele government would like to see uh, disappear. I should just quickly say, though, ex-president uh, Cristiani has already denied involvement in the killing, uh, killing the priests. The uh, investigation, I mean, I, should the investigation, do you, have you ever felt this, that it should, it should target Fort Benning in Georgia, where I understand the alleged killers were all trained, the School of the Americas? Well, you can't really do that under Salvadoran law or under command responsibility law. The the killing of the Jesuits was ordered from the high command of the military. The high command of the military and the highest commander was President Cristiani. The question is, did he order it or did the top of the military order it? That's really the the issue that was in the Spanish case. He was an unindicted co-conspirator in the Spanish case. It is very clear to me, and this makes Salvadoran law different than Spanish law, that President Cristiani knew about this the the massacre of the Jesuit priests when it happened, and he also um, was deeply involved in the cover-up. Uh, that doesn't mean that he was the person who particularly ordered that. According to command responsibility law, if he knew or should have known and failed to prevent this or punish those who uh, carried out the massacre, then he is in fact culpable. So uh, they are going after the civilian top commander of the military, even though he didn't really control the military at the time. Well, he denies wrongdoing, and also uh, anything from the Pandora Papers uh, indicating uh, alleged uh, illegality. Let's just go to El Mazzotti. You better just very briefly tell us how um, uh, the numbers killed, the numbers of children 
killed. Even Britain abstained over a motion of the UN uh, uh, about, and of course, Mrs. Thatcher was a uh, friend of General Pinochet's. Uh, what happened in El Mazote in 1981? In 1981, the Salvadoran military, uh, pushed large part by the United States, um, went into areas that they believed were controlled by the guerrillas, and they believed that every civilian that lived in those areas, by virtue of their geographic location, um, was a guerrilla. Now, that was never true, by the way, that civilians always supported um, whoever occupied their territory. Now, what happened in El Mesote, which is, as I said, the largest massacre that we know of in Latin America in the contemporary period, is uh, the Atlacatl Battalion of the of uh, the Salvadoran military, which was formed under, I would say, U.S. tutelage. It was not trained in, in this one, was not trained in the United States. That came later under the Jesuits. But what happened here is they invaded uh, the town of El Mesote. The town was peaceful. It was unarmed. The guerrillas had left the area because they had a great deal of forewarning that this was coming. But in the town of El Mesote, there was a story that the people in El Mesote as the largest town would be safe. So lots of people fled into El Mesote, much more than the actual population of the city. Of the vill- it's a little village. And there were about a 1,000 people who fled there for safety from the Salvadoran military. When they got there, the military came in. It had everybody, almost a 1,000 people, lie down um, that they could, everybody they could find. They pulled them out of their houses. They had them lie down in the plaza. And then very strangely, this has never happened before, they let them go back to their homes that night. It was very clear they were waiting orders because there were more people in the town than they expected. The orders came the next morning. They pulled everybody out again at dawn. They separated the men, women, and children. They took the men away first. They told the women that they were taking the men to safety, and they killed every one of them. Then they killed the women, and then they killed the children. The numbers that we work with are approximately 1,000 people, of which 553 are under the age of 12 or are very young youth. So more than half were children. If you see, if you go to El Mesote, what you see that we have tried to do is list the names of the children and the very first forensic digs, which happened during the peace agreements in 1992, um, there was only enough money to dig up one of the sites where 124 children, and all of these were babies, they were very young, um, were dug up. And I understand instances of rape reported and uh, and the children being uh, hanged. You know, we've had two former national security advisors on this show. We invite Elliot Abrams uh, on. Um, he was uh, Assistant Secretary of State at the time. And uh, he has subsequently been uh, the special representative of the United States to Iran and to Venezuela. Of course, many allegations about U.S. policy in Venezuela in recent times. Um, he he says that uh, actually uh, the numbers uh, do not uh, tally at all. Uh, that uh, for a start, uh, the U.S. military um, people like General Galvin, later NATO commander. Uh, seventh commander would never count as torture. This is more more generally there. And uh, as for El Mazote, 
there weren't nearly that number of people. There were only 200 or 300 people there. Well, he's using the line of Defense Minister Garcia, who said um, he has said many things. First, he and Elliot Abrams and the U.S. government um, denied that any massacre occurred. Oh. The reason we had the 1992 forensic dig was because from 1981 to 1992, they denied that there was any massacre. When we dug up the bodies, and you could see the bodies of the children were shot, most of them. Some were beheaded um, in the uh-huh. soccer field, and others were hung from the trees. But um, the children in the dig that we did were killed in what was called the convent. Um, they were killed, and they were buried in a place that we knew of. So the very first forensic digs... Um, were digs were were bodies of children. It was clear they were all massacred. It was clear they were massacred by bullets that had come from uh, Missouri in the United States. So the weapons were provided by the United States. Those who killed them were the Atlacatzel. There is no doubt about this. There can be no doubt about this. And one of the things that has been very important in these years, from 1992, the dig all the way through the trial that was just canceled in El Salvador, or stopped in El Salvador, um, is that you cannot no longer deny this massacre. You cannot deny the numbers. We have the names. We can list the people. We have um, are slowly uh, identifying through DNA the identities of many of the children so that their very small caskets can be given back uh, to their surviving family members. So, you know, to say that this is exaggerated, it didn't happen, that the victims are lying, that this was a guerrilla plot, some of the uh, uh, Salvadoran military says that this was a cemetery of the guerrillas, um, none of that is borne out by all the evidence we have, and we have a lot of evidence. Okay, okay. well, Reagan's Assistant Secretary of State, Thomas Anderson, said no evidence to confirm government forces actually systematically massacred uh, civilians. Um, he later apologized. I, I want to say that he later wrote an op-ed and apologized for that um, in the New York Times, I believe, which goes along with what I'm saying about the denials. But he later apologized. He said there was a massacre. He was sorry he denied it. He had been given this information. And he was sorry he had testified in the U.S. Congress in the way he had. So just to let you know that some of these people have changed their minds. What about Elliot Abrams? Because I did notice, I mean, you're on a committee. You're on a committee of the National Endowment for Democracy, which we talk about on this program a lot, uh, as a kind of vanguard, a rear vanguard, perhaps, of of, uh, regime change in different countries. So is Elliot Abrams. Uh, Tell me about how you do what you do knowing that there are forces that still want to oppose your view that uh, what was done was wrong, given that Abrams, you know, in the night he said, when asked, do you think our level of military aid is worth it? He said, yes, knowing the thousands of people that died. Of course he says yes. And um, he says yes because U.S. policy at the time under him was... Uh, that arming and support of the Salvador military. And this is a military that we knew was killing thousands and thousands and thousands of civilians. What is so shocking about the El Masante massacre is the children. I mean, not, it's not a shocking massacre. I've documented 53 rural massacres in El Salvador, and that's 
That's only a partial number. These are big massacres. They're in the rural areas where they're very hard to document because if you don't dig up bodies, if you don't go to the rural areas, which was extremely dangerous when we were going there, um, because that's where all the, not all, but that's where a lot of the killing was. If you look back at the news then, people covered mostly urban killings and death squad killings. But what was happening at the same time, and Elliot Abrams was fully aware of this, He's just not telling the truth, and I want to say something about him. Um, he was indicted and convicted of perjury. So the fact that the, uh, another administration brought him back and tried to rehabilitate him, he did lie to Congress. He was convicted of that. Um, and he may be in the National Endowment of Democracy, but I am not. If there, my name is listed there, that's an error. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised. I, I, I never knew that, so thank you for that. Um, now, what I have been on is the board of the Journal of Democracy, um, and that is financed by um, the National Endowment of Democracy. But I have never believed in my entire career that democracy was like oil and it could be exported. And my, one of my favorite lines in the Iraq war was one of the Iraq ministers who said, if you think we produce carrots, do you think we would be invaded? So um, there is a difference and a scholarly difference, if I can put it that way, between who funds you and the kinds of academic freedom we are supposed to have in the Journal of Democracy. Professor Terry Lincoln, thank you. That's it for the show. We'll be back on Monday when we talk political corruption, power to the people in corporate espionage with U.S. presidential contender Dennis Kucinich, who recounts attempts to kill him in his new book, The Division of Light and Power. Until then, keep in touch by all our social media. Let us know if you think states should be held accountable for military killings of civilians. Okay. Do you want to play that 11-minute uh Meditation now, Rama, and then I'll go back to, we'll play, uh, what's our friend? Bruce Lipton. Bruce Lipton after that. Oh, you mean Cryon? Yeah. Yeah, I will change the energy. Well, no, it'll be a good time to, uh, do some work around this. This, this was a humdinger. Yeah. And I... we're gonna hear a whole bunch more of stuff that Empire did. And, you know, Elliot Abrams will get held accountable when his day comes. At least he apologized temporarily. Um, But that was, this. there's so much covered up that's going to get uncovered now. So the work we do here is invaluable. And let's know that, you know, hope is a bounce. What I gotta say on what we, planet Earth, H-O-P-E. What I gotta say about what you just played and Ronnie Ray guns and the whole fiasco about the Republican criminal party, Ollie North is still a commentator on CNN and he's not in the head for international War crime. It'll become so. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to state it. People have to make decisions to do the right thing, even though they've got tremendous power and they've got lots of money. And that yeah. is, that's a possible and probable 
happening as we do the work, as we take care of ourselves in every aspect of uh, our being and every moment. Just a second. And again, they didn't say that was going to be easy. This is Tryon. Your work here is shifting the entire galaxy. Uh-huh. I can attest to this. Every single day, I'm seeing it. Just we look. can all see it. It's not just, just Rama that can see it. Just, just gotta look train our- up and go past the chemtrails and whatever's going on and look at the sun. You can work with your third eye. That's very helpful. That's right. Greetings, dear ones, I'm Cryon of Magnetic Service. This is different from other gatherings. Other gatherings, there are many who come to hear the Cryon work, to hear the channelings, the voices from beyond, not this gathering. This is a gathering with purpose, and the Cryon channeling is an addendum. A guidance for what is here. I want you to understand an underlying principle of energy that is in this room now. And it's one that sometimes you miss. You miss it because you are consumed with the tones, with the purpose, with the intent. But you miss the real thing. And that is, what's this about? If someone were to hear you in here and would ask you when you leave, well, what are you doing? What's this about? What would you say? What really would you say? The C could stand for celebration. It could stand for creation. It could stand for crystalline choir. And that is what we want to tell you about in this short amount of time. You might say it's a review, but it isn't. What's going to be revealed today, some of you have been asking for. This one is special. If you are with me in the crystalline quartz mines, a little way from here, you will have heard this information before. Many of you did not. Everything here was a setup, and it was set up when humanity was seated. Over 200,000 years ago, when all of this began, that's not long, not long at all. And the creation story itself was present. You had the seeding of the human being. DNA was changed forever. You are part Pleiadian. There are those who walk this planet and accuse you of being aliens. 
You are. And so are they. The science that was presented in this very room indicates that the missing link. I think first and foremost, we have to concede that we're dealing with a gigantic mystery. When I was working, it felt like something was not right. What happened after she signed it? I had to house. Missing link that would give you 20 fair, 24 pairs of chromosomes is not there. It's just not there. It won't be there unless you go to the stars. You are part of the parents that are Pleiadian. And when you came, there was a plan. You might even call it the meaning of life. The plan was to come on this planet with an awakened consciousness with God inside and with free choice see what would happen there is a reason for this an underlying reason why you would be here why can't God make these decisions why do humans have to come and work a puzzle at all and the reason is God is biased in love there's something that happens when a planet of free choice makes a decision and raises its vibration. The whole galaxy is changed. One at a time, one planet among trillions, one planet at a time, chosen for this. The only planet of free choice at this moment is this one. And the prophecy was clear. That when you cross this meridian, if you want to call it, which is the precession of the equinoxes, it all starts. This is why the nodes and the nulls were put here. This is why the time, the time capsules were prepared 200,000 years even before that. They would open on time if the humans knew about them and would do it. Dear ones, do you understand what's going on here? As esoteric as this may seem to those on the outside, you are activating something that is profound right now. On this crystalline node, you are then activating it to broadcast to the crystalline grid, which is more than you think. On the seventh time, I'm going to tell you why it's more than you think. Once this is activated with the tones that you are doing now, it begins slowly to spread a remembrance, which oddly enough is the next letter. <laughs> R. This is important. People have said, well, it's maybe a little too profound. What would have happened if there had been no Yahi? What would have happened if there had been no crystalline choir, or perhaps even the choir of activation in Maui? What would have happened? And the answer is, someone else would have done it. What would have happened if my partner had not taken on cryon? Someone else would have done it. This is intrinsic to the time. It's important that you understand this. You're in the right time to the right place. But it had to happen. And it would have.
But in this particular case, it happened perfectly, and there was a Yahi, and he remembered. I want to ask you, what are the odds that a man of science would also remember that from his Pleiadian mother at this time on the planet? What are the odds? It ought to tell you, right time, right schedule. See, the crystalline choir begins now. Building a bridge of enlightenment through seed sounds of creation. The letter R. Through the seed sounds of creation. How do you build a bridge with a tone? And how do you know what the tone is? Through remembering what it was like at the creation. This is an R. This is remembering. This is the bottom line of why you're here. And you might ask yourself, remembering what? Really? What does the tone represent? What is it exactly that you are bringing from that long ago through the toning that is pineal, the pineal representing that reservoir of higher self-energy? What is it you're remembering? What was it like? What are the attributes And how does it apply to today? These are the questions that are the basis and the, the actual elements to the crystalline grid, to this exercise today. What is it you're spreading into this node right now? What is it you're activating that would create Information which is going to go all over the planet to an esoteric grid, not a physical grid. This is a physical node. But the crystalline grid echoes this physical node. Whatever you do here and activates and starts to rewrite history. Whales, dear humanity, dear ones in this room, doctor, whales are the living crystalline grid. They are the ones that carry the crystalline grid into the oceans. They're the library of consciousness for this planet. You have known this. You had to know this. You have cherished them. You have laughed when they jump out of the water. You've looked them in the eye. You felt their wisdom. Every country in the world, if they have any kind of sense, they would have an agreement not to kill this animal, and many of them do. This is revered the humanity of the earth is starting to recognize the value of this animal. It is a multidimensional thing that they have. They carry what the planet cannot in the crystalline grid, the living crystalline grid. And you seek them out, doctor, and you make their noises and you want to sing to them. You want to even hang upside down in the water to emulate what they do. And this is why. Therefore, I will tell you that the knoll associated with a node that is crystalline is Mount Fitzroy in Patagonia. Doesn't it make sense? That's where the whales are. 
That's where the crystalline grid is for the living part of it, not the esoteric part of it. Now you know why the doctor makes whale sounds first. And that's what he enjoys the most. You have an affinity with this animal, don't you? Now you know why. The next time you see one, I want you to understand that they're more than you think. Much more. They've been saved from extinction, and they will continue to reproduce. But the place that they go to mate and have their children is important because the children then receive the crystalline information. The very activation that you're making today goes right to them through Mount Fitzroy. And so it is. And the whales have been on this planet 10 million years before us. And they have human souls, just to know that. Same thing with dolphins and same thing with... Orcas. They are dolphins. Yeah. Octopus. That's the one that a lot of people (laughs) scratch their heads about, but they have human souls too. Yeah, I at one point did eat some octopus, and then I woke up and said, no more. (laughs) Good idea. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to have a little listen here. You'll recognize this. Dear soul, thank, thank every day for his presence on the planet. Here we go. That's your problem. What's your solution? How do we want our lives to change beyond the COVID-19 virus crisis? That is the question of this special series of camp solutions. As a biologist, Bruce Lipton developed the theory of epigenetics. According to epigenetics, our beliefs exercise greater control over our health than our genes. So what can we do with our beliefs and attitudes when we face the threat of the virus? Welcome to camp solutions. best make my immune system work? Number one is this. Nutrition is the foundation of the culture medium, blood. (laughs) In my laboratory, I can tell you we don't buy our chemicals from Kmart. We buy the best, highest quality ingredients because if I compromise on the nutrition, the cells will get sick right away because the environment is not supporting them. So, number one, eat healthy, organic, food or non-industrial food, because industrial food is is toxic with all the chemicals they spray all over the place, okay? So eating healthy food, number one. Okay, Uh, number two, we should be taking vitamins and minerals to supplement ourselves because our conventional diet is not really providing the nourishment needed for us. The industrial farm food is is food that has taste but no quality, basically what it comes down to. 
Uh, number three, exercise. Exercise for this reason. You are enhancing the quality of your blood through exercise. You're oxygenating it, you're cleaning it, you're filtering it, because when you're exercising, the body maintains itself. And lastly, watch the picture in your mind. Because the whole idea of the picture in your mind is controlling the biology because the picture in the mind translated into chemistry by the brain is then adjusting the 50 trillion cells in your body. We're all familiar with the mind creating health. That's called the placebo effect. What is it? You know, oh, here's this greatest new pill. It's even colored purple. I always like that. Yeah, it's purple. It must be better. It's purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then you believe that this pill is really going to take care of your illness. You really have a belief in that. You take the pill, you get well. Find out the pill was a sugar pill. You're only left with what healed you. <laughs> it wasn't the pill. It was your belief in the pill because the belief of healing is what you visualize. But you, you make the point so clear that whatever the picture is we have in our minds, you know, basically drives uh, our health. Uh, and that is so important, probably even more important than the food we eat. So, but here's the thing. Now we're being told that we have to be very careful with each other because there's this highly infectious um, disease, this virus is going in, uh, around the society. So there are solutions like social distancing and wearing a mask. But with it comes the message, I guess, of fear, which, you know, what is that then doing? Well, this is the whole problem, because uh, in a previous year, let's just say, you know, two years ago, oh, uh, television ad, flu season is coming. Don't forget to get your flu shot. And everybody goes, and most of them don't, of course. But this year, the message was totally different. Flu season is coming, and you're going to die. <laughs> it's like, Holy jeez, you know, the, the fear all of a sudden, it's not a few people, oh, millions of people are going to die. Well, I could be in millions. If it's a few, I'm not going to be there. But if it's millions, I say, why is it relevant? Because now what's the picture? The picture is illness is coming after me and I'm going to die. And I go, well, is that going to be love chemistry <laughs> coming out of that brain? Well, absolutely not. It's stress chemistry. And I go, so why is it relevant? Oh my God, why is it relevant? Because number one is this. You know, less than 1% of disease is connected to genes. I go, yeah? Then where's disease coming from? 90% of illness on this planet is actually due to stress and lifestyle. You say, why is that relevant? Because when we used to blame things on genes, you were a victim. Why? Well, you didn't pick the genes, you can't change the genes, those are your genes, that's your fate. That's what we got programmed with. My genes are my fate. And I go... Under the concept of genetic control, which is what I was teaching back then, 40, 50 years ago, uh, the belief, uh, and the public is still believing this, that genes control the character of your life. Well, the first problem here is control. Genes are blueprints. They are not self-actualizing, meaning a gene does not control its own expression. I go, oh, well, that was the story of genetic control. Genes are activating and making your life. The new story, which is what I saw in my tissue culture, is called epigenetic control, epi, above the genes. Control above the genes. What's the control above the genes? Well, the environment in which the cells are living, which is the expression of blood. And so all of a sudden it says, 
If you change your consciousness, you change the blood composition, and the blood composition is expressing the genetic activity. The so traditional medical response in a situation like this is, oh, we need to control this. So that means we need a drug that kills the thing, or we need a vaccine that makes it uh, ineffective. It's all about control. Now, do you think there's a race that we can win? Uh, yes, if you understand the intelligence of the body, which is lost in most of the science. And I go, what do you mean? Look, the immune system has been in this body ever since we had a body. The immune system has kept civilization alive 100,000 years before medical school even got here. And I say the immune system is a miracle of intelligence. I go, so why is it important? Because if you get a shot in your arm or in some place, you have bypassed the intelligence of the system. Uh, it's just sort of like uh, you're walking down the street, and all of a sudden, boom, something happened. Nobody knew why, where, where it came from, how it happened. Now, this is especially important in regard to um, vaccines for children. I go, why? <clears throat> Child's immune system isn't even really mature or developed enough until after age two. I say, so what, you're giving these kids this poison? And you're one, and, they, and their system isn't working right? And you go, well, how else is the body going to learn? I go, how did it learn before medical school? And here's the answer. We have been told forever that the tonsils in our throat are for protection. That's completely false. <laughs> the tonsils are not for protection. They don't launch an immune response in the tonsils. The tonsils are, in fact, under the thickest lining of the entire digestive tract. The lining of the throat is as thick as the skin on the outside of your body. I say, why? Well, if there's going to be an infection, the last place it's going to go into is the throat down to the stomach area. So I said, then what the hell are the tonsils there for? And this is what they misunderstood, and this is the secret. You have little channels from the tonsil opening up into the throat. Well, if you want protection, why the heck did you make a channel to connect to the throat? And the answer is, tonsil sample, everything going down the throat, and in the tonsils, this is the learning center of the immune system. And this is why children, infants, unconsciously, reflexively, stick everything in their world into their mouth. I go, why? Nature's vaccination mechanism. It reads the environment. It gets a physical understanding of everything in your world. That's what the, what the tonsils are for. Okay? And so why is that relevant? Because if you want to vaccinate someone and use the system that was created a million years ago that keeps us healthy and alive, and that is oral. So point, I'm not against vaccines, but I only support vaccines that are oral. Because you're then engaging an intelligent learning system. The immune system has what? Learning and memory. Learning about antigens, the invasive things, and then mem remembering them so they ever come back, they can have it. Learning and memory? That's called nervous system. The immune system is an extension of the nervous system. Yeah. So, so from your perspective, and including all your, you know, being helpful research uh, epigenetics, would you say that disease is caused by viruses or bacteria and is outside invaders? Is, is that your perspective of disease? 
Well, it, it can be, okay? And, and I have to say, look, uh, this is something people don't even know, so we're ready to talk something new right here, and that is this. How can one cell communicate with another cell? Well, there are three ways. The first two ways are the ones we've been studying for years and years and years. I say, what is that? The nervous system sends axons, which are part of nerve cells, and touch cells in the body so the signal from the ear can affect the something here. I go, yeah, that's great. But then I say out of 50 trillion cells, only a small percentage of our cells are connected to the nervous system. So I said, oh, then how else does the body get control? I said, the brain uh, releases hormones <laughs> that go through the system and that cells can pick up these hormones and adjust their biology. The third and most valuable form of communication in biology is a virus. You know why? What is a virus? Let's first clear that out. Because people, I'm going to kill a virus. I go, well, that'd be interesting since a virus has never been alive. Killing it is a real interesting concept. I go, what do you mean? What is a virus? It's the equivalent of a thumb drive, a memory stick in a computer. It's a thumb drive protein capsule with information on the inside. It doesn't breathe. It doesn't have metabolism, nothing. It has no more life to it than a thumb drive. It's a device to carry information and provide it for something else. Mm-hmm. So I say, so how does it work? I said, well, you can't kill it. It was never alive. I said, well, you can interfere with it. And I say, what? You know that thumb drive has got the little prongs and the plug, and then it fits into the socket? Well, what if I break the prongs? What if I throw mud in the prongs? I go, what? It can't connect. Ah, the immune system inhibits the function of viruses by sticking or glomming on proteins to the connecting so the virus can't send its message. There's an understanding of something called exosomes in biology. I said, what are exosomes? So the word exo means outer and some means body. Our cells make exosomes that target other cells. I go, well, wait, exosome. I said, what's in an exosome? Well, it's got nucleic acid, RNA, DNA. It's got some cytokines that control the immune system. Oh, well, wait a minute. This little structure, carrying information, is sent from one cell, picked up by another cell, plugged in, information passed to the other cell. I go, wait, crap. An exosome is a virus. (laughs) Our own cells make them. When you look at the human genome, 3% of the DNA makes a human body. Oh, yeah, and what? 5 to 8% of the genome makes viruses. We have already been programmed. Why? From the ancient day of viruses from day one, they are the most effective, specific means of communication. What are the biggest issues of viruses? Well, they do either two main things. One, they cause cells to divide more with the information, or a virus can send information to a cell that kills that cell. Uh-huh. So in other words, the system can regulate the population of cells with signals that say divide, die. Viruses send the two most important messages that you can't throw out. You need them with specificity of a telegram. I'm going to this cell, and I'm going to tell that cell to divide or die. And guess what that leads to? Cancer is an exosome product. Everybody's been blaming the cancer cell as being a stupid cell that has gone crazy and is going to give you cancer, and that's the problem. And here's the bigger issue. A cancer cell is not the problem. A cancer cell is a symptom of a problem. It says you're not living in harmony, and therefore there's a point of I'm finished, I don't want to be here, 
I go, this is not your conscious mind. This is your subconscious that's reviewing your life and saying, are you happy? Do you like your life? Do you want to be here? You don't want to be here? Negative thinking can kill you. It's called nocebo instead of placebo. I go, so why is it relevant? I say, cancer is not caused by a gene. There's no gene that causes cancer. Who are we all with the breast cancer gene? I said, no, no. The genes you call cancer genes are correlated with a cancer, but they don't cause a cancer. I say, why is it relevant? You kill all the damn cancer cells in your body. I said, did you get rid of the cancer? I say, well, you might have gotten rid of the cells. Did you get rid of the cause? And the cause wasn't the cells. The cause was the consciousness. And so what do we now know? 90% of cardiovascular disease, the biggest killer on this planet, 90% lifestyle consciousness. And then it turns out the same answer applies to cancer. Only 10% of cancer even has a hereditary connection. 90% of cancer is no cancer, and all of a sudden, boom, there's cancer. Let's go, well, what does that mean? It's like, it's lifestyle. And so you can kill all the damn cancer cells you want, but if you didn't change the original source, which is the problem of not living in harmony, if you don't change that, then the cancer is going to come back. So, so there's this consciousness, of course. And yes. what that is a problem is that, you know, we run so much of our lives on kind of an autopilot. That's subconsciously, right? So we don't make conscious decisions whether we love. Oh, yeah. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, and I'm so glad you brought it up, Jerry, because that's one of the most important points. Because I'm not saying you consciously are thinking, oh, I'm out of life, I'm out of control, yeah. I want cancer. That's nothing to do with the conscious mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad you brought it up just so we get a, an understanding. So let's separate, because we say the mind, I go, ah, there are two minds. Yes. And they learn in different ways, and that's a bigger problem. And they have two different functions. Conscious mind is creative, subconscious mind is habit. Fine. If you have good habits, good. If you have bad habits, bad. Okay, so I go, and I say, conscious mind is creative. They can think of any darn thing. The conscious mind is, if I ask you, Jorian, I say, tell me what you want from your life. It's a creative answer. comes from the conscious mind. Conscious mind has your wishes and your desires and what you want out of your life. That's the conscious mind. And I go, and what about subconscious? Programs. You downloaded programs of how to be a member of a family and how to be a member of a community by doing what? watching your mother, your father, your siblings, community, you were recording like a video recorded behavior. How do I behave as a child? How, how do I behave as a member of this community? I have to watch the others. So the first seven years, theta, hypnosis, download programs. From where? Other people. First big problem is this. Are you filtering the programs? Like, is this a good program or a bad program? I go, no. Filtering requires consciousness. Consciousness is not even working. So you're downloading all programs, good or bad, okay? Uh, and then uh, I say, so uh, do the people you just downloaded programs from support your wishes and your desires? If not, you've got a program that's not going to take you where you want to go. No, I have, no. 95% of the day is the amount of time we spend thinking, and by definition, that's the time we uh, give power to the autopilot subconscious, and then all we see are the results. And now here's where the, the big problem comes from. You go out with vision of wishes and desires, and you go out in the morning, I'm getting there. And you come home at night, it didn't work again, it didn't work, it didn't work. You go, why didn't it work? Well, it's not me. You know Why? I have all the good visions. Mm-hmm. It's those people. It's that thing. 
I all of a sudden as a victim of not succeeding in my wishes and desires, I'm about to blame every damn thing in the world that I think has gotten in the way, except for the fact I didn't put myself into the story because I'm the first one who created the behavior. Everything that happened to me was a response to my unconscious, subconscious behavior. So, so from that perspective, what is the, you know, yeah. you just spoke a while back on uh, about the, uh, the viruses actually being messengers, right? So yeah. The, what is the message of COVID-19? The, co- the message of COVID-19 is, are you in, uh, is your immune system in good state? The stress of today's world is uh, the, the primary factor controlling uh, our health and our vitality. And I say, well, give me a measure of that stress, and I can give it to you very simply, and that is this. Human civilization has precipitated what is called the sixth mass extinction of life. Our behavior has undermined the web of life so much that we are losing species of organisms faster than any time in the history of this planet. And it's due to human behavior. We are threatening our own existence at this moment by the way we're behaving. And there's a message coming from the universe. Every symptom that we see, what are the symptoms? Okay, climate change, COVID, racial violence, religious violence, economic collapse, uh, I can go on. I go, well, those are all symptoms of what? The bigger problem. We're facing an extension. Is this extension a thousand years from now? I go, no, it's within this century. You are not afraid of a virus. You've made that very clear. That is not what, what brings fear in your life. But for what you, maybe the things you just said, what, what are your bad dreams? What, what are you fearful, fearful of? What, what am I what, fearful of? Or you're, yes, and what are your personal bad dreams? I mean, what, what? People will not understand the necessity of the change soon enough that we will end up watching our eyes open as the whole thing collapses in the world yeah. right now. That's where the problem comes from. It's coming from people. Nature would be real damn happy if the people weren't here. Just even in the <laughs> lockdown period, Nature, all of a sudden, like springtime, started to blossom all over the place. When we stop fishing and put reserves up, guess what? It only takes a few years, and the fish are back up to a population level that before humans. So it says what? We must learn now because the time is short. The symptoms are in our face. COVID-19 is like the bigger, like, hit you in the face. Why? You're not in harmony. If you were in harmony, you wouldn't be affected by the virus in the first place. It's calling out the herd. It's finding the weakest elements in the group and eliminating the weakest elements because they're compromised. Is it because we're not capable of handling? Oh, sure as hell we are. We can walk through fire, you know. You can walk in hot coals. You can, you can drink strychnine poison if you're of the right consciousness and have no adverse effects. So all of a sudden it says, well, then the collapse that's going on out there is really the collapse that we're manifesting, and this is the wake-up call. And this is why I'm so uh, honored that you gave me a little spot here, Jerem, because we're, we're chasing the wrong problems. We're chasing things wrong. We have to turn around and say, we are the problem. We are the solution. So let me ask you one more time. Yeah. Are we victims or are we masters? Total masters. 
called Creative Masters of the World in Which We Live. And it's really interesting because most people have lived lives of such desperation uh, in a world that we've been programmed to be victims of this and victims of that. If you buy victim, you are a victim. That's just the way it works. Why consciousness is going to translate the nature of victim into the chemistry by the brain, which then controls the victim biology that we end up with. Your thoughts are not contained in your head. Your thoughts are broadcast like a tuning fork. Your thoughts, positive or negative, can be picked up by a probe out here. Well, they can be picked up by a probe. They can be picked up by another person. They can be picked up by your pet. If we come together in a collective whole, the more people that come together and share the same consciousness, that means the more tuning forks. The more tuning forks, the more the vibration is amplified. Tuning fork has a vibration of X. Two tuning forks have two X. Ah, so the more tuning forks that line up, the stronger the field. And I said, this is what we're being called on right now. We have to let go of the victim idea, start to recognize we are the creators of what we're doing, and if we collectively do it in large numbers, the vibration of our consciousness will manifest the world that we want to envision. It's basically quantum physics, epigenetics, all coming together saying, we are these creators. And if you don't like the creation, then you have to change your mind. That's basically what it comes down to. I wrote a book called Honeymoon Effect, because what does it say? Your life could go blah, 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 blah every day, and then you meet somebody. On this day, you meet somebody. Then you fall in love. 24 hours later, Life is beautiful, man. I Heaven on earth. I love my life. Life is great. I go, you had all those years of blah, 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 and then 24 hours later, you have heaven on earth? It turns out science has recognized when we fall in love, we stop thinking. <laughs> we stay present. We stay mindful. What does that mean? Well, if you've been looking for this person your whole life to show up, why would you take your consciousness away and put it in your head when they're out here? You stay here. Oh, so all of a sudden consciousness doesn't let go of the wheel because we're not thinking. No, what is consciousness? Wishes and desires. 24 hours of stop playing the damn program. Heaven on earth. Honeymoon. You know, and I go, that honeymoon was always available. The only problem is this. When you go back to the program, honeymoon's gone because the program didn't give you honeymoon. And the idea is what? We're all creators. You want to create a honeymoon? You can have honeymoon every day of your life or as long as you live. But you have to recognize you must eliminate the programs that are throwing a monkey wrench in. Because if you can identify exactly where you're struggling, you can identify exactly the program that you want to install when the struggle disappears. Mm-hmm. And if you do that and replace the struggle programs with wishes and desires programs, this is the beautiful part. There's no more effort. Once the program's in the subconscious, no effort. 95% of your life is going to come from that program. And if those programs are those that grant you uh, love, happiness, joy, health, uh, good job, if those are the programs that you are putting in, then 95% of the day they will manifest the mind, will manifest those programs as consciousness is busy thinking. Your new programs will manifest the life of wishes and desires. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> Thank you again. Viruses are messages. When it comes to our health, our beliefs matter most. According to Bruce Lipton, we are not victims of harmful carriers of disease, but creative masters of our own reality. <laughs>
This was Cap Solutions. Stay well and see you next time. Okay, that's the word from the man. Now we got another one who's got a plenty to say. Tell us what we're going to listen to. This next is show. Dr. Greer talking with um, um, Pat Pear, Pear All. Um, I mangled her name. Um, but he's talking about his newly acquired 683 acres near Hot Springs, Virginia. <coughs> and? And he is creating a light community. And what's that lady's name? Uh, here we go. It's in Virginia this year. Uh-huh, okay, good. Survive. Pat? I mean, this is good to survive those snows. I'm so glad. Pat Parasol. Okay. Here we go. Snows of Virginia this year. Uh-huh, okay, good. Surviving, this is good to survive those snows. I'm so glad I don't live in the north anymore. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome, Dr. Greer, and welcome to um, everyone who is joining us today for this interview. Um, Dr. Greer, thank you for doing this, and uh, thank you for doing this to let the public know about some upcoming events and also about some um, exciting breaking news. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, everybody needs to, uh, if they can, join us the uh, April 8th, 9th, and 10th in Scottsdale. We're going to be on a Native American uh, land uh, for a three-day weekend, and uh, there's a link should be underneath here. Uh, you can go to SeriousDisclosure.com and see that. The reason this is so important, I've been wanting to do this since Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind came out and the uh, CE5 Contact app came out, to create a sense of community where CE5 people on teams all over the world could gather for an extended weekend and really network with each other. Um, you do a deeper uh, educational experience, uh, and then every night, Friday night, Saturday night, uh, and Sunday night, we're going to do the meditation, the CE5 contact protocols. The last night on Sunday, we're actually going to go out on the uh, Native American uh, land at a place that they've uh, put aside for us, um, and uh, we'll do that night event under the stars. The other two will just be indoors because we can only get that uh, spot for one night. But uh, that will be very exciting. Uh, now, the good news about it is that it holds a fair number of people, but not everybody. So we just I just was handed something that said that that nighttime event on Sunday, uh, April 10th, I believe it is, uh, is about 50 people shy of being filled up. So we can take more people in the conference and the uh, hotel um, ballroom than we can take outdoors, unfortunately. So uh, if you want, if you think you're going to want to come in person to that event on Sunday night, you probably want to uh, register pretty quickly. Uh, we just announced this a couple weeks ago, and I think um, 
the site we thought would hold more, and we just found out yesterday uh, we had members of our team who are organizing the conference go there in person and found out it actually will hold 200 people fewer than we thought. Um, therefore, uh, if you do want to be out that night, because this would be exciting. Now, if you can't come in person, uh, we have a team that will be uh, webinaring it live. So the entire weekend, uh, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and then Sunday night out on the native lands outside of Scottsdale, we're going to have it webinar. And so what's great about that is that each night, and including the night out on the stars, if you're in some location where you can't travel or come in, you can be there virtually um, for the whole weekend. Or if you want, just that Sunday night, you can do either. So that's um, there's a link at SeriousDisclosure.com for you to go and uh, if you want to register for that. And the re- the really the idea behind this is that people want an opportunity not only to experience this live together, but also if you're there in person, you can network with all the other CD5 teams and people from all over the world. And I think what's exciting about that, uh, Pat and uh, Justice, our t- some team members in Texas and some other folks, on Saturday morning and on Sunday morning are going to be doing uh, workshops on forming teams, how people organize them, sort of the nuts and bolts. And then uh, on Sunday, we're going to do an in-depth in the morning uh, whole presentation on what I call trans-dimensional photography and videography. What does that mean? So you look at the videos and photos we have, those are highly interactive with consciousness. An interesting part of this is that the most amazing photos and videos we've gotten of actual ET beings in the field with us or nearby have been uh, sort of activated with consciousness, but also the person doing the videography or photography is very good at connecting to those uh, beings and asking permission and inviting them into um, the frame. Because as we've talked about before, if you're new to this, interstellar civilizations, most of the time, when they're in near-Earth facility, vicinity or around the Earth, are shifted beyond the speed of light in what some would call another dimension. But they can pop in and out of 3D but sometimes for a fraction of a second. Often the, the human eye will miss it, but the new digital cameras, if they're at the right setting, it's very technical. And I honestly, I don't do cameras. I mean, I'm not, you know, give me a ventilator or a defibrillator, I'm fine. But um, the people who do this are going to be there explaining what the setting should be so you can learn the expertise of how these images are being captured by people who actually know what they're doing, which excludes me, by the way. Uh, I understand the principles behind it, uh, but I'm not a videographer or photographer by any means. So, and I credit everyone else who gets these photos and videos. I don't do that. Um, I'm busy kind of running the whole program and doing the contact primarily. But that's going to be very important for people to learn as sort of a hands-on workshops on, on Saturday and Sunday morning. And then the afternoons and evenings, we're going to be going deep into consciousness, the science of consciousness. Uh, On Sunday, we're going to have a whole afternoon session on what the uh, counterintelligence operations are from the military and the intelligence community and the things that they can do to confuse people during CE5 contact. And so it's going to be a very in-depth weekend, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. 
and it's going to be the, the sort of the, the sort of the pièce de résistance is that last night out under the stars. But as I mentioned, um, there are about 50 spots left for that, um, and we just recently announced that this is um, unfortunate. I was hoping we could get more people on that site, but the reality is it's going to be capped at about 450 people out there, um, and we're bumping up against that limit right now. Um, we're at about almost 400. So uh, I would encourage people to do that, and, and, and it's going to be exciting because what I'm hoping we can do, I'm going to ask some of our She takes a picture, and in that picture is this ET. He puts the camera over in that direction, and everyone. <laughs> our you know big influencers um, who have you know hundred million followers and whatnot that are supporters of CE5 Contact to also put the link out so we can have a mass contact meditation that night. So however many people are out under the stars, there could be, you know, a hundred times that number, a thousand times that number, uh, live meditating around the world doing it. Which, as everyone knows from seeing Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which by the way is up on Amazon Prime and everywhere still, that has this huge effect in consciousness where people all over the world who don't even know you're doing this meditation are affected in the deepest part of the structure of higher consciousness that everyone is tied into because the total number of minds in the universe is one. It's a singularity. And so when there are that many people doing something with this intention, it not only affects the cosmos and facilitates peaceful, open contact with these interstellar civilizations and ETs, but it affects the planet. I mean, the baseline level of where all of space, time, matter, and people are fluxing in and out of this field of consciousness, this, the pure conscious field. So that's why doing this together is so important. I'm hoping we can do, you know, maybe two or three of these each year. The other important thing is that uh, right after that, at the uh, sort of two days later, on April 12th, until the 18th for six nights after this three-day conference. We're going to, we found a location. It's only about 15, 20 minutes from the hotel where we're doing the uh, weekend. We're going to do an entire week-long expedition. Now, that's only going to be limited to about 30, 25, 30 people. And for people to come to that, we want people to either come to a previous week-long event or this conference or a previous three-day conference, um, because we want to be sure that people coming to that are very experienced, because it's a small group that I want to train. Eventually, those are going to feed into a program where we're going to set up uh, people who are uh, formal instructors of CE5 contact, something I've never done that I know I need to do, and um, that's something I want to build that base for that. So these week-long events are now going to be uh, people who are very experienced. So everyone will have been on a prior week-long event or at least these three-day intensives. And that's going to make for a much higher quality experience uh, for a whole week in a small group out under the stars. And we'll be out in the desert every night, all six nights. So that will begin Tuesday night, the 12th, and go all the way through uh, the 18th. 
Yeah, those are very powerful. Um, as you know, uh, lots of stuff happens on those. I mean, tons. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And we're going to be in a remote site that we've gotten clearance to in a park that is uh, no one will have access to it except our group. So it's very interesting. And then during the day, we're going to be meeting in this huge remote house adjacent to this park um, where we'll have afternoon sessions uh, with the 25, 30 people who are there. So it's going to be really exciting uh, for those who can stay on after the conference. Um, so we just have yesterday um, figured out all the logistics on that and got them all nailed down. So that's why I'm announcing that. The, the registration of that has not gone out. This is sort of a preliminary announcement this is coming, but people may want to mark that. And it's, it's over that, through that Easter weekend, um, this week-long event starts on Tuesday and goes all the way through to that Easter weekend. Um, and uh, the the three-day conference, the uh, 8th, 9th, and 10th, is the weekend before Easter. I hope everyone who can make it there will. And uh, if you can't be there in person, join us virtually. That, that's how we build this uh, morphogenic field effect, as Rupert Sheldrake talks about, where enough people uh, begin to do something, it shifts everyone in a positive direction. And boy, do we need this planet to start shifting in a positive direction. Yes, we do. Yeah, those those things, when you get a lot of people like that in consciousness, in these higher, moving into these higher states of consciousness, it literally affects their consciousness for a long time. Well, and, pe- and people's lives are changed. Absolutely. What you find is that people who do this with a group of people, and they've done these in studies with meditators, that if there's one person meditating, it has a certain effect for themselves and perhaps the environment and, say, the field of consciousness. But when you have dozens of people, or in the case of this conference for this weekend, hundreds of people doing it, it has an enormous effect. And this is, you know, back in the day it was called the Maharishi effect, but where they found that if you sent a certain number, it was 1% of uh, the population of a town in as people who understood meditation, higher states of consciousness, and they went in and meditated that crime rates went down, ER visits go down, uh, coherence goes up. And this is when the rest of the community has no idea that those people are in their town. So there is a well-documented effect on um, social behavior in a positive way. And this is sort of the power of meditation, prayer states, higher states of consciousness. It's very well-documented in healing studies also, by the way, that Dr. Larry Dossey uh, documented in Recovering the Soul, a book about this sort of effect in, of consciousness and meditative and prayer states on healing. But in our case, we're doing this to heal the planet and the body of humanity, let's say, in developing a future where we become interstellar uh, citizens and ambassadors to the universe. You know, the whole CE5 contact program is called Ambassadors to the Universe, where people, you know, uh, empower themselves. And that's what this weekend and the subsequent weeks about. People empowering themselves to not just be passive conference junkies, because that's just tedious, but actually learn the skills and the knowledge needed to be a citizen ambassador from Earth to these other civilizations that are waiting for that. I mean, I always tell people that uh, they've been knocking on our front door, back door, side door, 
for uh, decades now, but since the uh, atomic bombs first went off, wanting to get an appropriate peaceful response from humans. And they have not gotten that, uh, not even to this day. Um, and the CE5 contact initiative, when I found it in 1990, with the purpose of it was this concept of the everyday man on the street, woman on the street, uh, becoming uh, a liaison from humanity to these extraterrestrial civilizations because the governments of the world have badly dropped the ball on this. And it's been, unfortunately, because of secrecy, been relegated to illegal covert programs that have made a complete mess of it. So this is where the responsibility for we, the people, steps in, not just for our own planet, with our own country, but more importantly, for the future of humanity and its relationship with these other stellar interstellar civilizations. And that time has really uh, come where, where we can potentiate this. The technologies we have now with uh, the Internet and uh, various social media platforms and the ability to webinar events gives us the ability to really expand um, the reach and organizational abilities of, of a CE5 initiative. And the contact that's happening, I think, all over the world that I'm hearing about from team members uh, is actually going up a lot um, because I think there is this quickening, let's call it, this awakening and deeper consciousness uh, and knowledge is potentiating. So that's really why we want to have these in-depth conferences and then followed on by these week-long <laughs> Just a second. <laughs> on expeditions for people who've been to those and previous week-long events. And eventually, uh, I hope we can uh, begin to develop a, a, a program where people, you know, on a long training period, become uh, instructors of CE5 contact. Now, what everyone can do is get the app. I mean, if you're to doing this, whether you're coming in person or uh, privately, come to uh, these experiences already trying out how to do it through the CE5 contact app. And uh, I think it's very important for people. Um, we, we have you know hundreds of thousands of people around the world doing this, millions uh, actually. But the app teaches you how to do the meditation, the remote viewing, how to set up your team. If you really go through the app and it thoroughly, it, it, it's an, a complete instruction course. Uh, but it's an app. It's not doing it in person with other people, which is why we want to do this uh, in, with a larger conference. Uh, so people can actually experience it live. I think it's much more powerful um, when people gather together uh, and, and do it. But to, to prepare or to do it on your own, get the app. If, if people have amazing contact experiences just using the app. We're hearing every day from people who've had this astonishing experience. Yeah, that um, structure of the universe meditation that's on that app, I mean, people write in all the time and mention this continuously. It's what a powerful meditation that is. It's a guided meditation, and it's just amazing. Plus, we have all the tones. All your tones are on there. Um, 
everything you need is in there. You just need a couple pieces of equipment and go out, uh, and you can play it. You can Bluetooth it to a portable speaker and form a team. Um, it's very powerful. And the more that people do it, um, the more it uh, signals, let's say, it, it conveys to the ETs that are watching this planet uh, with increasing concern as we increasingly weaponize space. Um, that there are people on the planet who are enlightened or awake, are uh, peaceful, are not filled with superstitious ideas about this issue, uh, and are willing to put themselves out there to make contact. Uh, they're, they're wanting us to do this because who else is doing it? The State Department isn't. The United Nations isn't, although we've uh, recommended that they do so. I don't know of any leader around the world that has a team set up making any kind of intelligent uh, approach and uh, or any parliament or Congress. So in the absence of that, my friends, guess what? It's you and me. People say, who's going to do this? I say, go look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> look in the mirror. You want to see who's, who's responsible? It's each and every one of us. And I think that's where... For a lot of people, they go, whoa, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I said, well, we need to be ready because time is of the essence. Really, it's actually, you know, to be ready for this, you just need to, uh, you know, be conscious and be in a, in a heart-filled, pure heart-filled, you know, feeling. It's right. very simple. It's not difficult. People always think that this is very complex. Right. Well, you know, this is why I loved it when uh, uh, Dr. Char said in uh, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, he says, yeah, you know, you know, everyone's mystified this, but this is, it goes back to ancient, ancient, the earliest recorded history of humanity. That by virtue of being a conscious, awake, sentient being, every single human can do this. We've sort of made it. The, the domain of the mystics and the gurus and or the priesthood or what have you. Uh, and I think that's just, frankly, an abuse of power by people who want to aggrandize themselves, uh, frankly. And I've always said, no, I mean, if you're a, a human being or an ET, you're conscious and you can be aware of that conscious field, which is what the meditative techniques facilitate experiencing. From there, you can see any place be anywhere, know any discrete thing. Uh, we will get into this during the, this conference uh, in the ancient native concept of Ritambara Pragya, it's called. This level of consciousness that's very encoded in the consciousness field where all knowledge, all events, uh, all specific needed information is located. It's like the ultimate cosmic supercomputer. <laughs> or AI, but it's that field of consciousness. But there is an, a level of it that you can tap into. And a study just came out that said that 15 seconds in what the psychologists call the hypnagogic state, where you're like, you know, when you're going in into sleep and you're just in that state between awake and sleep, that 15 seconds in there vastly increases people's creative abilities and et cetera and so on. Now, all the remote viewing experts know that in that state is when the best images and, and remote viewing, uh, and I've said this for years, is you're going deep and you're you're not so focused like we are now in, in the normal waking conscious state, but you're not also in the darkness of sleep. It's that in-between deep state. Now, the meditative state can take you there and keep you there, 
But this study found that 15 seconds of experiencing that hypnagogic state has this enormous increase in the individual mind's capacity for creative thinking, problem solving, all kinds of virtues. It's an amazing study that just came out in the last uh, couple of weeks. So I think this is the more we understand the science of consciousness and its benefits, the more we're going to be able to transform the planet because I think that the root of the problem is really deeply based in true spiritual crisis, not religious, and in the understanding of, of deep consciousness, higher states of consciousness, and deep spirituality, what I call original spirituality is universal as opposed to the trappings of organized religions and traditions, but um, which have their place. Um, but I think that we, if we begin to look at this in a more universal way, the universality of mind and consciousness and heart and being sentient and awake, and then begin to realize that those states of uh, meditative states, that even when you're going to sleep at night, uh, are beginning to enter into a lucid dream, that there are amazing capabilities that are in that subtle, very quiet aspect of mind where entire dimensions and the universe can open up to you and knowledge. It's the wellspring, by the way, of all science and arts also. That level of consciousness is the point of inspiration where people figure out, have inspiration, where inventions are discovered, where art and beauty, all of that is in that aspect of consciousness. We're going to talk about this on this long weekend together out in uh, Arizona in April. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about this before when people are working on their consciousness and raising their consciousness. It alters completely how they relate to other people, which is what is so desperately needed uh, on this planet, for sure. People, animals, I mean, and the experiences I've had, when you're in that state, even wild animals come up around you and uh, just meditate with you. I mean, I love this story. Once we were up uh, in England on Woodborough Hill in Alton Barnes, and we were uh, meditating, setting up to do the Sanskrit puja this ceremony that I do when I'm teaching the meditation. And by the way, we're going to do that every night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Um, and uh, <laughs> we were doing this out in the middle of this, you know, field. And there were all these giant cattle. Uh, we had to watch where you stepped. But we <laughs> found a place to make our circle and do this. And we're setting up to do the puja. And we sit down. And I'm, I'm, and the, the cows, oh, they're so hurt. You know, some with the horns, they come over and they all bow, they all kneel down and, and lay down around us. And the entire time we're doing the Sanskrit ceremony and the meditation and also the contact protocol, remote viewing, they're literally there meditating with us. Mm. And as soon as that's over and we start talking again, they get up and wander off and start munching. Uh, the grass. Now, we've had this happen quite a few times. It's really beautiful to see how nature and, and animals respond to, to humans in this state of peaceful, higher consciousness. We've had that happen um, yeah, on a ranch in Texas. Yes. Yeah, yeah it, it's beautiful. The greatness of breathing and moving, and I said, oh my gosh, what? Yes. And we were thinking, well, what could it be? And we literally turned around and sh- shined a light on it. And here are all these cows standing there just watching. It was really 
they were like, I don't know, eight feet away. It was really amazing. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. The other big breaking news, and this is uh, we're, this is a, a big pivot away from what we we're just saying. It's the other end of the spectrum of what we're working on. Uh, first, everyone knows since that acknowledge came out about four years ago, there's been this huge juggernaut. Um, you know that film had uh, over 740 million people see it. It's still one of the top viewed uh, films on sites like Amazon Prime and. Hulu and Tubi and what have you. When the community moved to create, unfortunately, a uh, counter narrative for disclosure that had to do with it being a national security threat, et cetera, and so on. And, you know, because people have heard me talk about that. Uh, the good news is that this message that the UFOs are, are real that they're not fictitious, it's been confirmed by the Pentagon, what have you, even though that has happened within the context of it being spun by the spinmeisters out there as a national security threat. I mean, every article in the New York Times, CNN, Fox, every media around the world, uh, the Sunday Times of London, have always included that as the narrative. We don't know what they are. That's a big lie. Go see the Cosmic Hoax. It's up there everywhere for free to see. The documentary we released in July. Um, and they're not ours. Another big lie. And they're a threat to the national security. So, unfortunately, this is the information that the members of Congress that we've been reaching out to are getting. Because the Fox is guarding the hen house from these unacknowledged special assets projects, these secret projects, have their acolytes and their minions in the staffers' offices, in the SCIF, the Secure Communication Information Facility, where they get briefed, the senators and congressmen get information on this, and every single, and this is without exception, because I know who they are, every single person in there who are briefing the members of Congress, and the president for that matter, are either misinformed or deliberately disinforming uh, intentionally the members of Congress. Now, this is an issue because in the last few months, there are senators and congressmen calling for a permanent office in the Congress to study this. The Pentagon has just announced ahead of that that they're opening up an office to study what is now called the new fake term of the month of UAPs. Uh, that's replacing UFOs that replace flying saucers is what they were used to be called um, back in the 50s and 60s. So I think that because of that, um, there is a huge momentum of people. We've now identified about 15 members of the Senate and House who are actively interested in this. But we've got to be able to reach them on a sustained level. Now, back when we did this, a little bit of history for everyone. When I, in the 90s, we were working the system sort of behind the scene, and everyone knows this story. Uh, Project Starlight, the predecessor to Disclosure Project, uh, as an emergency doctor, I was shuttling up to D.C. and other places to brief members of Congress, uh, the president's people, the CIA director, what have you. And our hope then was that those people, having been deeply briefed on the issue, would do the right thing. 
They would, they were scared to touch this. They were threatened, warned off, waved off. Now that these covert programs have pulled the trigger and said, oh, it's okay to study of this and everyone can talk about it. We're going to normalize it through the media because the big mainstream media take their marching orders from these operatives. That's absolutely true. Then, but you have to talk about it in this, in these certain way. It's certain sort of spin. It's a threat. What's the threat to the national security? We don't know what they are. We're going to call them some made-up name, unexplained aerial phenomenon, rubbish. They're not unexplained. They're not just aerial, and it's not a phenomenon. A phenomenon is a bolide or ball lightning or something. Uh, and the other is it's this threat to the national security, the three big lies that we outline in the Cosmic Hoax, our documentary. Now, what I found is, is that that persistent talking point isn't going away. It's getting deepened in the last month or two. Mm-hmm. Senator Gillibrand of New York has called for an office being formed or others uh, on the other side of the aisle. Senator Marco Rubio, Republican, he was being mentored by the late Senator Harry Reid, who just passed away in the last couple of weeks uh, from uh, Nevada. And I think that what I observed from being on the inside of this and having a place in D.C. is that uh, – in order to get the access <laughs> persistently, we're going to have to do something different. Now, in 2001, when we did the National Press Club event, I tell this story with trepidation. Somebody who I knew very well came up to me uh, at the conference we held the next day after the, the press conference, and he said, how much money can you give these members of Congress and senators? I said, what does that have to do with prices in China? He says, you have to, you have to have influence and you have to provide uh, money to their campaigns and you have to set up events for them. I said, well, we're not set up to do that. This is a, you know, a nonprofit. We're just, he says, they're not going to listen. Now I thought that was a terribly ugly, ugly and cynical comment. And it was, but it also happens to be terribly true. So today we have filed an organized disclosure pact, political action committee, nonpartisan. We're going to organize to support people who are supporting real disclosure and not alien invasion disclosure. We're going to set up events where they can be educated and supported. And that is being formed. I've never done this. We're going to see how it applies. We have a very substantial group in Washington who will be facilitating the logistics of this. So you will be hearing about this in the coming days. But this is going to be a permanent fixture in Washington. Um, and it's called Disclosure PAC, P-A-C, Political Action Committee. Now, not at all partisan. Doesn't matter if you're left, right, center, independent, libertarian, a socialist. It doesn't matter. Because what we're finding is, and I said this back in 1992, 93, 94, when we got involved with the Clinton White House and what have you, this issue transcends all lines politically. It should never be partisan. And luckily, the senators and congressmen working the issue currently, even though they're being misinformed, have said the same thing. This is not a left or this way goes way over or transcends the normal fracture lines, left, right, what have you. 
So that's how this is going to be conducted. It will absolutely never be partisan. So those of you who are partisan uh, in your views on things, sorry to tell you, this is going to be completely nonpartisan, not bipartisan, nonpartisan. Uh, but the purpose of it is to formalize a long-term educational effort to not only educate, but also encourage uh, through support those members of the Senate, Congress, or a candidate who really wants to do proper disclosure, which involves a true disclosure that doesn't put us into a conflict-oriented path with these visitors. Mm-hmm. Number two, discloses the technologies that are being kept secret and are being told uh, to these members of Congress that they're unexplained. When we have people from Lockheed, other aerospace companies, that can go in with me and show them where the man-made UFOs are being built, which, by the way, no member of the Senate or House is briefed on that. So we need to have a presence there getting ahead of this tidal wave of spin that has captured the disclosure movement in Washington and in the mainstream media. And we need to do it now. I mean, we're running out of time to do it. So that's what that's about. Uh, I'm in Washington almost every week, um, but we need to have a structure around us to legally do this. So that's what we're forming. So that is a very big announcement. It's probably the biggest announcement on this issue in history, certainly more than the disclosure project of 2001. Um, so that's something we, we have to uh, do quickly. And uh, you will be hearing, those of you listening, you know, sign up for our, we have a free newsletter at, at seriousdisclosure.com, and you'll get information that will be coming out uh, from us about this uh, activity and how you can support it and help. Um, you may know members of the Congress and want to have an event for them that the Disclosure PAC can uh, fund, host, and then uh, educate these members of the, the Congress on. Um, or it may be a governor. It may not even be someone in the U.S. Congress. It could be a governor. The other objective of the Disclosure PAC, Political Action Committee, is to also uh, see that the resources of the government that are being wasted on energy and alternative energy research, some of that gets put into the funding and support for open source zero point energy so that we can get off of the fossil fuels, but also, frankly, windmills and solar and everything. I'm looking at one of the biggest solar farms in Virginia that's in my meadow which unfortunately collapsed in our snowcopolypse we had. A foot of heavy snow collapsed it, and we put it back up. But uh, those are very fickle systems, very low energy output, very expensive, um, not practical to run 8 billion people. It's too little, too late. If we had 200 years or even 50 years, we do not. The bios, as a civilization, we can't. So that's another big objective of the disclosure pact. And the, and a, the third is to encourage a diplomatic governmental initiative to make contact, CE5 contact, but in a peaceful way, non-militarized, and also to educate these uh, leaders on the essential need to keep all weapons out of space 
and the ones that are up there need to be deactivated yep. because this is a, a huge looming problem, not only geopolitically around the world, because once everyone starts putting weapons up there targeting each other, it's Star Wars, right? But covertly, we know that these uh, weaponized systems that are up there, satellites and what have you, have been targeting and more often than we should ever have done, destroying extraterrestrial vehicles. Yeah. Very dangerous business. So that's something that I know members of Congress do not know, or even at the United Nations. I remember when I was briefing the, the UN Secretary General and his wife of the, in the 90s, they turned white. They were they, they said, are you kidding? I said, no. This is going on. It's very covert. It's very unacknowledged. And it's extremely dangerous. So these are things that need to be talked about seriously. What they're really wanting to do, what the media, which are just sort of front office for the intelligence community that's doing this false disclosure of we don't know what they are, we don't have anything that flies this way, they're a threat to our national security. That's the three mantras they keep reporting. The problem is, is that that means that our leaders are being completely uh, gasless and put in the wrong direction because enough of them were learning about what we're doing. They did it after the Disclosure Project news conference in 2001, and then they ramped it up again after the uh, unacknowledged documentary went absolutely viral globally. Um, so this is a big problem, and I think that if we're going to influence the outcome in a positive way, we're going to have to do, um, I hate to say it, we're going to have to play the game that everyone plays in Washington, uh, which I think is, is you know, you, you almost have to put your soul through a car wash and even thinking about this. <laughs> um, however, living in the real world, we live, we have to do the world we live in, not the world of our dreams. We can create the world of our dreams, but right now we have to live with the exigencies and the realities of the current order, which is utterly corrupt. Uh, and access in Washington is too often by who has the influence, who can provide the funding, who can actually. Do. So that's why you, this is why there are thousands of political action committees. This was one, however, that's a very philanthropic one. That'll be about disclosure, peace in space, uh, peace with our neighbors in space, and the bringing forth of these illegally suppressed technologies that would save the biosphere and eliminate poverty in 15 to 20 years. So that's our objective with this. So that's a, that's a big announcement today. Um, uh, and then there's one more big one. Yep, which actually... If you can get all these guys together and they want to learn how to do CE5 and you want to do this, this would be the perfect place to do it. Yes, it would be. So we have just uh, acquired a uh, piece of uh, land in uh, Virginia, near Hot Springs, Virginia, where Thomas Jefferson would go to those uh, hot springs there. And they're ancient Native American pools, actually. Uh, and it's where the uh, Omni Homestead is. It's this uh, incredible area. And it's about an hour and a half um, from my country house here near the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. But it's only about three hours from Washington. But it's in this enormous wilderness area. Um, there's uh, So we got 683 acres uh, that we just closed on a couple weeks ago. 
just before New Year's. And we're wanting to build a CE5 contact research and retreat center where people from all over the world would come there because the 683 acres, you visualize this, is surrounded by 1.8 million acres of national forest, permanently protected national forest. Perfect. Um, and it's only about 10 minutes from the land to the Omni Homestead, which if you look that up, is an amazing resort. And about three minutes from the Jefferson, Thomas, Thomas Jefferson hot springs and pools that are right there. And uh, about 10 minutes from there, there's a 2,500-acre lake that is really all in the national forest. It's amazingly beautiful. So we're wanting to build. Now, of course, anybody out there have a large construction company that can start on this this spring or summer, let me know. Um, but we want to build a retreat center. Uh, you know, a modest, you know, not that large, maybe, you know, 18 to 20 room bedrooms where we can have trainings, where we can have retreats, where we can have educational experience and where CE5 teams can also uh, come and, and, uh, experience that on, on a very private, uh, large track of land surrounded by pristine nature and stars. Well, when it's clear, I mean, on the East coast, there aren't as many clear and sunny days as there are in the desert, but still, it's an amazingly beautiful spot. Um, and we have already the plans for uh, what we want to do there, um, but I'm just announcing this because it's an exciting uh, sort of next step in CE5 contact training for their teams. And I hope also where we can have a, a formal teacher training program here where people become really trained to do this. So that's something we're going to uh, start on. I, I was wanting to get out there in the last month or so to see where we could actually clear some of the land. It's 100% densely forested. You can visualize 683 acres surrounded by almost 2 million acres of nothing but forest. I mean, literally nothing but, I mean, you can't even see where you're going. It's this dense forest. So, um, it's and it's it's between 2,200 feet and 3,000 feet above sea level. Um, it's rather chilly there. I have. If anyone knows how to do this, give me a call. I'm wanting to create a translucent bubble, a sphere, that when it's uh, rainy or if it's cold, we could be in this sphere but still be outside doing CE5 contact and be relatively warm and protected. So um, it's something I'd like to construct as part of the contact site. So in inclement weather or even when it's cold, we could be in there. Um, and mean, there's a like a sports venue, you mean, where they have this thing that comes over the top? Yeah, <laughs> but translucent. Yeah. Like a bubble, you know, like a dome, uh, like a, a translucently perfectly clear dome you could sit in. So I have the designs for that. I, I don't know the, how to build one, but somebody might. So I'm putting this out there to a lot of people just to say, if you know some a large, medium to large construction firm that can come in, uh, I know no, it's very hard to get anything built right now because of the supply chain and labor shortage. But if somebody has such an entity, of course, they'd have to relocate for about a year to build this facility uh, up in uh, this remote area. But by the way, the entire county, is more than 50% national forest and only has 4,400 people. So it's, a, it's you know, it's uh, rural, to say the least, mostly wilderness. 
but that's the perfect place to do this. And yet, you can fly into any number of airports and be there within an hour or 45 minutes or even three hours from uh, Washington. So I think that it'll be a, a really great uh, place to do this. I've always wanted to, to eventually have a place where we can uh, train people and but also gather as a CE5 community and have this experience uh, where it's dedicated. You know, we've always used rental houses and Airbnbs or been on uh, public lands where people can invade the site and disrupt what we're doing. This would be a protected, dedicated place, um, which would correct all those security problems, but also it would create the energy, this energy field. You know, it's like uh, what they talk about with the uh, sacred places where you can go to a place and feel the experiences that have happened there that are very enlightened and positive, or if something terrible has happened, you can feel that too. It's embedded in the uh, Akashic record, the fabric, uh, what the naval intelligence people call the white noise of space time. So when you, but you can create this amazing energy on a site where this is being done as the uh, purpose of the land. And um, I also, when we start finding where we want to clear the spots, this, I'm hoping we can do a um, go there and do a, a, a blessing of the land because I know this is this is native. Uh, this part, you know, I'm part of Cherokee, I'm five sixteenths, a little over a quarter Native American, and this area, that area was very much um, a sacred area for Native people because you had the, the hot springs and the warm springs there where they could gather, uh, you know, which of course. Uh, tribal peoples uh, would always gather where there's only water, but also warm water, particularly in a cold climate. So uh, it's a, it's a really amazing area, but it also has this interesting history with the founders of the United States going there uh, back in the day. So it's an interesting, uh, let's call it Akashic record history in this area that we just, I, we just sort of stumbled across. Um, and uh, so that, it's very exciting. I hope, if there's anyone listening who actually has um, knows someone who could put in a a, a serious construction operation there, uh, we're not going to want to do this over ten years. We want to do it in twelve months, and it can be done. I mean, it's, if you were to build like four houses, let's say, in a small development of four properties, developers go in and do that in a year all the time. We need someone who can come in there. Right, and it's really all these intersecting lines are are just amazing, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well, it, 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 and it's enough land that eventually there could be prototypes of these new energy devices there. Right. There could be a skiff there if we needed to. Um, it's uh, it's an area where you could have uh, all kinds of meetings. Uh, with 683 acres, we'd probably get enough of it cleared because it's facing west and south where you could also have a big solar array so we get a free energy device that would also um, be able to run a lot of the needs there. So that we're looking at this in a very um, comprehensive way from the point of view of the energy of it, consciousness of it, the uh, ecology, the deep spiritual ecology, um, and, and what have you. Right. Could this be a place where you could build a lab to work on the ZPE or, or no? 
You could have a satellite lamp there, yes. But I mean, you know, the, one of the problems with something that remote is that nobody wants to live there full time. <laughs> I mean, you know, most people, most people, went, well, I mean, everyone wants to go to their Starbucks or their Nordstrom or they want to go shopping to a, a grocery store or Whole Foods. I mean, this whole county only has 4,400 people. And <laughs> I don't even know, you probably have to drive an hour or two hours to find a Whole Foods or find a, you know, so I think a lot of people would, would find it, uh, how do you say, kind of reclusive to be living there all the time. Um, I mean, out where we live here, we're about 20 minutes from the University of Virginia, and people laugh about being out here. When we moved here, our neighbor said, dare we use the R word? I said, what's the R word? Recluse, because everyone out here are these eccentric recluses. <laughs> who are hiding, you know, and so it's really funny. It's a joke in the family with our kids, but, um, but this looks like a metropolitan area here compared to that. I mean, that's, you know, we're talking really mostly wilderness so and, the re- and the homestead resort. Yeah. Now, if you look up on the, on the internet, the Omni homestead resort, interestingly, they're about to put, I think, $130 million that, yeah. into, into improving that area. So there'll be infrastructure there. Um, but honestly, you know, I think most people would find living in a community of that size and population and amenities difficult. So, um, you could certainly have a secure facility there on that much land surrounded by that much national forest, um, for part of the operation for an energy lab. But I don't think the main operation could be there. I think a satellite. When I looked that up, uh, and looked up the Omni, which I had, I didn't know that was there. That is an absolutely beautiful old resort. I mean, I can see where they're putting in a lot of, they're putting millions of dollars into this thing to upgrade it, but what an absolutely beautiful property that is. Really? It is beautiful. And, uh, of course, you know, this land is, is kind of mountainous and, you know, we're going to have to figure out where you can put these, but also where we want our contact sites. Um, so I'm hoping ever since we got the closed on the property, it's been either a foot of snow and another foot of snow or this is five degrees below zero or some. We just had the most insane last, you know, three weeks of weather or four weeks. But um, I'm hoping, you know, soon I'll be able to get out there to figure out where we can do it. When I first saw the land, it was in October and all the leaves were out. So you couldn't see, there was maybe one spot where I could kind of see out, but to get a sense of the land, uh, you know, when you, it's, if you don't live on the East Coast, you don't realize how dense the forests are here, these deciduous forests. And, uh, this, almost all this land are deciduous forests and giant rhododendron and mountain laurel and stuff like that. So it's, it's, uh, not a jungle, but it's probably more like a jungle than you would think. Right, but you know, you're good at going into that and sensing the energy. Uh, I remember when we were in Tucson, I mean, you were like, yeah, turn there on that road. And we were like, what? That road? Yeah, down there is perfect. I was like, nobody even knew that site was even there. I mean, it was amazing. I'm like, how, how do you think you knew that? It's just amazing. So, yeah, I think this, this sounds like the perfect place to do CE5. Oh, it's be amazing. Yeah. It'd just be amazing. So that's a, that's an exciting development in the last couple of weeks. So 
I wanted to do this, uh, this show to give people an idea of kind of what we're doing, what we're planning to do. And sort of the, the, the other project, I survived mission impossible. Should you accept this? Um, is that we really want to do a, um, feature film this year on what I call the lost century. That so we need people to kind of begin to think how they can help with that. Now, what is that about? The lost century is what the term I use and sort of coined for the idea that for the last 100 years, we have had technologies from the time of Tesla. I mean, not the company, but the real Nikola Tesla. From his era to now, there have been thousands of devices, thousands of electromagnetic generators and motors that would have gotten us off oil, gas, coal, nuclear, ended poverty in the world, created justice for all the peoples of the world, and completely transformed human civilization. The fascist industrialists then and now have ruthlessly kept that secret. Now, what this next feature film documentary we want to do is pulling the curtain back just on that. All the technologies, not just the flying things that Lockheed Concourse has, but the technologies that would run your house, your car, without having 900 pounds of lithium-ion batteries to plug in and charge. By the way, you know, when you plug in your electric car, where are you getting the energy from? A coal-fired and gas-fired, mostly fossil fuel, power grid. It's not like it's coming out of the ether. So, and, and it's become such a big problem that there are shortages of electricity they're projecting with everyone plugging in their cars. Well, Tesla correctly called this zero point or quantum vacuum field of energy the infinite energy field because it's infinite. It, it, you don't exhaust it. To run all the energy need of the United States has been likened to by scientists of taking a thimble of water out of the Great Lakes. Oh. That, that's the density of energy. Now, there are national security implications. If this is used uh, in a weapon system, if it's used in a missile system, et cetera, and so on. So there are, there are concerns. But if we don't get this resolved, we're never going to fix the environmental problem, the global poverty problem. And so this next feature film documentary is going to be a laser focus on that for a two-hour film that's going to show all the evidence and the proof and the science, but also the vision. We need some really good CGI and motion graphics people, but I really want to show people what does the world look like in 2030, 2050, 2100, 2500, when society has met all of its material needs. And at that point, you have a sustainable level one civilization, meaning that we're not fighting over land resources or what have you. When you shop Build with Ferguson, you don't just get unbeatable prices and amazing customer service. You get the best selection and home improvement all in one place, from trendy to traditional. And everything in between. Build with Ferguson has what you need to bring your vision to life. Shop the styles and finishes you want from the brands you love and discover products you won't find anywhere else. Whether you're making a quick update or taking on a complete remodel, visit Build.com. 
we're peaceful, we're sustainable, truly sustainable, and there's no poverty on the planet. At that point, humanity begins to turn towards pursuits of higher states of consciousness, creative pursuits. It's a total change. It's not just about the material science. It's a spiritual, social, and physical transformation of the earth and humanity. And that is how important these technologies are. Um, I do think that in order to get us to the point where people are actually going to support a, a massive retooling of the industrial infrastructure, never mind the research and development of these technologies, which are non-trivial. I mean, it's a serious engineering thing to do it. We have to educate a billion people about it. You know, we reach three quarters of a billion people with that knowledge. We need, we need to reach one or two billion people with this because we are in an emergency, uh, on this planet. It's deepening every day. And so that's something we want to put into production and hopefully complete in 2022. So now that we're in January 2022, this is sort of what we're wanting to give people an idea of what we'll be doing. We're going to need help on a lot of fronts, obviously. Um, keep in mind, we don't have a paid staff or office. <laughs> so, you know, this is how, you know, kind of real revolutions, evolutions happen. Yeah, but, that idea about the CGI, too, Steve, because we've talked about this. People have no ability to see that kind of world. They, they just don't, right? And so when you talk about all these wonderful, wonderful things that could change their lives, they have no point of reference for what that would look like. So they're like, oh, you know, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine here. But if they see what that world looks like, then, then you have, we have a chance. Well, we also have to show not only that the, the obvious first order changes. What do I mean by that? You're running your house on a, a, a free energy device, quote unquote. Uh, the energy is coming from the uh, fabric of space time, a zero point quantum vacuum. You have no power bill, you have no oil bill, you have no gas bill, and you have no pollution associated with it. That's obvious. What's not obvious? Most of the deforestation in the world and uh, the rainforest all over the world, those are disappearing because of poverty by people cutting down trees to make charcoal or wood to cook their food. That's half the population of the world, by the way, is living like that. Half. Almost. I think it's something like three billion people out of the seven and a half or eight are living on a subsistence level. So the second order is that all that stops because every little village and community can have one of these devices for a fraction of the aid being provided by governments now to impoverished areas that would give them refrigeration, clean water, agriculture, irrigation, power, etc. Don't have to chop down the rainforest. Here's another implication. Food. Well, if you have energy that's non-polluting and at no cost, you can grow oranges at the, at the South Pole in a dome that is kept at a temperature and humidity because the energy system needed to do that is free and non-polluting. Right? Uh, it's like in the Bible when it says, even the desert shall bloom. Mm-hmm. Water. Water in the atmosphere, if you have, I know people who have at their homes these condenser systems where they take the humidity and create 
tap water. Absolutely. But they use a lot of electricity. Oh yeah. And the electricity pollutes, and the electricity is expensive. What happens when the when energy becomes free of cost? It's coming from a non-polluting source. Think about it. Our entire civilization transforms. But see, we need to show that to people so that the people who are wanting us to spend trillions of dollars on solutions that won't get us there understand let's take 0.0001% of that and put it into an open source, public interest, research and development effort that's live stream, blockchain protected, that gets out to the public with these technologies, with the magic formula, the circuitry, the plans, the schematics, all of it. And that has to happen by there being a groundswell of the public understanding it's possible. Just like disclosure couldn't happen until we did a certain level of education so people realize that this is real and wasn't just some fictitious subject for science fiction advocates. And I think that's what we want to achieve with the lost century because we need to actually step up that. And that would dovetail very well, by the way, with disclosure PAC, right. the Passion Committee, because you know doing those two things together would create this juggernaut of change. Uh, so that's one of the uh, synergistic um, strategies we're, we're putting together this year. Yeah, I think if people people understand what that is and how that works and they can see it. Um, I think they would want it. Well, as the ET told Colonel Corso, it's a new world if you can take it. Right. I suggest yeah. that we take it. I was. That we 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 take it and create it. It's all sitting there. The information, the knowledge, everything is sitting there. But the people have to organize to make it happen. Uh, right. We we can't wait for the government. We need to educate them so they don't. One of the chief purposes of disclosure pact. It's so that the leaders of this country, the most powerful military and economic country in the world, are not diverted onto the war path, which is where they're headed right now. But we have to buy some time there. Because if that happens, it's the end of the world as we know it, quite frankly. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, where, where these uh, sociopaths are dragging, uh, misinforming members of Congress and the president on this stuff uh, is very, very dangerous. Uh, it's the most dangerous thing happening, and no one's talking about that. Yep. So we have to, to intervene. We need an intervention there. But we also need to put together these technologies and the educational foundation for people to get their minds around the fact that energy is embedded in the fabric of space-time matter at a level that can has been stumbled upon and discovered all the way back to the late 1800s. But certainly by the 19-teens, 20s, 30s with people like Nikola Tesla and others. Um, and so uh, people forget that in the late 1920s, uh, uh, T. Townsend Brown and the German scientists were doing high-voltage systems with things levitating. Right. Levitation, anti-gravity. Those were in the physics journals in the late 20s. So we're going to show all this very hardcore, mainstream, scientific proof but then we're going to pivot to how do we make this happen? Because the headwinds here are the $800, $900 trillion in financial instruments, special interests, oil, gas, coal, nuclear, and even uh, solar and wind, what have you. Yeah, so 
mankind. These technologies right. definitely need to be for the betterment of, of mankind rather than being constantly weaponized. Yeah, the, the only place they're operational are in classified programs and used for very bad purposes. Um, so I tell people it's the worst of all worlds in a sense right now because the worst applications of these technologies, because they've been sequestered and used in unacknowledged special access projects that are not overseen by the president or the Congress or anyone else, is, is they're very dangerous how they're being deployed. Whereas the beneficial applications that would save the biosphere, eliminate poverty, et cetera, and create a just and peaceful planet are being withheld. So it is literally the worst of all situations. And by the way, my friend, the extraterrestrial civilizations are watching every bit of this. They certainly know this if I do. And so keep in mind that this is all part and parcel. I always tell people this symbol right here is the top one is CE5 contact higher consciousness, universal peace. The other one is disclosure and the truth coming out in a way that the public understands this. And then the other is the technology, the free energy technology that would give us a new physical civilization, but with it, a new social just civilization that can create the foundation for enlightenment and an enlightened civilization. That's what this is. And so that, that's, that's what we're going and anybody, any of uh, these people who think that they're doing this stuff um, occultly, right, hidden, yeah. they're not. They are being watched. Uh, you cannot hide anything in consciousness. Nope, absolutely not. Uh, which is another thing. Those of you listening, if you know someone who has one of these devices sitting in their garage or in their laboratory, I've seen a few of them, network them to us if they're not snake oil. I mean, honestly, 90 plus percent of all leads we've had on this have been um, fraudulent enterprises or uh, mismeasurements of uh, the, the, the power dynamics of the system. Uh, for most people, amateurs, you know, once we got it drilled down on, we found it wasn't doing what they thought it was. But if someone actually has a legitimate system, time the time of sitting on your hands on this is well nigh over. Uh, and uh, we do have a team of people now who could support if we could in front of the people in our network now. We could get the financial and the other support to move it out and disclose it very quickly. But it'd have to be disclosed open source. Uh, and, and that's something someone would need to cooperate with. And uh, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't be compensated. They can, but it has to be open source. You cannot go through a patent. You can't keep the technology secret. And if you don't have half a billion to a billion people know about it when, it, the, when it's operational very quickly, it or you will disappear. Okay. So there is a strategy for doing this. It's very well cut through. Um, we've tried everything else over the last 30 years. Uh, the other conventional methods of, of bringing that, this technology to the public have failed. And the people, most of them have vanished with those failed strategies. So there is a strategy for doing this, uh, but it cannot be secretive. It cannot be intellectual property. It can't be a secret sauce. Got to be open source, like you know, GitHub or some of these, you know, open source software. But in this case, the whole operating system or the energy device. That's something they can do. 
didn't you say that the, that that those that want to make money out of it on the secondary level well, they can? Well, yeah, phase two. Once the whole world knows this is true, and every physicist and university are you know building up iterations of that, sure. I mean, there'd be what we need. I mean, to all the greedy, I call them the dumb greedy people. <laughs> I mean, it's really stupid. They yeah. think it's like. My precious, you know, what is that, uh, Gollum, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings? Yeah. You know, my precious, my, wait a minute. You've got 8 billion people. You have a, over a billion motor vehicles spewing stuff. You have all these people with electricity in their houses. If you had a thousand companies the size of Apple or Amazon, it's hardly enough. So I don't know why people get into this zero sum game thinking. We're talking about, 8 billion people needing yesterday, like 50 or 100 years ago, these technologies. To stand up that level of financial, industrial, manufacturing, distribution, you don't need to be a Rockefeller of, of new energy to do this. You don't want to do it as one entity. But there would be, I mean, in, in people who worry about money on this, the trillions that are being spent and wasted on nonsense, it's... Um, you know, it, it's really sad. They, they, they're thinking too small, way too small. So I think that the truth is uh, it has to be put out in a way that the cradle of its birth isn't blown to smithereens. And that's why it needs to be quickly all over the net, blockchain protected and open source. No patent, no intellectual property. And frankly, anyone listening, that's the only basis upon which I will cooperate this month. Because every other person I've tried to do this with, they've either been threatened or many of them are dead. So, you know, if you know it's not going to work, why do it? You should only do what's going to work. Right. Okay, well, it's been a bit over an hour, about an hour and 11 minutes. Went a little over an hour. I wanted to do an hour, but I think we covered a lot. We did. Yeah. And, Thank you. Um, Pat, thanks for everything. You're an angel. And I hope to see everyone uh, either online or with us out in the desert in April. It'll be a great fun. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll have a great time. Thank All you, Greer. Right. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my gosh. The timing couldn't be more critical and perfect, everybody. And he said it all, that we all have to be on this page where we do this. And this is what the Faction 3 White Knights have been telling Rama every single day of the week. This is either done all at once or not at all. And uh, that's exactly what Stephen Greer was saying. Otherwise, he said, I know a lot of people that aren't here anymore because they just got rid of them. So the importance of us taking care of ourselves and mm. working with, you know, this, as our friend One Way would say, there's only one way. Yeah. And it's called love. And yes, look up. Help is on the way. So um, I'll just read this little piece from Sandra Walter. It's called Magnetics Shifting Our Realities, Emotions, Narrative. 
Energy shifts are expected next week. This was just yesterday this came out. With strong magnetic fluctuations. She addresses us as blessings beloved. And she's having a women's event there at the big circle in the center. And there's tons of women there. They're doing something for the Divine Feminine. Stargate keepers and crystal grid keepers. We will be assisting with magnetic shifts in February. Keep in heart that magnetics hold collective realities in place. With a thin magnetosphere, cosmic energies and stargates are much easier to work with and the shifts can be sudden. That goes along with that all at once or nothing at all routine. Yet another reason to learn how to be present, adapt to situations quickly. And keep ourselves as heart-centered as possible as personal and collective narratives change. Mm. Serapis Bay made a good point in the Mastery Intensive. Mm. Dissociation sensations and rapid narrative shifts train us to release linear time constraints. Division of Worlds, Magnetic Fluctuations. Global and Galactic Magnetic Fluctuations open stargates. Release linear realities and free our DNA to express more of our spirit self through the body. Diminished magnetic shields and fluctuating magnetic poles or polarities provide time fluctuations. What day is it? What realm is this? Your old reality is gone and cannot be recreated without discomfort. My foreign whiskers are made. More cosmic rays get in. That's organic information. Lending. Excuse me, landing on crystalline hearts and DNA, causing a new experience that holds more light, the truth of unity consciousness. Magnetic fluctuations affect our emotions, perception of time, gravity, field polarities, vertigo or flipping poles sensation, Thoughts and nervous system. Learn how to sense the magnetics and how to adjust in the moments. Often, just connecting with Gaia or source within balances the fields. Wonderful, wonderful, um, wonderful, wonderful suggestions. So we'll take a break now. And we'll be back in just a short while. And we'll be back with our brother Richard and with K 
Pacha and Tanya Gabrielle and a good look at the stars and uh music. Music. Right. Excuse me, everyone. Uh, this change in the justice system with uh, a highly qualified black women woman coming in is going to make a huge difference. And see you there uh, coming soon. <laughs> and Sarah now and peace out for the moment. See you in a little while. Namaste. Thank you, everyone. Pass the talking stick to you, Richard. Thank you, sir. Well, let's do do a little astrology for a little bit here. The 29th of January. The chart looks a lot like last week, except the moon is sitting between Mars and Venus right now. Venus went direct. And the moon is conjunct Venus. So, yeah. So, you might have felt pretty good today, depending on your personal pattern and all that. So, the, the sun is at 11 Aquarius, and the moon is at 11... Capricorn and Venus is at 12 Capricorn Mars is at 5 Mercury is at 27 along with Pluto alright so we we knew this setup was going Mercury retrograded uh, just behind Pluto in earlier Capricorn it's still retrograde, but in a couple of days, guess what? There will be no retrograde planets. Ooh! Very good. Yeah, you know, it it happens about once a year this time. You know, given the long-term effects of slow movers like, you know, Uranus and Neptune and all that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, yeah, sun, sun is 11, Saturn is at 16, so that's a conjunction in the middle of Aquarius, which uh, has a tendency to put a little stress on Scorpios and Taurians and Leos. Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of... Oh, I'm sorry, Richard. I was just going to say that it's kind of interesting because the number 11 is the day that it is, the 29th. It's an 11 day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Jupiter is at what is that? Uh, seven. Let me get this other this other chart that's larger print. Yeah, Jupiter's at seven Pisces. Chiron's at 10 Aries, uh, Neptune's still at 22, Pisces, and Uranus, again, Uranus is at 11, Taurus. 
also how close is that square? Uranus, 10 degrees, 52 minutes. The sun is 10 degrees, 8 minutes. So uh, that'll be exact here in, uh, in a few hours. And the total concentration, we've been talking about this concentrated arc moving from 5 Taurus to 11, 5 Capricorn to 11 Taurus. It's down to 126 degree arc. Mm. So that's 1, 2, 3, that's 5 signs. So there's 7 empty signs from Gemini to Sagittarius. All those empties. So everything on that side of the planet, Earth, is uh, it's like, you know, major oppositions to Cancer and Leo. Uh, there's two oppositions to Virgo. Uh, Chiron's opposite Libra and Taurus is opposite Scorpio. So that's the setup. we got a major triangle here, which is Mars, Moon, Trine, Uranus. Mars, Sextile, Jupiter. And Venus is pretty close. Venus is at 12 and Jupiter's at, at 7. So that's, you know... That's a loose sextile, but it's still a sextile, and then Jupiter is also sextile Uranus. So we got a we got a triangle. We got the trine between Uranus and Mars, with Jupiter in the middle, plus the double square of Sun Saturn to Uranus, and that's the Aquarius Taurus. So. That's the um, the cultural stress, right? Aquarius being a social sign, you know, sign of relationship and communications and all that good stuff. And Taurus in charge of the general planetary conditions right now. So, you know... I've learned to accept the things I cannot change. Let's go listen to Kakacha and see what he's got on his mind this week. Okay, Richard, here it comes. This is Kai Pacha with the Weekly Paley Report for Wednesday, January 26th of the great year 2022. The moon is uh, going through Scorpio, been doing uh, the big let go here, right? And she has conjunct the uh, south node of the moon just before moving into a, 
Sagittarius today. And then she's going to scoot on through Sagittarius. She is going to come into a square with Jupiter, a trine to Chiron, and then move into Capricorn, where she is going to hit what? First Mars, then Venus, then Mercury, then Pluto, and <laughs> by Monday, she's going to uh, have a new moon. We're going to have that new moon uh, happening at the uh, 12 degrees, 20 seconds, uh, 20 minutes of Capricorn. Yeah? And then she's going to go into Aquarius. And finally, by, uh, by our report next week, she is going to be right there uh, in conjunction to Saturn. And here we have made it to the beach. <laughs> this is just where I'm staying because I don't know where else to do the report. So anyway, Mercury is, you know, uh, still going back and it, it's uh, conjunct Pluto on Friday. Then it's going to continue its retrograde motion until February 4th, and it's going to go direct, and then it's going to come back, and it's going to hit Pluto again going direct by February 11th. So I want to talk about Mercury conjunct Pluto, and that is what, you know, today's mantra is about. At the same time, almost the same time, as it hits Pluto on Saturday, the very next day, right, Venus is, con is stationing direct the 11th degree of Capricorn, and Mars is over there at 4 degrees Capricorn, so we can say that Venus and Mars are going to be traveling together for like three months. It's going to be absolutely amazing, the masculine and feminine coming together. All right, and I'm going to talk a little bit more, quite a bit more about that, yeah. So we have the new moon happening. We've got Venus stationing direct conjunct Mars. We've got Mercury passing by Pluto. I mean, basically, it is con Mercury is conjunct Pluto for uh, you know a couple of weeks here. So these are the main aspects that I really want to talk about. Last but not least, by any stretch of the imagination, is that the Sun moving through Aquarius is going to square Uranus over there in Taurus on Sunday. And of course, you know, after squaring Uranus, it's going to come around and conjunct with Saturn. So, there's the layout, and let me see where I can find the space to do this. What is going on? I just, uh, first of all, I just want to say that I, there's a 90 minute talk that I did a couple nights ago, uh, here on the beach with a group of people. And, um, I'm going to upload it to Telegram and Spotify. It's, uh, but I'm not going to put it anyplace else. It's only a recording. It was too dark to, uh, record the video. But it, uh, gives a 90 minute Pele report, a, a deeper, wider, fuller presentation of what's happening right now and going forward into 23, 24, 25, 26, and looking at what lies ahead. And uh, it would definitely be censored, so that's why I'm only going up to those platforms. 
The links to those uh, platforms are down in the notes below. You hit show more, the notes show up, and all the links to all my stuff is there. Yeah? And, of course, it'll be on my website, and uh, you can sign up for my newsletter uh, and receive all, you know, all the stuff that I'm doing. Anyway, to get to what is going on right now, all I can say is that, you know, this is a period of initiation, uh, and I think of the, like, the, uh, the ancient Egyptian initiations were really tests. Is the initiate deep enough? Uh, strong enough, uh, wise enough uh, to, you know, to go through. I've gone through this whole Egyptian initiation, down through the pyramids, into the wells, you know, through the waters, uh, you know, you know, with the snakes, with the sirens, with the temptations, with the everything. And it, and it is challenging us. It's testing us on every level that we've got. And it's basically a stripping away. So what we can see here is that, you know, Venus came up to hit Pluto. Venus rules the heart chakra. And she's going retrograde, stationing direct, going to grab hands with Mars. And Venus and Mars are going to descend into this underworld together. And we're going to have this Venus-Mars-Pluto conjunction in March. Yeah, March 2nd or 3rd. Yeah. And so... This is a whole month, right? This is six weeks. This is a, a super powerful time. Right now, we have Mercury, right? Mercury conjunct Pluto. It came up before. Now it went retrograde. It's going to sit there. It is sitting there, conjunct Pluto, this entire week. The throat chakra, our left brain, linear, logical mind being torn being stripped away. I want to talk more about that. That's what the mantra is about today. Mars. Mars uh, rules the third chakra. Yeah, it has to do with this and, and a little bit with the second, the sacral, and also the solar plexus. It is our will. It is our strength. It is our masculine energy. So we have these chakras. It's almost like chakra two, three, four, and five are all getting this initiation. And what is this initiation? Number one, it calls for isolation. Like I said last week, we only go down into the underworld alone. We are born alone and we die alone. And the, and the change and the transformation and the evolution occurs deep down inside. And this, I would say, is a time not so much of a download... Though it may feel like, you know, oh, I'm getting downloads. Yes, this is a, you know, this is a powerful time. But I want to say it's an upload. Pluto rules the root chakra. So we are getting uploaded. <laughs> you know, it's like, boom, from the depths of our soul history. Pluto rules the soul where we've been in our prior lifetimes. Yes. And as such, I want to also talk about the Pluto polarity point. Cancer still going on until March of 2023 when Pluto moves into Aquarius. The evolutionary point is going to be Leo for 20 years. Yeah, from 2024 to 2044, we have 20 years of Pluto moving through Aquarius. But right now we're kind of wrapping up this whole Capricorn 
energy, and this Capricorn energy has to do with the patriarchy, and it also has to do, of course, with authority. And each one of us becoming our own authority, the author of our own lives. So what this initiation is about, this is like the snake moving out of its skin, shedding the past. And what is the past in this case? This case, the past is dealing with the family structure. It's even dealing with the DNA. It's dealing with our gender selection. It's dealing with the very, everything that we have inherited. So with Mercury conjunct Pluto right now, what's coming up for us from the depths and the core of our being is all of our conditioning. Capricorn is external authorities. Mom, dad, grandma, teachers, preachers, political figures, billionaires, authors of books, uh, you know, uh, prophets and gurus that we have followed. All of the conditioning, all of this mental, everything that our attitudes are based upon, everything that the, the, the way our monkey mind has been working, let's not forget that this left brain is a tool of the ego. The ego lives in the third dimensional world of separation. Good, bad, right, wrong, yes, no, in, out. And if we're going to bump up, and this age of Aquarius is about raising the bar, it's about bumping up. We have to bump up out of dualistic, polarized reality into, right, the law of three, right, the ascend. The, the, the movement upward, above, outside, beyond polarity. So we're leaving the box behind. But all we know is the box. Maybe we know every corner of the box. Maybe we've been hitting our head against the side of the box. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah, you know, but at least it's been something... You know, even bumping up against it, even rebelling against authority, even, you know, it, it, has, it still has given us a structure, a sense of self, an identity. Whether that identity has been our job or, you know, what we're doing for income, you know, uh, you know that we're uh, married or that we're single or that we're a man or we're a woman or we are this or that. I mean, we have all of these structures from the past that have formed our identity, who we think we are. And as we bump up, as we move out of this box, like the rocket ship, taking off, yes, you know, towards far distant realms of space, towards a higher understanding of who we are, of what life is about, of why we are here, it's scary. There's nothing to hold on to. There's no more box. There's no more fighting or struggling or rebelling or being suppressed or being dominated or being imprisoned or that, you know, if we move and we bump ourselves up out of this box, we're kind of like floating around, you know, like the bird learning how to fly. 
we're getting kicked out of our nest. And it's freaking scary. This is a very scary time, so we can all kind of get this sense. <laughs> Think of a scary time. <laughs> That's the National Guard, man. <laughs> I love it. Nothing like a dose of reality when you're in Mars and Capricorn. <laughs> Mars rules soldiers and uniforms. And we can be dealing with soldiers in uniforms right now. We can be dealing with all the external authorities. And here's the movement. Here's the evolution. Here's what the mantra is about. I'll tell you what. It's easy to be still and meditate in the jungle by the cenote when nobody's around. Right? You know, it's simple too. Shut out the world, stay in our bedroom, you know, get our, you know, uploads, our downloads, our, you know, our spiritual juice. But Capricorn, with Venus, Mars, Mercury, Sun, Moon, Pluto, hello. Capricorn is out in the world, maintaining this inner core becoming our own inner authority in the face of pressure, expectations, other people's demands. So this also has to do with boundaries. This has to do with knowing when to say no. This has to do with maturity and that becoming an elder and saying no, not now. I have to do a video, <laughs> you know, no, not now. I can't go swimming. I have a duty. I have a responsibility or however it shows up in your life. This is a time where I want to say this is what this mantra is about. Letting the soul take the reins of the will, Mars. And, and it's like the reins of a horse. Just think if you're, if you're the stagecoach driver and the will is a team of powerful six horses, you know, and they just want to take off. Maybe they see a coyote out there or something. <laughs> you know? Ow! Right? It's up to not our ego, not our mind. But a deeper, 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 you know, rising up from our solar plexus, from our body, from our will. Rudolf Steiner talks about the will is in the limbs. The memory is in the limbs. So this is about doing more than just thinking. We still the mind. And as we still the mind... It's necessary for us to trust something else. We are not our thoughts. This trusting our will. We have not been taught to trust our will. We have not been taught to trust our instincts. We have not been taught to trust our bodies. Capricorn is Earth. All these planets, this new moon happening in Capricorn, the sign of the sea goat has to do with this trusting ourselves, our inner authority, 
and then willfully in cardinal sign initiating our movement forward from our deepest core soul self. And what the mantra, not just the mantra, I want to talk to you today also about this new moon at 12 degrees, 20 minutes. I'm going to read you the Sabian symbol for the 13th degree of Capricorn. It sets the tone for this next month, the new moon. It's the seed. And in a way, you know, this uh, this uh, Sabian symbol has to do with the seed, The seed lies within us. The seed is our soul. And this seed contains within it the future. We hold within us the future. We're going to, you know, we are coming more and more becoming into masters of creation. Where we create our realities. And that, and that creation is already within us. And what we're stri- doing, we're stripping away to the seed kernel. And we want to then project and create, not be a victim of the wetico. Yes, not be a victim of what's, you know, apparently this, you know, a whole social collective conscious you know, psychosis happening out there. But no, boom. We project our inner world out and create this age of Aquarius. So it has to do with, actually, it's so funny because it mentions astrology. Uh, Again, if you're not familiar, you can download the PDF of this off my website under the resources tab. And so the, it is a barometer. The symbol that the psychic saw for this degree of the zodiac is a barometer. Yeah? The ability to discover basic natural facts that allow us to plan in advance for action. Here we are no longer dealing with ascent or descent but with natural laws which involve causal relationships. Cause and effect, karma, what goes around comes around. The causal relationships and the passage of one natural condition to another. The barometer registers air pressure. And a change of pressure today gives some indication of what the weather will be tomorrow. In a sense, this is the modern equivalent, scientific equivalent, of archaic prognostication through omens. Likewise, animals grow a more or less thick fur in early autumn according to whether the winter will be more or less severe. Planning for the near future is a possibility because the potential or seed of the future is already operating at the core, the soul of the present. Yeah. So this tells us by whatever means, 
and whatever level of consciousness a knowledge of causal progression. In the broadest sense, this implies an awareness of cyclic processes, and this includes astrology. The key word here is anticipation. We can anticipate, right, a future reality, a future age of Aquarius, a future society, by tapping right now into the seed core of what we ourselves want to create and become the co-creators of this future society. So the mantra for today is that inner silence is the key to knowing all that I am. It stills my mind and allows my soul to take the reins of my will in its hands. This inner silence, it has to do with surrendering. A lot of people have a hard time meditating, and I'm going to say, this comes with practice. Don't be frustrated, upset, or irritated if you just, like, sit down and close your eyes and you can't stop thinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this. like I say, practice makes perfect. It's, it's like practice takes time. And so you may still your mind for a second, for two seconds, for three seconds, and then another thought pops up. Don't fight it. Don't block it. Don't suppress it. Don't start a war within yourself. This inner silence has to do with attaining inner peace. Pranayama. Long, deep breathing. Focusing on that I inhale slowly to the count of eight. And then I, 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 I feel... And you, you know what helps me stop thinking is when I stop breathing. <laughs> if you suspend your breath, you suspend your thought. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, you know, inhale and surrender. Let go of breathing. And then notice the turnaround to the inhale and slowly inhale and pause at the top. Suspend the breath at the top. And this stills the mind. And as you pause that breath, as long as you can, then slowly release, exhale, let go, down again. And repeat this process of long, deep breathing. And still that mind. And as you clear that mind and you come into this inner silence and the mind is stilled, you are still present. You, you, you are still there. You are the observer. You are the thought thinking itself. So we move into this place of the witness. And, and, and there we allow 
There, there in that stillness, you allow your soul to emerge and you connect that energy wow, with the team of horses, with that will. And you trust that instinct, you trust your body, you trust that authority to say and to commit to this is my path, this is my truth, this is my way. And it may not be the way of your ancestors, and it may not be the way of your friends, and it may not be the way of your children, but it is your way. And you will find, we will emerge out of this place, okay, of isolation, separation. This is all part of the timing. And just wait. Venus and Mars will conjunct at zero degrees of Aquarius and move on, you know, right through Aquarius. Yes, moving later on into March and April. So this is a very, you know, this is a very powerful time period. And just know that you're doing the deep dive. And the deeper you go, the more kundalini you will contact and, and the, the more power you will gain. And then you will reemerge in a new way with a new identity with a new path and you will connect with like-minded souls. So trust the process. Trust your process. And I'll leave you with that for today. One more time. Right. Inner silence is the key to knowing all that I am. It stills the mind that my soul may take the reins of my will in its hands. May your soul take the will in its hands. Namaste. Aloha. So much love. talking stick back to you Richard okay thank you alright I'm looking at next Saturday's chart when we get to next Saturday Mars and Venus are going to be three degrees from contact mm. and Mercury and Pluto will be three degrees from contact with Mercury at 25 and Pluto at 28. Uh, Saturn and the, the Sun is going to conjunct 
Saturn this week, and next Saturday they will still be one degree apart with the sun at 18 Aquarius. And the moon will be way up ahead at 19 Aries. Mm. going to be a continually interesting journey with uh, Mm. with that Mercury continuing to conjunct Pluto and the Sun passing between the Earth and Saturn. As they often say, when planets are near the Sun, if they're outside or behind the sun, their influence is decreased because the sun's in the way and it's the most powerful emitter, etc. right? So, uh, it may, we may see, and it's a, it's a big maybe, uh, some movement on international cooperation stage. Like Aquarius is about cooperation, right? Good which idea. Includes, which includes diplomacy. <laughs> Good idea. Well, you know, you know what, you know what they say about war and diplomacy. War is continued diplomacy at the level of physicality. Oh. Yeah. So, um... Isn't that a contradiction to what diplomacy means, though? Diplomacy is negotiation. Yeah, but more... And finding... Finding... Finding common ground. Right? Not, not by killing each other. Or banning Yeah, when, 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 when diplomacy fails, the guns come out. Yep. Exactly. So, um... Hmm. Yeah, there was a, there was an hour-long BBC show this morning on the the history of Ukraine. Ooh. They had the the lady that the, the lady that, that moderated this got got a couple of historians uh and a Ukrainian and uh some other people intimately, you know living in Ukraine, and they, they went through the history of Ukraine. And uh, one of the things that, that they brought up was the fact that after World War II, um, Poland and Hungary, Hungary became independent states after World War II. Why not Ukraine? Why didn't Ukraine... Get the same status as a, as a, a, a 
statehood the way Poland and, and Hungary did. Well, it was because of its, you know, intimate relationship with the with the Russian Federation, you know, at the time. But anyway, that's all. That's all history. We're trying to move forward here, and it's a little hard to move forward with Saturn in the sign of diplomacy. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have to wait with with Saturn in the middle of Aquarius. We're gonna have to wait another year and a quarter for Saturn to get out of Aquarius. So, Maybe I could talk to Saturn to move it a little faster. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know who you know with that kind of power. Uh, now, Saturn, Saturn's going to do what Saturn's going to do. And, and Saturn has to express itself. I mean, you know, it has to do its limitation thing. Otherwise, you know, we'd have, we'd have blown ourselves up. Anyway, enough of that. All right. Um, I will speak with you all next week. We'll listen to a little bit of Tanya Gabriel next. And I wish you all the best. Stay warm. Don't run out of firewood. Over and out. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you, Richard. You're welcome. Namaste. Namaste. Hello there. It's Tanya Gabrielle, Wealth Astrometrologist. Welcome to Star Codes. I'm so excited about what we're going to talk about today. We always look at an upcoming astro-numerology event, in this case, the Aquarius New Moon. There's a lot going on around this new moon in early February, which we'll get into. Now, the new moon happens a time that we're bridging months. So it happens on February 1st, Universal Time at 5.46 a.m. And that's 12.46 a.m. on February 1st, East Coast time, New York, but west of the eastern seaboard, so central time westwards, it's on January 31st. So Pacific time, it would be 9.46 p.m. on the 31st of January. So we're bridging two months, and this is actually apropos for the whole message of this Aquarius new moon, because Basically, right after it, all the planets, once Mercury stations direct on February 3rd and 4th, depending on where you live, all the planets will be in direct motion until the end of April. And so this is really a pivotal moment because the energy will move fast after this new moon. And of course, Aquarius is all about the future. So we're really getting excited about how to make some changes here. Aquarius does govern change and adventure and taking a risk. So this is really momentous. So let's look a little bit more closely, first of all, at the highlights. This is the fourth consecutive new moon at 12 degrees. We had three new moons prior to this at 12 degrees, this one and more to come. And that is actually highly significant because 12 is the number of the student, that you are an eternal student. And also 12 governs the 
the idea that if you allow others to control you, meaning you are a victim, you need to break free through Aquarius now from that victimization. So whether you're a perpetrator or you're feeling victimized by the powers that be, this is an amazing time to set yourself free. So that's one thing. Then it is conjunct, this new moon, sun and moon in Aquarius at 12 degrees is conjunct Saturn at 15 degrees Aquarius. And that is going to help you to manifest freedom in your life in a step-by-step way because Saturn likes to take things one step at a time following a protocol so that you lay the groundwork for whatever it is you are wanting to change. So this is a good thing. And, and Saturn at 15 degrees adds the energy of spiritual alchemy, of magic. So you have that as well to help you to go through your awakening into liberation, right? To feel liberated in such a beautiful way. So we have Saturn conjunct the new moon, and then we have Uranus, the planet that rules Aquarius, square the new moon. And a square creates tension. It's 90 degrees. So Uranus will be at 10 degrees Taurus, almost 11 degrees Taurus. And so it's a very tight square. And so that is going to urge you as well. But in this case, to break free from limitation, from any lack that you feel in your life. So it, it complements Saturn giving you the basis for feeling very secure in breaking free and then Uranus coming in and saying, hey, you must do this because a square is very activating, right? It it uh, puts energy into action in order for you to actually do what you need to do. So that's a good thing because we are definitely at the point where we're in Aquarius, the sign of freedom and breakthroughs, and the new moon brings many new beginnings. So anything you can do to precipitate those new beginnings is going to be helpful. Now, what is also helping is that Mars and Venus are coming together in a conjunction, which will be exact on February 16th, but they're already getting closer and they're forming a trine to Uranus. And this is really beautiful because it creates very positive flowing energy that allows you to incorporate change into your life. So it doesn't feel like it's um, sudden or unexpected, though there may be that element as well, but there will also be a beautiful flow and a natural acceptance and gratitude to the changes and awakenings that you experience. So literally, we are in the midst of an exciting liberation from fear because fear holds us back. Whenever we are afraid of something, we tense up, we close Right, We close things down. We close down our heart. So we are now opening in many ways energetically. And because Aquarius discovers exploring uncharted waters, going on an adventure, taking that risk, right? Being excited about what's to come, leaving the past behind. That is really a big deal too. So we are exploring everything to do with inspiration, Uranus, The ruler of Aquarius is connected to inspiration, connected to invention, to genius. We are leaving old paradigms behind. And it's very interesting because during this Aquarius new moon, we have four planets in Capricorn. We have 
Mars and Venus conjunct in Capricorn. We have Mercury and Pluto conjunct in Capricorn. And Mercury and Pluto's conjunction is very strong because Mercury is literally stationing, meaning it's slowing down before moving direct on February 3rd and 4th. So this is a very powerful, powerful moment, and it will help to give us a very strong um, focus on wanting to discover what we didn't see before. So in terms of investigation, in terms of penetrating the truth, in terms of research that awakens us, right? You will have very intense conversations. You will feel this really strong nervous intensity to want to uncover and get to the answers, get to solutions, right? So this can really help with making empowering discoveries. So that conjunction is active. And then, of course, the Mars-Venus conjunction is active, which is so beautiful because it brings the divine feminine and sacred masculine together. And so it helps with just the general good feeling of flow between the left and right, the the masculine feminine, the two sides of the coin, the abbot flow. So we have incredible support here that is really helping us in such a big way. So those are the two conjunctions in Capricorn. Then we have, of course, the stellium in Aquarius with Saturn, Sun, and Moon. And Saturn, of course, helps us to declutter our life, to take our sense of duty seriously, to make emotional commitments, to receive wonderful clarity, to bring order and structure into our life if things are in disarray or there's confusion. Saturn helps to settle things down, take things step by step, be persistent. And then the Uranus square to the sun and moon at the same time is quickening the energy. It's helping you get stimulated. It's helping you clear the air. And, you know, Aquarius is an air sign. It governs flight. It governs anything to do with electronics, technology. So there's going to be a sense of looking at your attachment possibly to devices in astrology, but also being incredibly stimulated to receive inspiration. So you feel a strong desire to reform something and to welcome new ideas and be more flexible in terms of changes happening, freedom happening, independence calling you. And you also want to express yourself with total freedom as well. So, we talked about the Mercury-Pluto conjunction. We also want to look at Venus is almost forming an exact trine to Uranus. Venus is at 11 degrees in Capricorn and Uranus at 10 degrees in Taurus, almost 11 degrees Taurus. And this is so beautiful because Venus rules Taurus. And this is so gorgeous for exploring new options in beauty, in love, in finances, in abundance, in what you value. So it's a great time to start a new creative project. Remember, this is a new moon. And this will help you get a perspective on magnifying the flow of finances, the flow of prosperity, the flow of feeling abundant is magnified. So it helps you get a new perspective 
on how to create that flow, how to be in that flow, how to feel the flow. After all, all creation happens from a sense of being the energy first, being the frequency first. So the other thing with Uranus and, and Venus is you honor everyone else's ability to be creative in a unique way. So it's a great time to just show the world creatively how you are stimulated and how you are ready to explore as far as your imagination can go. It also gives relationships a wonderful burst of excitement. So there's so much good energy here. And remember, all the planets move direct. Once Mercury stations on February 3rd and 4th, we have this flow of forward momentum. So that's super exciting. So, hey, this is a time to really allow yourself to consistently engage in something that is inspired. So really tune into inspiration in spirit, being connected to source. Source is supporting your existence, our existence. So let yourself be held and nurtured by source. You're always taken care of. That trust is what allows you to take the adventure. The trust propels you to move forward. The trust that all is good and all is well and that you're supported allows you to take that leap. And we're all taking leaps right now, right? Aquarius reminds us too that we're all one big human family. All of us. We're all here in it together. So from the standpoint of the soul, your human experience is incredibly valuable. It's such a treasure. You have so many opportunities for growth and to be of service to others and to sing your song. Those are all Aquarian themes, right? Your uniqueness is a beautiful point of light that connects all the other points of light of uniqueness into a whole. And that sparkle is what makes the whole light up, right? So when you feel lit up, you are actually impacting the greater whole in a beautiful way. So we are definitely on an adventure. These next few months will feel very adventurous, very new. And of course, we have Uranus creating a major breakthrough moment. So if you feel like you're dealing with things that are like out of the blue, show up, whether it is something you have to acknowledge or something that is a situation that is taking you on a new path or your values are being shifted because remember Uranus is creating that trying to Venus and Venus also governs your values, your the way you see life has shifted in some way. It's really going to be an exciting time. So no matter what changes unfold, no matter what happens, you know you are taken care of. You know that you really are the miracle. You are alive on earth right now. You are experiencing the shift into the Aquarian age. This is the Aquarius new moon. The planets are moving forward, all of them right after this. So Hey, it's, it's really an important time right now. And Aquarius happens to rule astrology and numerology, right? It rules all those, um, exciting galactic, 
explorations. So this is a great time to know your own astrology and numerology code. And you can do that in a free masterclass at starcodeclass.com. Basically, you take your birthday, your birth certificate name, and if you happen to know your time of birth as well and your place of birth, you can look at your astrology. We cover it all. There's a handout as well. It's really fun, and it helps you understand who you are at soul level and who others are at soul level so that you have compassion at all times. So enjoy that at starcodeclass.com. I wish you an absolutely wonderful Aquarius new moon and a wonderful week. Lots of love. Richard's off to see the wizard, or is he? I think so. So, wow. What can I say, everyone? There's uh, energies that are really moving forward. Mm-hmm. Don't you think so, Rama? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should take a little turning it over to the next mm-hmm. voyage. Going to go to our conference call now. Okay. <laughs> what? Um, the number is 720-716-7301. And the pin code is 353863-POUND. All right. So, we will see you there. And then we will spend that hour of time together. And then we'll come back here to BBS Radio, Station 2, the best radio in the universe. Time is now. Places. Ah. Planet Earth ascending. (laughs) All right. So, BBS Radio about the top of the next hour. Right back. We will be at the end of this next hour. So mote it be. Namaste, everyone. See you on the conference. All right, well, we've got some breaking news, so we might as well listen to some of this tonight. Oh, that. Oh, that. Now, you didn't get to hear it too well on the conference call, but we're going to hear it. Mm, It's too long. We're not going to play it until we just play some of it, dear. Okay. Get the gist. So tell us what this is, Rob. The Fall of an Empire. With Glenn Bogue, Jackson LaFace, and Jacqueline Milne. And they're talking about, well, they're talking about Canada, yet we had a further discussion about it, and it's really the fall of the empire in the whole world, because this is global now. And... 
So let's perk yourself up, have a little cup of tea, and here we go. You're going to read something mm. there, Rama? Oh, it brings up the words here. Um, nice and The loud. federal... Uh, the Federal Court of Canada ruling as per the ASCID tribunal who ordered the Crown to produce a treaty title to the land or leave the land. And now it's gone to the Federal Court of Appeals. Stay tuned. All right. Let's, 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 let's hear them. Let's see what they have to say. Hello and welcome to the King Heroes Journey Podcast. My name is Beth Martins. I am absolutely thrilled to be here today. I love this work so much and today is a great example of why the coming together, the constellation, uh, we have something in the back end about star forts that might come up today. <laughs> there you go. And uh, we're on Rockfin as well. So uh, as we get into uh, the, the live stream, I'm going to introduce our guests and bring them on shortly. Uh, at the last minute, Jason Lafache, who is the coordinator of the uh, Freedom Convoy 2022, is also going to be joining us because the announcement that Glenn Bogue is making right now uh, as a, uh, the Attorney General of ASMIN has huge implications for the convoy and the mission that they're on. So this is all coming together in an amazing way. I'll let you know that Jackie, Jacqueline Millen and myself were already planning to stream today and speak specifically about the fall of the empires as it's seen in the history of the Bible and how it creates a map for us, showing us where we are on the timeline, uh, what we've been through, what's up ahead of us, what to expect and how to prepare for it. So we're, we're bringing all of these elements together in, in one stream to, uh, in, in this moment. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have a chance here, I'm going to hit, hit uh, Rockfin and send you guys a link as well if anyone prefers to be on an uncensored platform. And if you have the, the, the time and the bandwidth right now, please share this out. This is huge, absolutely breaking news. It, it, it's something that happened in the federal courts yesterday, a, a, a ruling that is, uh, is epic. So we are going on Rockfin. And here is a link for you guys. Come and say hi in the chat if you like. And um, hello, Ian McDonald and Mandela Mill already in the chat. That's awesome. Here is the Rockfin link. Give me just one minute. And there you go. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to bring Jacqueline Milne and Glenn Bogue on right now. And uh, I will introduce uh, Glenn, as I mentioned, is the Attorney General of ASMIN. This is um, uh, the, uh, I have a link for ASMIN. I'm actually going to get Glenn to say about it so I don't butcher it. Uh, Jackie is an expert in regenerative agriculture and has uh, is also the president of NIFTY. It is the this too many details. The president, uh, she's the president of the Northern Farm Training Institute, known as NIFTY, and has a lot of other uh, tricks up her sleeve as well. <laughs> so, without further ado, I'm going to bring Glenn and Jacqueline on. Hello, Glenn and hey. Jacqueline. Welcome. So great to have you here. Wonderful. Absolutely mm -hmm. historic moment. And so, um, Glenn, would you like to take a minute and introduce yourself properly? I'm like. What I could do. Yes, uh, 
just a, a straight up bio is that I represented Canada in Olympic Games in 1976 in Montreal, as I did for over a 10 year career as an international sprinter. Mm. I then went to a scholarship in the United States. I became uh, a three time NCA a scholar award winner. That's, I think, supposed to be quite rare. And uh, came back to go to law school in Toronto. And then uh, spent 35 years in the U.S. studying nutrition and the ancient texts. Those don't seem to go together right away, but as oh we no, they do. Tonight, yes. Um, uh, and so I went from there to then after 35 years getting my law degree back um, five years ago, uh, when things were really getting hot in the Indigenous world at the Supreme Court of Canada. And before that, I was trained. Um, that's by the sovereign hereditary chiefs. They're not the band chiefs who are paid by Ottawa. They are the ones who are holding the ancient knowledge. In our case, Asman goes back to Kanata, Bolivia. And that is where Canada got its name as the um, indigenous peoples from there came up the Amazon, crossed the Caribbean, up the Mississippi, met the Hopi, intermingling, you know, as Jackie knows, we like to do. <laughs> and so I uh, have had this diaspora throughout South America, the Caribbean, and North America. And we very quickly got into the Courts of Appeal and the Supreme Court, which usually takes about 10 to 15 years at the speed that Canada works at in its court system. Uh, but luckily got into the... Uh, uh, Courts of Appeal, and now heading to the Supreme Court of Canada on very important issues for every single Canadian, Beth, because who Canada is by far the richest country in the world. On the official list, Investopedia, Canada is a tie with China and Saudi Arabia, but they're dealing primarily in oil in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but Canada, with its unknown wealth of the Canadian Shield, and of course its tremendous water resources, the new oil over the next 50 years, we are the richest country in the world. We have just been, I want to say, duped. We've been duped by members of law societies that are making our laws in our urban areas and have formed big, big, big corporations. Now every one of them has big indigenous lawyers paid by Ottawa to avoid the truth that the people born in this country own the resources. But because we're split between the, the European settlers, the Aborigine, Aboriginals, who are the Mohawk, Cree, Dene, um, etc., and then what Asman is teaching, the people who are born here even today can say that they are indigenous to Turtle Island and can declare to be a national and also be this corporate citizen. Because when you're born, you were indigenous for two weeks, Beth, until mom got in the mail the application for you to get a birth certificate Okay, which is a corporate bond that goes to the Registrar General and then it's registered in, in New York City under Chase Manhattan Bank, mm. enabling the Prime Minister to borrow 
currency, not money, money's gold and silver, to borrow currency. Now here's the richest country in the world borrowing currency from the New York Central Bank, which is hooked to forces in Basel, Switzerland. And so all of this is going into the courts now because Canada does Canadians are not taught the lawful rights. Legal is what the statute offers you. Okay, so when we think of the Canada Act of 1982, which most really haven't heard of, even though it's supposed to be the Constitution, and behind that, a document called the BNA Act, the British North America Act of 1867. Okay, but when you have an act, Beth, you have to have the Queen of England sign that document. It's a parliamentary rule. We've been challenging the court for a year to produce Queen Victoria's signature on the original BNA Act in 1867. We don't think it exists. No one's ever seen it. Uh, they've looked for 50 years now, 50 years, and no one has produced it. And, and, and so that document, because Queen Victoria didn't sign it, had to be repealed in 1893. So in 1982, what happened was Pierre Trudeau went and patriated. It's not even a verb in the English language. You can't matriate. Jackie knows you can't matriate something. You can, so they patriated this thing, this, this nullity from England, brought it here, and the Queen came in her business suit, where on, in 1982, in the spring, she came in with a business suit on, and she declared something that over the Canadian people. She declared letters patent a corporation only over loyal subjects of the queen. Now, if you want to, you can be as a Canadian citizen with your birth certificate. There are benefits there for you to contract for, but you're going to pay taxes and get some benefits like any other contract. But you weren't told that you could also be an indigenous national. And the difference is, in the citizen world, the crown owns all the land of Canada, including the minerals. You are renting your house on top of her land. Mm-hmm. That's the crown world. And that crown, okay, that crown is registered where? Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Go to Edgar. The folks can just Google E-D-G-A-R. Click in uh, Canada. You come up with a foreign government registered in downtown Washington, D.C. Okay, that's the, where the crown is. And then it comes here and it gives governmental services to the nationals. And you can take them and you can contract them. It's not an exclusive contract, but you've forgotten to, um, to, uh, to, to, uh, to demand your, uh, your, your mineral rights. And that's what Abraham Lincoln, uh, sorry, um, uh, um, Benjamin Franklin gave to the Americans in 1776. He gave them a lodial title to their minerals. It's a long story what happened to that in several bankruptcies that the Americans went through that were caught in. But, but on our side, we own the minerals, and the example is the Norwegian Sovereign Fund, and they claimed their oil in 1990. 1991. Now today, Beth, every Norwegian man, woman, and child 
They're each worth $200,000 U.S. They get a dividend every year from their government. We just get higher and higher in taxes um, from our government. So we've made a claim in court that we are going to, that we are leaning for, for commercial liens, so a, a lawful instrument, on all the resources of North America, South America, for the people who are born here to stop the, the transnational corporations from stealing our, our vast minerals. So that's the short of it. Yesterday in the federal court, there is a, there is a Supreme Court of Canada decisions that require the crown, this crown thing from Washington, to come in here and and to consult with Jackie. Let's say this is Jackie because she is uh, Métis, I'm Métis. To consult with us, there's a duty to consult as soon as we raise a land claim or an indigenous right in the court. And yesterday, the federal court single judge refused. He said to us that he did not agree with our position in his opinion, but his opinion didn't count because... He's bound, of course, by the Supreme Court of Canada, the highest um, court in the country. That's quite the introduction, but this is so critical. When I saw <laughs> your video on Monday with Jason, to get this word to these truckers, because many are going around with a, a half an idea what common law is, what um, notice of liabilities are, which are valid in, in England. I'm not so sure they're valid here. What is indigenous law? What does it mean? Why is it superior now? Because Canada has agreed to the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. The U.S. hasn't agreed yet. Canada was second last in the world. I'm not happy about that being a gold medalist many times over. Being second place is not good. But we were the second last country in the world to pass this document because it allows Jackie to self-declare it allows Beth to self-declare. You can be gay, queer, pink from the moon. Like who, you can say you're a Martian. You can say that you're Métis. You can say that you're indigenous national and be protected by the sovereign hereditary chiefs uh, of Turtle Island. And so I'll pass the mic back to you. Because we, have, we, have, we have nationals of Turtle Island and citizens of Canada and the United States incorporated. And that's the difference. Go ahead. Woo. There you go. That was a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. And and then just just to boil it down, uh, uh, as even said in the notes on the on the video, that uh, and, and just, please just correct me at any stage of the game, just because so much of this is it is definitely new to me. Uh, not new. I've been actually I've been following the back end. But uh, so the the federal court of Canada ruled as per the Ascot Tribunal, uh, who ordered the Crown to produce the treaty title to the land or leave the land. And you also mentioned something that they gave them just enough jurisdiction to be able to leave the land. Can you talk about what exactly that looks like? Okay. There's a term called unceded land. There's a document called the Royal Proclamation. There's one in 82. There's a much older one in 1763 when King George III got the, they won the Seven Years' War, which I'll call World War One. They won it. King Louis of France had to cede Canada to George III. And then George III issued, um, to his credit, a royal proclamation where he would protect the indigenous people against the other crowns coming here and stealing the heck out of the place. And that's what that means. And in there it says that any land, if you find yourself on unceded land, 
you are strictly required, that means there's no reasons, no excuses, get off the land immediately. And we had a judge last year, uh, sorry, in February of 2020 in the Superior Court in Ottawa. He was a former regional senior judge. We have him on transcript saying to us, yes, he agrees that Ottawa is on unceded land back. And therefore, under Canada's laws, the court must vacate. The federal court of Ontario, of Canada only exists in Ottawa by statute. It sits other places sometimes on Zoom uh, and occasionally physically. But but we said to the judge, we're not asking the people in Ottawa to get up and move. We're saying that the jurisdiction of the Indigenous Tribunal is now superior under this United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People called UNRIP. Article 27, 34, and 40, I've got them memorized. Our laws are now superior to those of Europe that have been here so long stealing, and they must change their laws to our laws. So we gave them a limited jurisdiction, because they only have jurisdiction from Ottawa Parliament, but that Parliament is on our land, our Anishinaabek land of the Algonquin-speaking peoples, and there's many, many different tribes of that. And so so now the jurisdiction comes over to indigenous and now people are freaking out, well, I don't want to be a Mohawk and who wants to be a Cree? And you know, there's a bunch of in <laughs> we take a little past that to the fact that if you're born in Toronto, if you're born in Calgary, I ask people, are you indigenous? And they start freaking out. Well, no. I asked you where you were born. If I said you're born in Belgium, you would say that you are Belgian. <laughs> But in Canada, we've got this colonial uh, growth to come out of. If I'm born in Calgary, I'm indigenous to Turtle Island, but I also chose to be a Canadian citizen. And that's the big message. It's the first one, the national owns the resources. And we are, so that makes us all instant millionaires. There are 38 million people in Canada. Canada's worth about $38 trillion in minerals, and not including the water, that's about $1 million U.S. And so we're asserting that jurisdiction we've given to the federal court to enforce our decision was made on Friday, um, the 21st of January, and we put it into court and said, now we're ordering you, judges, to enforce the law of the people of this land, the 38 million men and women and children that live here. And so, quite excited. He didn't do it, so now we're going straight to the Federal Court of Appeal and ordering them to do it, and then to the Supreme Court, and then to the Costa Rican International Court um, of the Inter-American Court to enforce the rights for all the people here in this country. Amazing. Holy mackerel. Wow. Wow. Incredible. So, Jackie, I'd love to pass it to you and just say, you know, this is obviously uh, new new to you as of today, and uh, so if you want to just share any reaction that you have to this, what it means for you, how you're tying it into all of the work that you're doing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So so it, it'll be nice when Jason gets on too. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to know that, is it Glenn? Is it Glenn? Glenn okay, yes. so Glenn and I are just meeting right now for the very mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. I've never heard him speak before. And um, in, immediately um, what's come up is a deeper point, okay? 
the, the, the mention of common law and all of that, okay, and all the Christians who are going to be watching this and all the people of faith like myself who stood from the beginning. The Bible says, dig, 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 seek for it as for hid treasure, knock, 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 keep asking, okay? So what Glenn is sharing is an example of people who begun to dig to look for the truth, what's underneath all of this. It goes deeper than just the common law. It goes all the way back to the Bible, okay? The law and the origin of judicial fairness, it's birthed from the scriptures, okay? And there's two domains. There's the public domain. And that's sort of like when people are living in big cities and, you know, there's a lot of infrastructure to manage and a lot of stuff to take care of. So people agree to these arrangements, like Glenn was saying, you know, the birth certificate and everything. Maybe when that was first created, it wasn't with an evil intent. It originally probably started with people trusting, and that trust has been violated so deeply, it's going to be very difficult for us to ever trust like this again. In fact, it might be absolutely foolish, (laughs) because this has brought us to a very serious crisis now. Okay? And so... Two domains that I'm aware of is the public domain and the private domain. And that might be a new, huh? What does that mean? The private domain is something that is like it comes from your house. Why police can't go in your house? Why someone, you know, because it's recognized as a sacredly protected space. Now, How big do you define your house, your household, okay? You see, the private is an expansion of the concept of the household of God, okay? And this is connected to some very important scriptures that I'm going to want to share because all these details, I just want to tell you, don't worry. Don't worry, we're going to, we have time to make sense of everything. Okay, so don't get overwhelmed and don't get scared by this stuff. The law is not bad. We have very good tools that have been put in place by our ancestors to help us maintain civil order during this now paradigm-changing event. Okay, so this kind of energy... Uh, for freedom is what the Bible repeats over and over and over again. Okay? So even though the Bible for a long time has just been a sort of a, a book with a spiritual message, it's not only that. It's a document of historical events that goes back thousands of years that we can glean from right now to help us Make it through this, okay, to not despair, don't, you know, and maintain, even though maybe pieces of empire are going to collapse and crumble, that doesn't mean civil behavior, civilized, okay, loving human behavior can still prevail, okay, that that I really wanted to, to emphasize. So with the private domain, here's an example of the household. And I'm going to share this as some encouragement with the whole world because 
Canada has your back. Okay, I want everyone to know, Canada, we have your back. So in Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says, Of um, Noah, by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen. You see, the Bible's been warning us about this for a long time. Christian people know what I'm talking about. In reverence, he prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Well, you know what? Our household has gotten a lot bigger. There's a whole lot more people living on the earth now. And we're going to have to open up our tent pegs, you could say. Stretch it out, okay? We're all of the same family that survived this near extinction event in the days of Noah. Okay? So we have a bond with each other. Now, the next one I want to tell everyone, you go and you read the book of Joshua and the book of Exodus. And you're going to really see some powerful examples of what I'm talking about. And you'll see it for yourself. So this first scripture I'm going to read is for the whole world. So Joshua 1 and 15. And, it, and it's 14. And it says, this was when they were at that paradigm time. Now, what's important to note about this event with Israel, when they went out of Egypt, Pharaoh wanted to kill their children. And when they went into the land of Canaan, the people there had sunk so low, they were practicing child sacrifice to the pagan gods. So the death and the killing of children was everywhere around them. Hmm. You know, that sounds familiar. Very good. You see that pattern. You see the pattern of when empire is imploding with fear and the rulers are afraid and they're losing control and everything's imploding. You know, like all the plagues on Egypt, that was like climate change for their time. You know, so this pattern. But now I'm going to read the scripture. It was time for them to make the change. Okay, so they crossed and it says, your wives, your little ones, so it's everyone. Your, your cattle, they shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But you shall cross before your brothers in battle array. All your valiant warriors shall and shall help them. Now, this is important. Until the Lord your God gives your brothers rest as he gives you. And they shall possess the land which the Lord your God has given them. And this is, I'm a Canadian and I'm a Christian. And I'm telling you, you, everyone in the whole wide world, you're my brother and you're my sister. If you love freedom and you love this earth, okay? And we are not going to just go, oh, well, blah, blah. No, because this is a bigger event now, okay? This is the moment. This is upon us, okay? And so what's carried us this far is the things we love in our hearts. And so let's not be shy about what helped you endure this long duration of time. And from what I've seen, mostly it's people of faith of some kind. It doesn't have to be that they're going to church or anything like that, but people with strong inner convictions, which are recognized in the International Covenant, which um, Glenn mentioned, and I feel is extremely relevant. Now, the next one, just one more I'm going to share with you, and then you'll be excited to read this account, is in Joshua. Well, this is like a year ago when I started my channel was because of, of this scripture. I read it, and it said, Now Jericho 
was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one went in. That's locked up. That's locked up. And then I was like, okay, then I sat up and started paying attention because that's sort of actually one of the symptoms of empire collapsing. You see? So, so there's a lot of information for us right now to, to, to not dismiss. Now, why is this relevant about the private? Okay. The International Covenant, Article 1. This is really important. All peoples. Now, it's not addressing persons. Persons is what Glenn was talking about, and it's not bad. It's a way of having the court be neutral, and people from every walk work can go there if there's a disagreement with commerce and business. Okay, that's originally what the court's for. So it's it's not bad. It's just what's been done with it is bad, you know? Anyways, this article, it says all peoples have the right of self-determination. Now, what does that mean? Self-determination means free choice of one's own acts without external compulsion. Okay? Yes, thank you, Glenn. Thank you. It's so beautiful. I feel so happy that we're here. And here's one more. It says, um, determination, firmness of purpose, and resoluteness. Okay? And so then by virtue of that right, they freely determine their political status and freely pursue their economic, social, and cultural development. And that is what the private domain is for is to keep the public counterbalance like the predator-prey cycle. Okay, so it's it's something that exists that we stopped using. And that's one of the big reasons I'm realizing that our system has gone so off balance. And so, thank goodness these um, arrangements exist for us, but we just have to give ourselves time to learn them, Okay. And, um, yeah, so that's sort of what I wanted to say. <laughs> so, please, anybody else, like Glenn, you want to comment back? Please hold do. Me, hold me back. <laughs> that, 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 and I've studied private and public with the, with the Grand Chiefs for five or six years, and that, that mm-hmm. was the simplest, clearest definition, because public to private is not easy when you're going into court where you have to swear an affidavit, private to public, to remove the court's jurisdiction from Washington, D.C., right? Mm-hmm. I'll spend a minute there. Washington, D.C. is not part of the United States. It is a receivership for a bankruptcy that began from the cost of the Revolutionary War. Then they got back in the black in 1830 when they moved the Cherokee on the Trail of Tears. President Jackson forced them against the United States Supreme Court decision in Worcester uh, v. Georgia, against that decision where the Chief Justice Marshal of the United States protected the Cherokee people, Jackson said, the hell with that, we got to get back in the black, I need to sell that real estate in Georgia, so we marched them all the way out to Oklahoma. And so that put them in the black in 1830, so the bankers, Abraham Lincoln said, I got General Lee in front of me, 
right? And he and uh, Grant were, were teammates at the uh, military college, now exercising their muscle in the field. I, I got Lee in front of me, and I got the bankers behind me. And between the two of them, the bankers in New York are the worst enemy. They started the Civil War. They killed 700,000 men. The U.S. economy was, was collapsed, could not pay the debt from the Revolutionary War. And now they're back in debt from 17, sorry, 1865 or so, coming forward into the First World War. And then, of course, the Depression in 1930. It was engineered to keep um, us from gaining the, the, the private people gaining their private mm-hmm. wealth back. People may not know, in 1933, three men stole the gold. One was FDR in Washington. The other was Premier Bennett of Canada, who later went to become a lord in England for his task. The third gentleman was Adolf Hitler, who stole the German gold in 1933 and became, oh. began the Depression with our resources being stolen. So well, that's a, a longish wave. Go ahead. I just want to say that uh, Jason Lafachi is here. I'm going to bring him on the stream so you guys can. Uh, we're, we're basically having a, a meeting in public right now. <laughs> so I'm introducing my friends. Uh, uh, Jacqueline and Jason, you have already met. And uh, Jason, I'd like to introduce you to Glenn Hoke, who is the Attorney General of Asmith. And uh, it, it, Glenn, can you just quickly uh, re announce what happened in the Supreme Court yesterday, just for anybody who's joining us new, and then and then Jason can get caught up. Oh, okay, so um, I, I, I reached out to you, Jason, to you on Monday to make sure that the truckers had the law correctly in this country of who owns the resources. We are the richest country in the world by far, yep. but this Crown Inc., Thing that comes out of Washington, D.C. and utilizes the uh, currency system, the U.S. dollar system, out of Chase Bank in New York, mm-hmm. so that when you're born, you get, you're, you're, you're indigenous. I know that you're Métis, I'm Métis, I'm a guy from North Bay, and so is Jackie. But, but our point is, there are Mohawk, etc., uh, people who are here who I call Aboriginal, but the indigenous people to Canada, born even today, own the resources and have to assert their right to get the allodial title, the allodial title back from from this crown thing that brought transnationals here into our minds. And I remember hearing about that a long time ago. Somebody had mentioned that to me, and it was, and I actually brushed it off back then because I thought, well, you know, but now I'm hearing about it again, and yeah, I, I've heard something that where the crown. So, so did they actually dissolve that, 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 that crown function or? Well, no, it was hard to get the law society to do and the judges to do. I've asked them several times as I'm a lawyer, like, and I was trained at the law, top law school in Canada, Oscar Hall in Toronto. And what is this crown? Where is it in the statute? Where is it in common law? Where is this thing? And we found out that it's in Washington, D.C. We just went through the history of the bankruptcy of the United States. Okay, finally, in 1933, was the third bankruptcy. So, uh, and, so, and so there is a receiver. Washington, D.C. is a receivership after the revolutionary, after the Civil War in the United States. They couldn't pay the debt. And so then the 14th Amendment came that created a citizen. And the poor black slaves were slumped into the 14th 
amendment, but guess what, Jason? So were you. Yeah, I know. I I know about that, yeah. That's the 14th (laughs) Amendment. We became a citizen, and now it's so great to be a citizen of Canada, and it has great benefits. It gives you privileges. It does not give you rights. Those rights exist from being indigenous to Sudbury, born on the soil, you own you own the land, you own the minerals. Mm-hmm. That's coming to the front right now in the federal court yesterday because uh, this crazy guy from this crazy Mi'kmaq from Newfoundland who's Métis didn't know his rights, but he's swinging with both hands up to the court of appeal because they're winnowing out 90% of the Mi'kmaq from Newfoundland because Hibernia is there, the richest oil reserve in the world. That Rockefeller, uh, sorry, Rothschild took from Joey Smallwood in some mm. private deal back in the day and put Newfoundland into 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 bankruptcy, into bankruptcy. And so and so and so, we're, this young man, this young guy in Windsor, the ceases came to his house with guns. Uh, the police have beaten him up in Windsor. Uh, we've gone into the court now and said the crown when he put his land claim in on behalf of all Canadians. Black, white, pink, queer, gray, Martian, I don't care what you are, Christian, Protestant, Jew, I don't care. All Canadians, if you put a land claim in, with the minerals back then, at that moment, the Crown must consult. And what they must do, Jason, is produce a prior superior title to the Métis clan mother. There are six million Métis people just in East. Eastern Canada. Never mind Louis going on out there in the prairies. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. So about half the country is Métis. You know, when you think about Canada, we are proud to be multicultural because that's what Métis is. Yeah. And so and so this whole awakening to our mm-hmm. pride that we are the richest country in the world. And what you have done, young man, what you have done, and I have tears in my eyes. I told the Law Society in January of 2018 when they tried to suspend me for fighting over the gas leaks pipeline in northern BC on behalf of the Wet'suwet'en. I was suspended temporarily. I told them Canada is going to leave the world in a brand new indigenous, never mind aboriginal, indigenous governmental model for all the people, all the private people of the world that Jackie just so skillfully and simply explain to this audience. And that's the words of um, Naomi Klein, the international Canadian journalist in LA now with the Leap Foundation. And it's her claim, not mine. This is a Jewish author. Uh, and your husband, uh, I can't remember his name, related to Lewis, Stephen Lewis. And they're saying the camera's going to lead the world. And you, you have sent a huge fireball around the world as they go. <laughs> I don't even know what to say uh, about it because, like, I, I think last night uh, it hit me. Like, <laughs> all, what, what we've been doing, I mean... Mm-hmm. I Can I do a really quick proper introduction, introduction of you, Jason? Uh, one of the, you were the first organizer of the 
Freedom Truckers Convoy that uh, exploded out and, and uh, you ended up taking your region in Ontario and having several other coordinators around the country. And mm-hmm. so this was, you were, you were the seed of this incredible movement. I, I, I bet you had no idea the scale it was going to turn into, but uh, the whole country is, is behind you and your movement. And so just want to make sure people are aware. I want to correct that. Okay, okay so, please, please do. Okay, so I, I started off with No More Lockdowns with Randy Hillier and and, and, and through there. Um, James Bowder is the founder of Canada Unity with, uh, with Martin and everybody. And I jumped on board because I wanted to be part of this movement. Now, I've, I've used, I, what I did is I, I dropped my business, I stopped doing what I was doing, and I, I put my full dedication into the movement. Now, what happened was, is I'm, able, I, I'm very, I know I have a skill at connecting people together. I, I obviously, I, I can see I can do that. But it's like you said, you know, the work that our team has put together has just snowballed into something really positive, and it's awakened a lot. Like the whole world is inspiring other countries right now. And mm-hmm. uh, that hit me last night when I seen other countries convoying and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. this morning was even better. Pierre Polyev, you know, he stuck up for us. He and he and he and he was right about his statement he made at Parliament today. So now I know there's there's a there's a bunch of other stuff that's happening. So I'm going to be informed on that later this evening. But apparently, uh, James and our other staff that's in the uh, they're on their way to well they're on their way to Sault Ste. Marie, but they're they got a bunch of political meetings this afternoon that just they got called into. So it's looking like. There's a huge thing happening in Parliament before we get there, and then next week is going to be some one crazy week for Canada. I can I can rest assured. But it's like you said, you know, if it wasn't for this movement to get together and 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 unify, I don't think we'd be sitting here having this conversation today because you know the truckers really pulled through on 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 in kickstarting the movement, and everything just fell right after. And like I said, like. For me, it's not about me at all. It's not about James. We, we, we emphasize that it's about all of us. Canada has, is working together right now. Everybody, I, I, I make a call or I get 20 calls and they're like, Jay, can we help? I never had that before. So that, that sense of togetherness and reviving the spirit of Canada is also driven. It's being driven by God. I, I, I truly believe that. So like I told my wife that this morning, I said, there's, there's, you know, yeah, it's, it's driven by a lot of power. A powerful emotion right now but uh you know the, the main thing is everybody's having a spiritual awakening right now and it's 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 a it's reflecting and it's rippling right across the planet hey, let's be sure that. we're clear about let's be sure we're clear and jason's clear on the main fact in ottawa that parliament building okay is on unceded land of yep. the Anishinaabek people yep. who speak the algonquin language and yep. right now in the last five years the the prime minister trudeau and a lawyer in Toronto, McMurtry, um, or McMurtry's law firm in Toronto, have now sold the northern half of Ontario, maybe one of the richest parts of the territory and anywhere in the world, is the, the ring of fire up there in northern Ontario. They have sold the northern half of Ontario for a mere $300 million to 10 fake Algonquin banned corporation CEOs, Ten guys who are have some native blood, right? And for two hundred and seventy million dollars, the law firm will get ten million. This is going through the Ontario Superior Court 
right now for the last five years. And that has to be stopped because the Royal Proclamation stated that that, that they must get out tomorrow on the weekend. That whatever that thing is, that corporation that is providing governmental services registered in Washington, D.C., it's on Edgar, right? Go to EDGAR, Canada Inc., look it up. It's right down there in downtown Washington, D.C. It's our embassy. It's our embassy there. That's a foreign entity on our land that is selling all the minerals to the Swiss bankers. And that's not going to go well. We can go into that. That's the work of Boyd Anderson. I just came across on Monday when I saw you two, the hockey player from Medicine Hat, who is predicting what's going to happen with Bitcoin and what they're going to do with the gold that's now stored in Perth, Australia. And so Canada can sit there and pick this crown thing if they can come up with a treaty before the Métis clan mothers, 30,000 B.C., <laughs> yeah. they can have it. But if they can't come up with it, the War Proclamation says that they must remove themselves from this soil and give Canadians, each Canadian would get U.S. $1 million. And I can tell you how to do that tonight. If you wish, because we're worth 38 million, so 38 trillion, and we have roughly 38 million people. So everyone would get in their account tomorrow one million U.S. dollars. If if you succeed, Jason, getting this word to the truckers who understand their rights, that they're born here, they're indigenous, and that's the only way they own these minerals, and we can feed the world, Jason. We have a worldwide platform we trade on now at Asmen. We created it in the last six months. It's now up and running. Mm-hmm. And we're, we can trade around the word our wealth with the poorest countries of the world because the United States, where I lived for 40 years, learning and learning American mindset, which is quite valiant. They're really quite a valiant, hard-nosed people um, with a fantastic constitution that's been trampled. But, but we, but they failed. They failed. They went into shopping mall greed, I call it, credit card greed. And they failed to feed the world. The nation that's going to do that is going to be the Canadians. There's, there's no doubt because we're so rich. That's oh, no, I know what. I, uh, just a comment on the, uh, the grandmother, um, okay, so I know a little bit of information on that and they, they did get it. So this is what happened. On the last bear hug that we had, we uh, protested up in Edmonton. Uh, they were up there on the uh, on the grounds, and the the government used force and removed all the uh, the ceremony TPs and everything because they were actually having a ceremony. Grandmother Nancy was there. Now, apparently, uh, Prince Harry, I think it was, uh, ended up getting the paper con the treaty copy of the treaty because Trudeau. Uh, sent it to the UN in New York, and it was it was stored there when they went to get the when they did an FOI. Uh, so some apparently somebody applied for an FOI to find out where this contract treaty, where the treaty was, the copy of the, the original treaty for the Crown versus the people of Canada, which is which is which is something you're talking about. Um, and then I guess when they went to go get it, they couldn't find it in Ottawa. It wasn't stored in our anywhere there. And then I find out after that. The, the Queen's son, or the Queen's grandson, comes to, he moves here to Canada, and then he went and they met, he met with some representatives, uh, with different nations here, here in Canada from, from like, uh, I think it was Six Nations, 
uh, Wetson and a few other places. And then they ended up getting this copy of that treaty. They have it. So she's coming down this weekend uh, with everyone. And I'm wondering if this, because there's a big movement that happened this afternoon, like an hour ago. I got a phone call and apparently there's a big caucus meeting with a bunch of conservatives, uh, uh, parliamentaries. James got called in. Our lawyers got called in. And there's some big showdown. So I don't even know what there's a, there's a meeting at, well, they're in the meeting right now. So I'm just waiting to find out what happens after because this is apparently it's supposed to help our case when we go to Ottawa and try to compel the governor general. So what we want, like what I would like to see is this. If we can get a copy of this treaty that was created initially for the crown land, between the crown and, and colonialists and, and, and our territories, uh, we can take our country back and turn it into exactly what it is, give it back to where it's supposed to, and impose new indigenous leaders as government. Because that really, I, I'd like to see that. I mean, I haven't seen my since I've been living. I've seen one guy in Parliament. Uh, I think it was like 10, 15 years ago. He was out of Quebec or something. And I mean, I had aspirations for this guy because he's the only he's the only indigenous person that was a minister at the time, and then he was a sitting member of Parliament. So. He gets the boot over some scandal. I mean, he, he went to a party apparently and whatever, and they they just they sideboshed him and kicked him out of parliament, you know. So that when that happened, that I it opened my eyes to it, it's like basically to me it felt like it was they raped they they profiled him and they just they didn't want him there because we have to remember what was the law that Johnny McDonald made, and he's like we have to eradicate the red men because they all conform to the Canadian collective. Remember that that was actually a law. So, you know, you look at today and it's like, yeah, they obliterated the law, but they, they use public health and all these other organizations to still ostracize and, and, and you know, pro, I, I call it racially and systematically profiling indigenous people and targeting them with, with things so that they can continue oppressing and keeping the indigenous peoples depressed and always dependent on others, right? But the, what's happening right now with indigenous culture and our reserves is, uh, McShaking on on the island. I'm sure you know about that with all the windmills that are being built. That's indigenous, 100%. Um, you look in Tyndanaga and Oneida, out in Algonquin Territory down south. I mean, yes, they got into the cannabis industry, but what they did is they, they created their own laws. They made sure that everybody has a job, and the money is back on the res. And, and now what they're doing is they're creating a marketplace for the other territories, and everybody's working together. And you're starting to see the crime rate drop on the reserves. You're starting to see addictions drop on the reserves. You're starting to see the kids have jobs and, and, and learning, uh, you know, just, just, um, I'm going to say that, like life skills so that they can go in the workforce and, and, and continue education. And, and you see more of these kids finishing education. Whereas when I was growing up, you know, uh, in my classroom, when I was growing up, you'd have like 10, 10 people from Wiki or whatever and everybody, nobody graduates, you know. But that, again, is systematic pressure that's put onto these people. Because when I was living, like, when I grew up with, with, with folks from, from Wiki, I mean, I watched it. I mean, the police were always on them. Social services were always on them. I mean, I, I couldn't figure out, like, and then, and then not, let's not, let's not, let's not forget the bigotry, you know, along the way when you're, you know, you're calling, you're calling our, 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 our people wagon burgers and, and this and that. That, I, I can't stand that. And so for me, when growing up with that, I was like, we have to make change. 
you know, we have to find some way to change things because this isn't right. This is their land. It's It's been the land of, 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 and it should go back to them. But yet you have countries around the world with the cancel culture thing and they don't even, they don't even care to speak about these problems that are probably the most important thing. I'm going to let Jackie speak. I can see she's sitting on her hands there. And I just, uh, go ahead. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm going to read another scripture. So it's Daniel. Okay. And we don't actually, to tell you the truth, need another treaty because we actually have it already. It's done. Yeah. We've been given the land a long time ago. It's been promised to us many times over and over again. That's why our legal system is based on this. This represents the people that live in the private. Okay? Now, regarding the claim, I'm going to share something with you. After I read the scripture in Daniel, which is because so many people right now are in this moment. Okay? So, 16. So, the story here is... The, the nation, the, the Jewish nation had become unfaithful and they got captured by Babylon. And so then these individuals were of Jewish descent cope, trying to cope with this captivity. Okay. And then the empire of Babylon got so powerful. It created this image and everyone was commanded to bow down to it. You had no choice. And then the, when the horns and the and trembled, you know, musical instruments played. They were all supposed to bow down. And so then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, who was saying, how can you're not listening to me? And they said, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. My faith is so sacred and so private. It's as intimate as your bedroom. You don't have to give an explanation to the government to justify your convictions. Okay? That's the first lesson from them. But if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire. But this is how deep the conviction goes. It says, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, but even if he does not. Let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods, nor worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, what's very, we got to be really careful right now with the language we're using, because what I'm hearing is another repeating of a pattern, and it's the temptations that occur in the wilderness. And the wilderness represents the time of the transition that, that what's called vification. It's the paradigm. It's the time the paradigm is changing. Now, what was Jesus tempted with in the wilderness? What did the devil do? He said, look, I give you all the kingdoms of the world. Bow down to me and you will have all the power. Okay. And then another, this overlaps when it was time to take Jericho. What was important is there was a lot of wealth, exactly like Glenn is saying. It's true. But our motive must be to build a truly genuine, righteous society. Because this is the moment the temptations will come to us to stop and maybe take a little bit and hide it in the floor underneath our tent. Okay? You know, just in case it doesn't work out, okay? So now there's one more thing I'm going to share, and then it's about this 
seemingly unrelated topic, there is a information that there are ancient ruins all around the world called star forts that I have been learning about for about a year. And I have learned that the name Canada comes from an indigenous word. I don't, you know, I'll let Glenn or someone else pronounce it, Canada. But if you go and look in history, it was in 1535. It's a two young, you know, Dene youth or indigenous North American told these settlers or explorers, they pointed the route to what is now called Quebec City. And guess what? Quebec City is the ruins of a star fort. And the word Canada means settlement. So if you want to talk about who really has a claim, you ask and you look at how many legends First Nations people say, we come from the stars. And everyone said and makes them think that means the stars in heaven. Well, it turns out these fortresses were built in the shape of stars. So who has a claim to what is going to take a while for us to sort out? But I'm telling you, this is part of what will be exposed now. I don't have all the answers to this, but I know it's real. And I know it has something to do with the colonial um, uh, migration across the world. This is all connected, okay? And I had to share that with you guys. So the private domain, that's where I'm at, man. That's where I am. And what's I want to understand, Glenn, you know, like I can understand what you're saying. And you're talking about how to correct the function, the dysfunction that's occurred in the public. Because I do believe we do need to maintain uh, order, okay, through the public. And the public is where our military and our policemen, and that's what was hijacked, okay? So so I just wanted to share that with you guys, and if you have any questions, um, this is what I did. This is where my work ha- has taken me, so. Well, well, Beth, let's get after it, okay? Now, now we're after it, okay? I'm an expert in the Knights Templar. You know them from Da Vinci Code, uh, Book of Dan Brown. Um, what had occurred, the, the, yeah, go ahead, Jason. I gotta leave, guys. I'm getting slammed and I got, uh, my guys leaving a convoy, so they need me right no, now. Okay, okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We will, you guys will, uh, you're getting introduced now. You'll, you'll meet later. Um, Best yes. wishes for anything that's happening. And, uh, Jackie and Glenn and I will stay on as long as, yeah, uh, awesome. as we're able as well. Okay. Yeah. God bless. Yeah. God bless you guys. Goodbye, and, uh, Jason. For another time for you, for sure. Go get them. Okay. Fantastic. Go yeah, exactly. Okay. Take Bye. care. <laughs> Bye. So the Knights Templar were persecuted, of course, but something they had in the Mount Segur in the southern part of France that the Pope went after in the first uh, actual genocide in recorded European history. Um, and so they took this, this treasure, Jackie, um, out of New Rochelle Harbor on these ships and headed where? They just disappeared with it. They went to Nova Scotia and they met the Mi'kmaq. The flags are very similar. And they took this treasure, may have had it at Oak Island. The water trap of Oak Island is a, is a trade of the mark of the Knights Templar. The Knights Templar, we know, built the foundation of at least Montreal. That's an author named Karen Rawls uh, in her book on the Templars. I was shocked. She's a Harvard-trained uh, scholar. 
The Montreal's foundation is definitely a nice Templar. Jackie, the word is what they brought here was at least one, or if not the one and only, Ark of the Covenant. It went from Micmac to, through the Micmac trade system, out to Alberta. And there's that nodding head over there. And so this is also tied to the Kensington Rune Stone out mm -hmm. in Minnesota. There's Knights mm -hmm. Templar markings on it. And there's a tower in Providence that points straight to, uh, by a survey of accuracy of a surveyor, to the Rune Stone at, um, in Minnesota. That's all I know so far in the past and awesome. this history awesome. of being the chosen place. And this yeah. is perhaps why we're being so heavily um, influenced by the corporations. Go ahead. Yes, Jeff. yes, yes. Okay, so what I basically discovered, um, as far as I know, there's approximately 18 of these star fort ruins just in Canada, mostly back east. And what really got my attention, and I want everybody to look at, is the one in Churchill. Okay, it's very far north. And my father who's still alive, remembers being taught in school, in elementary or whenever, that supposedly a group of settlers, before there was machines, I don't know from the French or the English, built a stone fortress where there's no trees and polar bears. So, right, yeah, okay. And it's like, I live in the Northwest Territories, and when I seen that lie, because it's a lie, They'll, that fort was there because there's ruins and the settler, these colonial guys, they were just going out trying to rediscover them. There is an, a legacy of a civilization that existed in North America and around the world that has been suppressed. And it's time for us to find out the truth. I believe our history has been tinkered. Our timeline is not really genuinely reliable, I have been finding too many anomalies, okay? So I think there may have been a small mini reset when Rome collapsed. And perhaps what actually happened is the colonial empires are the ones who overthrew Rome to take over the power of the Roman Empire. And they are the ones who've tweaked our timeline. And this is what I believe is behind it all. So when we start unraveling this thread, it's going to go. The sweater is coming undone. Whoa. So let's, so let's go back to exactly when this happened. It appears to my history shows, my research shows, the Merovingian kings. Mm -hmm. Merovingian kings in the 600s. Were the yes, before that. I think it happened before that, yeah. But coming to this point of the Merovingian kings, mm -hmm. who are coming from Morovius in the third century, mm -hmm. and they were killed, and then the Roman Empire and the Vatican threw uh, the power behind Charlemagne and mm -hmm. kicked out the Carolingians, who eventually became the Austrian um, mm -hmm. Empire, which was mm -hmm. destroyed in World War One. The reason the Boer one was to destroy mm -hmm. the Archduke mm -hmm. of Austria, so. That Germany could take over, whatever the heck is in Austria. And there was a secret in the little church of Mary Magdalene called mm -hmm. Renlet Chateau mm -hmm. in, in southern France, near the Languedoc, where the Knights mm -hmm. Templar went, mm -hmm. and it had a mm -hmm. secret there. Mm -hmm. And it was the Archduke that would show up 
Now, what does the arch do with all with the wealthiest families in the world doing in the podog town? Look at the churches, maybe 60 by 100 feet. There's something there to this great secret. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, go, go ahead, go. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, so what I found out so far is it's connected to the Bible. It's yeah. connected to uh, the Gutenberg Bible, okay? And the, um, if you look at, oh, God, I didn't think we are going to get into this, folks. Come on, you never know I'm, where we're going. You never know. I should have had all those, my when notes. When those Métis first meet, you never know where yeah, they're yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, So, So what I, I'm wondering is supposedly Gutenberg invented the printing press in a, it's called Starborg, it's in Germany. You look at that city today, it's a star fort remnant. It's been repurposed, okay? This is supposedly where Gutenberg invented the printing press, and the first book ever printed was the Bible in the year 1440. Well, the Nicene Creed was written in the 300s, right? I say the, the colonialists, seeing what Rome had done with the Bible, and thought, oh, that's so sexy. Take the Bible and mix it with politics. They couldn't resist. They couldn't resist the temptation. Okay? That's the root of this. But look at what Gutenberg, the name Gutenberg means free man of noble birth. That's literally what his name means. Okay? That's true. That's, and he was supposedly a goldsmith and a gem polisher. And then there's also, um, Fibonacci, the famous man who, you know, with yes. the math, I don't believe he's from uh, 1190 because I looked his names up too. Even get a load of this. Gutenberg's father, okay, was from, uh, he, 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 they called it a, he was a patrician. Anyways, it means, Gutenberg's father's name went back to a noble family or class in ancient Rome. So what I'm saying is there was some kind of power shift when Rome went down and the colonialists rose and they added, I say I'm holding a thousand years into our timeline to cover what they did. Are you saying they created a thousand years? They yes. Yes, there's actual evidence. I have a coin. Okay? They, yes, I know it's shocking. Hold another, on. Another book called The Time Loop I was given by a gentleman in China. He's an American fellow. I don't know how I get these things. but they, Yeah, yeah. And The Time Loop says that on the astrological chart now of Pisces, we would get a thousand years into it, and the yeah. church had a way to create the time loop and send yes. it back again so that... Yeah. The people, the characters over there, if I've got this right, around 500, yes. Charlemagne yes. became King Charles yes. in the 15th century. Yes, that right? that's how they, yes, that's how they did it. So there's missing time. Yes, yes, yes. And they're using the Bible. They're using the Bible in a very diabolical way. But this is like, you know, once you learn about me, you'll understand why I have focused on this. And uh, because this is, see, the Fibonacci I wanted to share is a, it's a, it's a sacred mathematical equation because it governs the biological symmetry of all created life on earth. Yes. And guess what? It's in the Bible. Go ahead. The number 144 is the 12th calculation of the Fibonacci equation. And it's in 
Okay, so when I found that, I knew, I knew, I knew. And that's why I looked at Fibonacci. Now, guess what? The man they say is Fibonacci was from the t- the town of Pisa with the leaning tower of Pisa. So it's believed that there was a far more developed empire through the Roman nation than we know. And I, I am of the opinion now, I would change my opinion, but in you know you're talking about um, Washington D.C. In the Book of Revelation, it says Babylon was split into three parts. Wow! And I say that's what happened. And so we're far, we're way into the cycle. We're much deeper in, into this this repeating cycle. Okay, but it's the repeating cycle of the Fibonacci. So it's an organic thing that is occurring, that they're trying to manipulate. That's, you see, they are, you, are recognizing the cyclical pattern of the earth. Yeah, or, or it could be the Vatican, the city of London, and the, yeah. and the, and the Washington, D.C. The they split the power Rome, that they Rome, stole London, from Rome. Yeah. yeah. Where's the first city? Yeah. London, uh, Washington, yeah. and... For which of the Vatican, Vatican. the Vatican, Vatican City, Washington, D.C., and the city of London. Now, also, Vatican City is what? Ding, ding. The remnants of a star fort. The Vatican City is. okay. so this infrastructure for my research is going all the way back very far in to the actual evolutionary development of mankind. And we're trying to work out how do we integrate our intellect with the natural world and our ability to make tools and technology and not destroy ourselves. And every time we come around to one of those is when we hit this reset and they're trying to control it like as if they're running the show, but they're not. It's an organic experience that occurs on earth when we get out of balance with her boom no i just had a cat that uh, is my ruler <laughs> yeah okay yeah. so wow what what a um what folks? I've done this research uh, since 1996. Um, sometimes at a high level, sometimes I take a five or four year break. But boy, this is really an energy that's on this show that is just like this, ready to take right off. Jackie, do you know what Tartaria is? Is it Tartaria? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is that yes. What we're talking about Tartaria. It's you see, this is the what people are just finding, and they're well, this doesn't make sense, and this doesn't make sense, and so everyone is. Finding these bits and they're bringing it to the table like shards, and we're bringing our pieces to the table, and we're trying to put the, it together and see. Okay, so Glenn, what pieces do you got? What pieces? Because we don't got time to do all private in individual. Like I don't have time to study what you study. You know, like we got to share now. We got to share now. Now that's where we're at, and I feel so comfortable about this. You have just no idea. <laughs> so I can really Jackie. articulate what I have found really clearly. Go ahead. So good. Jackie, I was just going to say your connection is a little slow. If you turn your camera off, we'll, we'll probably hear your voice. 
Uh, you don't have to, don't have to mute necessarily, but yeah, I think, I think we'll hear you clearly. Go ahead, Glenn. I think you're about to say something. Well, I don't want to blow the show wide open, but why not? Um, <laughs> it. where we've come so far. Yeah, so exactly. I am a Catholic. I was my lifelong Catholic. And I'm not happy with the Vatican. I'm not happy with the forces mm-hmm. that have overtaken the Vatican and have distorted mm-hmm. the message of Jesus. But I began to research the cuneiform tablets of ancient Iraq. Jackie, do you know them? Us. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. I've looked at it too. That's okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So what, uh, my research has taken me back to the, uh, rise and fall of tracking civilization. Okay. So after the flood of Noah, which to me was some kind of near extinction event on earth, then the reestablishment of civilization. So what I wonder, you see, Cain, it says Cain was a city builder too. Okay. But Cain was driven by fear. And, and and I think what's happened is, well, I, I, I could go on and go too far to, you know, into the rabbit hole. Um, so with Babylon, what's really important, if you look at the first account of Babel, and it's, a, it's the loss or the surrender of the sovereign free man, because it says they went and they made a single celebrated name for themselves in the city they wanted to build you see so it's like in order to create civilization we there's a degree of surrendering of the individual okay and then it says they made bricks but as a christian you'll notice in the book of revelation it says when we become a believer it says we receive a new name on a pebble that no one knows but the one receiving it. So now you have the counterbalance. You have, you see, because we are working out how to live on earth. How do we balance civilization with ecological living? And the sacredness of the sovereign man and woman of the land is the absolute essential opposite component that is needed because if we don't recognize this we, it it will crash and burn like a reset that is going to be like a near extinction in my opinion but we can stabilize it because we have the historical record and we can look at these patterns and god is on our side amen what do you think glenn are we on verge of an extinction it looks well, looks pretty extension, clear, right? You go, you go back to the cuneiform tablets, and mm-hmm. I just did what Zachariah Sitchin, if you know his name, uh, a, uh, yes. a cuneiform tablet alleged scholar, um, yeah. self-taught, and, yeah. and what he figured out, what he interpreted, was that Earth used to be outside of Mars. Between Mars and Jupiter, there's a mathematical formula called Bode's Law, B-O-D-E. Mm-hmm. There must be a planet between Mars and Jupiter, they figured it exploded. But what Sitchin interpreted was that this planet X outside of Pluto, which mm-hmm. Caltech University now has convinced the world that, that it, mathematically this planet exists, they're building a telescope in Hawaii now mm-hmm. to see it this summer. And wow. so we're right on the verge of this. Wow. Now this planet X came through between Mars and Jupiter and whacked the hell out of this big blue water-covered planet 
and mm -hmm. knocked it inside of Mars because Beth, there can't be a planet where the Earth is. The astronomers know there can't be a planet here mathematically. Mm -hmm. We're three-fifths of a planet, and the asteroid belt is the Pacific Ocean that's been mm -hmm. sheared off. There's a deep trench there called the Marianas Trench where this mm -hmm. moon of this planet mm -hmm. that went through knocked mm -hmm. us inside where we're wobbling, and that's why it's not safe, and it can roll over in space and just roll mm -hmm. over. Or rolled mm -hmm. over a yes. flat Earther, no problem. Yeah. It'll flip yeah. over. The flat earth yeah. will flip over. Oh, good. So I was just going to mention flat earth because we got a whole bunch of uh, yeah, flat earthers yeah. in, in Oh, the... we're going at it. Oh, we're going at it. We're, My we're going yeah, for it. Yeah. 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 And, that, and yeah. let's go. Yeah. Let's have at it, man. So, mm -hmm. so, 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 so when it rolled up, when it got whacked and moved inside of, of, of Mars, um, whatever that means in the flat earth world, uh, their planet had a heavy, their area of the, of the flat earth, they had a heavy atmosphere that got damaged. And so they didn't evolve. And they came here in 200,000 BC and they created this little hominid from Africa mm -hmm. and they put sperm in from their planet. And that's mm -hmm. why we jumped to Homo sapien. And the story is when they made the atom, it was a pretty good day. But when they made Eve, it mm -hmm. was, it was lights out. Mm -hmm. They had done this. This is the greatest machine known in any of the known universes is what they're saying. And we're just waking up the females. This is now the age of Aquarius, which I follow. Age of Jesus and Mary Magdalene was Pisces. Mm -hmm. And Mary Magdalene kind of got bashed around a little bit. It's like a second fish. But mm -hmm. she's coming back now, her concept of who she really is. And this is what mm -hmm. I write about. But now you're coming to the age that uh, Jackie's talking about that there are not light beings on the planet, whatever that means, to now thrust us through that the females are going to take over Mother Earth, and they're going to lead us back to the way the governments, I don't call them governments, the way mm -hmm. society should be organized. And I'd like to hear Jackie mm -hmm. talk about that. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so basically I agree with you. And so, for example, um, for myself, when I read, I do believe it's Isaiah 11, very famous account where it speaks about the lion and the lamb laying down and the kid, you know, and if you read that, and it also talks about the time when the little child will play by the cobra's hole. Okay, that ain't the best symbol for this, you know, Needle-like, two snake tooth-like bite bites. Okay, so it yeah, and so so what? Um, two jabs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The double jab is like a snake bite. Mm. Okay. No yeah. 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 So this is an example of the Fibonacci. Okay, it's these patterns themselves are what repeat, and it could be why I thought about why would the snakes arrive in these prophecies well because it goes way back to us shooting past the carrying capacity of the planet and when it desertifies you know what loves living in a hot dry place is snakes so when they went into the wilderness that's where the vipers were and the scorpions but it was also because of the negative impact of the extraction process of empire depleting the ecosystem. 
Okay, so it's a pattern that's bigger. It's about us working our relationship out on this planet. And until we work it out, I think that's what it's talking about. When the lion and the lamb lay down together and they both eat straw, it's a, the, who was born in a manger on a bed of straw? Jesus Christ. And it's like, there is this, a, a line, an agreement of sacredness, of sovereignty. You see, so I'm a Christian, but I have an, what's called an earth-based hope. I am a literalist. I literally believe that that's the gift for mankind. And heaven is that we become spiritually awakened. And, you know, many beautiful things are yet to come. I don't know how God's going to do it, okay? But that is what I'm reading when I read the Bible. And it's a beautiful time, and it's a real, it, we're, it's real. That's why we see all these patterns, and we're like, well, the horns, you know, like they're going to the city, and then all the horns will look at the account of Jericho. When it was time for those walls to fall down, the people went around, and they had trumpets, and they blasted their horns. It and sounded people, like trucks. I don't, I'm just saying, isn't she describing the convoy? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, don't, wow. I actually have that, I have that sound impressed on my head. We were we were all out all day when they came through Manitoba the other day. Massive turnout, by the way. I just want to say huge wow. shout out to Manitobans. After two years, you know, there wasn't a lot of hope. We had some yeah. little pockets here, little pockets there, yeah. but everybody yeah. came out. We had you know the, the old, the young, the, yeah. the uh, children on the snowbanks, and everybody with their signs, and yeah. you could not see. Like it was too far to see how long the the convoy was going and the stretch of people there to see them. So it was just yeah. off the charts. Yeah. Anyway, just wanted to say that. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. And so that's why I feel that I'm trying to really say all of these other things we're talking about are super exciting. It's like all the new things we're going to get to learn. But right now, navigating this, you see, I wanted to I immediately made me think about okay when the Israelites went out of Egypt immediately they had all these tests in the wilderness some wanted to go back they started to get afraid then there was a whole bunch of power struggles other men wanted to come forward I'm gonna leave this no I'm gonna leave this so what do we have you see all of that's going to come up well this group's going from one side of the country to the other okay so now, then the next lesson for us to look at, because it's a pattern, okay? It's a sequence of organic events that the earth herself is giving us. through, And it's like God is working through the earth, okay? Is the 12 spies, they went and they looked, but then they went, 10 of them were like, oh, oh, no, it's too big, it's too big, these constructs are too big. And there was the two faithful spies, and they said, we can do it. We can do it. Look what God has done for us already. And so we need to believe we can do it because what? The two spies, the, our senses, my two eyes, my two ears, my friends, I see what's true. And if we don't do this, you see, this is an important time. And so our motive, it's time to really look what's motivating us and not get distracted because we're going to be offered power. We're going to be offered position. We're going to be offered money. We are going to be tempted 
with every possible thing to divert us from going the distance to bring true stability to the planet and 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 turn this ship around and heal heal the planet and i'm telling you it's possible i have met the most brilliant people that live on this planet that have dedicated their lives to planetary restoration regenerative agriculture is a real thing i've personally yeah. been to africa i know alan savory i've seen it being done but it needs to be done on a scale that cannot be commodified or commercialized with regulations and permits and everything we're going to take it into the private that's why we put the we put the commercial lean yes play with that a lean that means that um a ship let's say if you work if, if that's working on a on a ship like a cruise ship and they don't mm-hmm. pay her she can put a lean on the on the cruise ship yeah. in the dock in the bahamas and mm-hmm. that ship with you know 6000 people on it cannot leave the dock yeah. until that's issue yeah. is yeah. resolved and she's paid or not paid that's yeah. what a lean can do so we put the yeah. lean on for that reason Jackie that now it can't go anywhere to be commodified mm-hmm. and will be returned to the people so we're using as yeah. the the um, the monetary system is called tumult t u m u l t the mother load trust t m l t tumult.ca And so we're, we're we're claiming that we have the resources of Canada back in a new monetary system that can never go down and can never go up. It's secure for yeah. mom and the kitties and the families yeah. and not yeah. have all this commoditized yeah. craziness yeah. going on. And the the other thing too is to not allow the globalist agenda, the dark agenda to hijack the international covenant. Yes. Okay, we uh, just so they know it ain't going to happen. And you think it's a coincidence that we have a covenant that we can reference that is protecting the rights and freedoms that have been given to mankind through the Bible. That ain't a coincidence. But unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately a female judge in Toronto who was from Asia, she was not um, born here. Um yeah. she called our idea too big. Huh. <laughs> Sure.、Uh, Component of the machine, which is very well、um, uh, developed, to be just. Okay, so so it's kind of like the con- we're in the conversion stage. It's like、uh, I had shared with others. So we know there's corruption, like mold, like black molds got in the walls of our governmental system around. So we're bashing out all the corruption now. Okay, so that's a process. We don't know how far it goes. Some some parts might need to be completely scrapped and rebuilt. Other parts, okay, okay, they can be renovated. You know, there's enough, you know, third party, you know, ways of making sure it works, right? But the most important way to make sure it works is I'm educated now. And every one of us, I've dedicated my life to this work. 
I'm not stopping now. Okay. Yeah, one point out when we did our research last night on the word government uh, and where it comes from, it's a Greek term meaning the rudder of the ship. Right, so it's quite it's all the yeah. time be law concepts going around about the Plato, it's Plato actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, ship mm-hmm. of the state. So we're looking around for a, 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 a possible alternative to a government, uh, the opposite mm-hmm. of anarchy. Well, no one really wants that. We yeah. found that we found a, a, a city in Bolivia where, where our nation comes from. Mm-hmm. It's the second largest city in Bolivia called El Alto, A L T O. I hadn't heard of it till last mm-hmm. night. Mm. It's been there since 1979 with no government. There you go. There you go. But, Communities, but, community sharing, and yeah. have, you know, um, right, right. You know, the whole thing going on, mm-hmm. and no one's starving. Very little crime. Yeah. I'm just starting to study it now. Yeah. I look. The name of what they do is everybody has to have a name, right? But that's where we can be begin looking for this, um, this, this community. But the mm-hmm. first thing we need is financial security. Which this yeah. wild ride that people yeah. are going on on Bitcoin and the, and the stock market and the recessions over the last 118 years, yeah. that's yeah. going to end. Right. Um, yeah. And so yeah in, exactly. In, in tumult, you get your own private vault. Back. Mm-hmm. And so when you spend mm-hmm. on the world platform, you're negative, mm-hmm. right? You spend two hundred dollars mm-hmm. with her shoes. You mm-hmm. then credit you credit your private vault. Mm-hmm. That's how mm-hmm. banks work, right? They have to be, mm-hmm. have to be balanced every day. The liabilities and the credits have to be balanced out. Only instead of putting the money back into Swiss vault, right, in Basel, Switzerland, yep. you put yep. it in your own private vault. So there you have the yep. private and the yep. public work. Yep. 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 I just was going to quickly jump in, sorry to interrupt, uh, Jackie, but um, somebody we just said, I thought this was about the convoy. And do you mind mm-hmm. uh, you guys tying it back a little bit just for the sake of uh, some, right. some continuity that uh, the people are, are, are knowing? Someone asked what the announcement was because we know that that, uh, right. that some of the people come on at various times onto the stream. So there is a new federal court ruling uh, as per the ASCIT tribunal who has ordered the Crown to produce a treaty title to the land land or leave the land and they now basically are granting jurisdiction enough only for them to be leaving the land it's uh, gone to the federal court of appeal so stay tuned for any more uh, updates on that uh, do you want to say anything more glenn about yeah. that how it ties yeah. to the uh, the freedom convoy yeah well the freedom convoy is in ottawa and it's so important to get back the point i repeat that it's on unceded land there was mm-hmm. never a treaty over Canadians. You had to take the birth certificate, mm-hmm. bond your labor, right? That bond mm-hmm. your labor so you're mm-hmm. 65 years old and then you get some benefits for working as a slave. Let's face it, you're a tax slave. Uh, for those that, that theory, you're not, you're not a rich a man or woman in Canada unless you go to the financial system. So, so we have challenged that system. And if they can't produce the treaty at the federal court of appeal, uh, we may have to go to the Supreme Court of Canada or to the International Court in Costa Rica uh, to win on behalf of all Canadians. If they don't have that treaty, that prior treaty, it was so critical what Jason said tonight. If they don't have that prior treaty before the Métis, you know, Quebec City, you know, I go back to 1635, the Grand Chief's family goes back to the first Métis child in 1628 in Lake Dipasing in northern Ontario. And so we go back to 1600. If they don't have this treaty that is before that period, then the crown thing that controls our wealth is going to have to leave the country. 
And so we try to get that message into the convoy people to get it out through all their families because if they've driven that far, they're entitled to know that's the law, right? That's the law of Canada. But you don't hear it too much from the law society lawyers who are not trained um, in the Indigenous perspective. And Jackie, you're unmuted if you like. Uh, okay, yeah. And yes. I apologize for muting you. I know, I have a aha uh-huh habit. Exactly. It's the, it's the French in me. <laughs> and it's perfect. I had it too, but I do notice that the sound signal gets very mixed between the two. So uh, just, uh, yeah, now I do, uh, now I hit, nod my head instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm working, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. Okay, so I went and uh, uh, we were talking about, what were we talking about? I went and. Uh, oh, the how it the uh, how it to the con- to the convoy. Yeah, because you see, it's the political abuse, the breakdown of the system, which I'm is the collapse of empire, is when they have abused the trust, is what has brought us to this point of igniting the convoy. So that's why what we're talking about is connected. What sparked it? Oh, so we can say, oh, this this tragedy that's occurred. Well, how did they get that much authority in the first place? You see, so we keep, we're pulling on the thread now, the sweater. How did this happen? As you start going back farther and farther, this is how deep we want to go. Because we don't want this sweater re-knit. It's a whole new garment, man. We might use the same yarn. And make a similar looking garment. But this garment is going to be practical and useful for every single living man and woman here. Well, well let's be, and historically, Canada has quite been in a cushy position being beside the United States for the last hundred years. Yeah. And so we got a little, we got a little spoiled and yeah. uh, got ourselves into a lot of debt. Canada leads the world in um, credit card debt, and uh, so this whole fancy way we live and our high, high standard of living is really built on a house of cards, and the United States dollar is going to be taken over by the Chinese when uh, yuan, how do you pronounce it, as an e-currency, that's going to happen, and that when that day happens, Beth, we, we, we better be prepared with our resources to provide the world with another monetary system, or all the trucks can go to Ottawa for as long as they want. But when the, when the, when the cha-ching card at the Mac machine and the ATM is not working, unless you go into their metaverse, right? The metaverse is this new uh, system of the crowns of Europe, right? Controlled by 10 or 12 families in Europe, and including, I guess, Bill Gates working there with them. And so you're going to be able to shop only, Beth, only on the metaverse. And then at much higher prices than you have now, and those profits are going to just eight or ten families in the world. And it's only about 150 people, is the estimate that I read, in the world, folks, mm-hmm. that are controlling eight billion through this crazy central bank fiat currency system. Did you say ten? Problem. Did you say ten families? Ten yeah. about? Yeah. Oh, it's interesting because the one beast. In the book of Revelation, there's a beast that has seven heads and ten horns. And they come to a point in time where they reign for one hour. And during that time, they have one united thought. Isn't that interesting? And what do we have? The whole world is being influenced by this one thought. And the result 
of what they did is they end up destroying the very thing they're trying to to build. They end up it's a self destruction. That's that's what I'm seeing coming because it's it's based on dishonesty. But see, that doesn't mean the essence of these institutions have no place in modern civilized living. How else can we maintain, you know, all the good? The Bible says, hang on to the good, let go of the bad. And what can happen is with anger, you can just want to destroy everything. So there's so much anger inside of everybody and frustration and everything. And so this is what, you know, we're talking about. We really, really are in an excellent position. We have each other. Okay, and just the debt slavery, like you're talking, it's a debt-based system. What was Israel delivered from? Slavery from Egypt. It's a concept. It's not about a place, going from this place to that place. Dr. Zelenko talks about it, too. He says it's a state of mind. Our mind gets captured, and it's a process that way. We can come to an agreement Okay, between the public and the private. And the agreement is we will do no harm to each other. I promise I will do my very best to be good. And and if I make a mistake and I do damage, yes, I would like to do my very best to make up for that. Because sometimes stuff happens by accident, you know. So we have everything in place, literally in place. This is not going to turn into chaos. Even if some spoiled, rich, elite brats want to flip over the game board, because if they can't win, I don't know about you guys, but I had really rich friends, some really rich friends that used to have fits if they couldn't win. And they flipped the game board over so no one could win. Uh (laughs) And that doesn't work on Canadians. (laughs) Anyways, I'm being cheeky. You know, but that's Yeah, but that's what's happening. And so I think the momentum is, I don't even think we have to worry about controlling this or anything. We just need to bless it. Mm, Love it. (laughs) So good. So one of the reasons, uh, Glenn, that you won't know that Jackie and I were meeting today is that we're co-offering a course starting this Sunday. And this backs up to the, some of the work that I shared that my, my background in anthropology, cross-cultural study of symbols and archetypes and seeing how archetypes are particularly uh, used against us, you know, with long history of marketing with archetypes and, you know, some, some for good, some for bad. And these times are no, no exception whatsoever that they're going for the jugular, right? They're, they're basically scaring the crap out of people. You, one way or another, people feel like they're going to die, whether it's of some boogeyman virus or if it's the, the, the reset and the crash of, of finances. You know, there were a lot of people who felt very secure before, but now they're seeing the writing on the wall. And even if they have a lot of assets, there's so much instability in the system right now. And uh, so I have brought Jackie on board to co-teach Primal Power, going through the five archetypes that basically are the new world disorder and how to deprogram this, how to take the energy. Like Jackie said, it's, it's, you know, if you don't have that mindset of slavery, they don't have you. If you feel free and you act free, then they don't have a whole lot of power over you. We we live in a largely consent based system. So this course is about going inside, finding that actual blueprint 
of, first of all, who you are, what you're here to do, your mission on earth, your God-given purpose, yeah. and how and how there's the interference of the signal of this, of this um, you know, basically it's fear. It's very simple. Everything that comes from God is love. Everything that comes from uh, anything other than God is going to be this, this fear. It, it stops people in their tracks. It paralyzes them. They don't make clear decisions. They panic. And uh, so we're going to be in service to create this course specifically for the law community that we've connected with over the last couple of years, because okay. they're, they're on two sides of the spectrum. The one is where they're scared to take action, you know, stuck in the learning mode, never actually getting out there and, and doing the thing. And then there's others like yourself, Glenn, who have been, you know, going for the long haul and it's an endurance race. And there's a certain amount of exhaustion when you see that the, we're, we're so far into the the race, but it's not even close to finished. So this is a way to reclaim energy that gets hidden from us. When we're afraid, we don't want to feel that. You tuck it away into the unconscious, and it turns out all of your power is locked in there. This is something I did to save my life from cancer 20 years ago. I've been teaching people to do it ever since. And now in uh, meeting Jacqueline Milne and her vast expertise in the Bible, we're going to combine forces. I find patterns and archetypes and human thought and feeling and, and behavior. And Jackie finds it in the Bible and the two are a perfect match. So uh, yeah, we're starting on Sunday and uh, we put registration up for the first time ever. I'm offering this uh, by donation so that anybody that cannot afford it at this point could join us at no expense whatsoever. And if you feel like you could make a small do donation or even a large donation, we definitely welcome that. So I just want to make sure people know about it. And, uh, and there is a link as well. So just didn't want to miss that chance to, to let you all know about it. Okay. Fantastic. Good. Anything else that you guys want to share? Jackie, is there anything more? Uh, Glenn, uh, no worries if we're keeping you or, or, or mm -hmm. you have other engagements. We're going, going on two hours already. So if you needed to go and Jackie had more to share, that's fine. If you'd like to stay, you're absolutely welcome. Yeah, Chico, it's going to be dinner time in, in my part of the world. So yeah. thank you for having me on. It's really great to have um, another Métis that I've just met. And again, yeah. I'm just new to the Métis world, folks. I was, you know, Irish-Canadian my whole life, so I was 16. But I found out my grandmother, on my father, my Irish father's side, was in fact from Quebec City and was indigenous. It was a Métis. Mm -hmm. So it's such a quick learning process because the, the Métis women like um, Jackie are, are so well-versed. In, in what the planet's really about. And a lot of us living in the city have kind of missed it. So mm. it was great being on the show, and I hope to see you folks soon. Excellent yeah. to have you, Glenn. Thank you so much. And uh, do visit the website, Asman, where you get more details about the uh, organization that yeah, Glenn that's is our, a part of. That's our, legal, that's our legal center. Asking Correctors are our, our tribunal. Lots of law there for free, folks. Money, mm. money versus currency, what it really means. Nationals versus... Um, uh, sovereigns mm -hmm. and um, I can't remember the third button that's there but so it's uh, it's, it's a really detailed uh, tight, it's free, you just can go on there and you know if you join Aspen uh, to find out the root of, of money, the root of government uh, the root of politics and keep in mind a democracy is a 51% uh, domination of the 49% the correct model is a republic where Beth's rights from birth can never, ever be taken away from her. I mean, you mm -hmm. take a list of what those rights are, and she's good to go 
for our whole life and security. So mm-hmm. that's what we teach on our website. Amen. Wonderful. <laughs> so good. We'll have to come Goodbye, back. Goodbye, Glenn. Bye, hon. Have Goodbye. a great day. Bye. So nice meeting you. Bye-bye. 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 Yes, that was, oh, my goodness. I said way more than I ever expected to say. You just have a word. <laughs> Well, That's I thought, great. what the heck, what the heck. But, yeah, so I don't, I don't really. Do you have something you want to say, Beth? What came uh, to you? Nothing in particular. I just uh, I just thought if we want to let people know, I, I do have to go pretty soon myself just to do things. Oh, good, you're coming back on camera if your signal works. And mm-hmm. uh, if anyone is interested in the Primal Power God's Law edition starting on Sunday afternoon, we're going to have five consecutive classes on each of the Primal Archetypes. And uh, their names, just so you know who they are, the, the masculine feminine, where the power of wholeness lies. And when those two forces inside yourself and in the world come together, it births new creation. This is a power our controllers don't want us to know we have, and we have it. Also, the child mm-hmm. archetype, where it's about your your sacred calling. What are you supposed to do here? And are you hiding under the covers instead and uh, fearing the betrayal and abandonment of maybe the people around you? or your system, Babylon itself, we get so attached to Babylon, right? We don't know a life without it, and that's that's a really difficult thing to break. Uh, not that we're going to be breaking anybody, but just letting go of the fear so you can make a clear choice. This is the thing we don't do. We choose from fear, and then we have regrets. It doesn't look like we wanted it to. And, and even if you get some results out of that, you don't feel in alignment with it. The, uh, the third archetype is the victim. This is all about personal authority. And if you don't feel like you have it, you won't act like you have it. And the same thing that I was saying before, um, the prostitute is the next one. There couldn't be more ta- more timely discussion around the prostitute, right? People are selling their soul for a football game, for, you know, uh, the, the bribe or to avoid punishment. It's the same prostitution, unfortunately. It's not just a reward. And so we need to be very clean and clear inside of ourself, race energy deprogram for the purpose of just coming from a, 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 a clear motivation, knowing where you're coming from, not hidden motivation, hidden agenda, so many things we don't know about ourselves. And as you bring it to the surface, then you make new choices. You're like, oh, wow, that makes no sense. You'll see how much of a circus the unconscious really is. It's a, it's a, it's a wild circus. You won't need movies or TV ever again after that for entertainment. <laughs> Super fun. And uh, and then the final archetype, the, the saboteur, which is, I always call it the kicker, because this is the free will of choice we're given. Mm. This is the foundation of power. And I know, so, so Jackie's expertise in the Bible is going to be threading throughout all of that material, showing how the Bible points towards any instructions around the, the archetype, how to use the energy, the patterns overall, the fall of the empire. We're going to go into a lot more detail about, I, I think. <laughs> and uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share about that so that you had planned for today or anything inspired? Okay. Just one thing, just Mm -hmm. one thing. Mm -hmm. When you said free will choice, the time was one hour, 44 minutes and 44 seconds. Oh, wow. You said free will choice. So we should be able to see that in the timestamp. Yeah. (laughs) That is not the perfect example of what I've been trying to say. We're not, it's, it's built in. (laughs) We'll end on that. there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. So good. So good. Mm-hmm. I am going to drop a link in the chat because I know it's hard to pick up otherwise. So I'm going to drop a link. And if you'd like to join by donation or, uh, if, you know, if it's difficult to make a donation, don't worry about it. We got you covered. 
things are balancing out and working uh, perfectly. We we have a lot of faith in this, and it's just been everything in my life is looking like that right now. So you can click that link. You can get all the details. It's not too late to join. You get access to the whole online course of Primal Power that is specifically for the truth and law community. Right. This is this is your trouble. It's not you're not afraid of the boogeyman. You're you're able to stand up, but you get caught in other places. I know it well because <laughs> I've been caught in a lot of those places. I created this course as much for myself as for others as well. So we would love to host you. And uh, I think that's it. Starting again mm-hmm. Sunday, Sunday, the 30th. Jackie, thank you for joining me. You're the inspiration to get on this uh, stream in the first place today. And all of this really miraculous kind of thing just happened. Boom, 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 boom. I was up till four in the morning getting this all together. Jason could join us. You know, let's, let's just say, say, uh, you know, a minute prayer. Do you like to say a prayer, Jackie? Oh, Is it something? Okay. I sure could do that. Okay. Right. I would. All right. Our divine loving heavenly father and creator of all that is we come before you and we are taking all of our fear and all of our worry and all of our anxiety and we're laying it down and we're asking you please guide us through our next steps we don't need to know the end solution just like the israelites when they went out they didn't know all the whole long route, but they kept going one day at a time, doing their best, trusting, trusting in the higher order of all things and life. And we are, you have guided us through your, this light that's indescribable and millions of people try to describe the essence of the inner man, but we know it's special. And that's the part of each of us that's thanking you right now. For allowing this ignition to occur for justice and fairness and light and hope and equality for all. We can co, we can co-inhabit alongside each other in this world. The Canadian people have demonstrated this with our diversity of faiths and nationalities and and his, you know, our origins, where we're from. If we can do this in peace, the entire world can do this in peace. It's time to let the old ways go. And we're doing this for the children because we can break this cycle, which appears to look like genocide that comes upon us when we become overwhelmed by fear, when the human race becomes overwhelmed by fear. But we don't need to keep doing that because the your son, he gave his sacrifice for us. And just like Moses and Aaron asked, let's go a three days journey out into the wilderness to offer sacrifice. Because if the Jews had gone out on the 10th, instead of the 10th, they went out on the 9th when it was dark. The angel of death would not have had to take all those lives. Mm. And so I think we're breaking the cycle, everybody. I think we've done it. Amen. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm glad I asked. That was spontaneous. <laughs> yeah, it was very. Thank you. I was nervous too, but oh, thank oh. you. Thank I'm you. Jackie under a lot of pressure, but she's yeah. she's holding up. <laughs> so great. All right. Well, I love you guys. Thank you everyone for being in the chat. Mm-hmm. It's it's been an absolute honor and pleasure to be part of this at all. 
And yeah. uh, she, we tell, see you soon. Do join us for Primal Power if that's something that calls you to to not walk in fear. People think they don't have fear, but it's you know it's just hidden. It really yeah. is. It's severely suppressed because it makes us sick. It makes us feel like uh, bad things are happening, and they are. So mm-hmm. you need to harvest that, right? It's not your enemy. It's it's actually got your power in it. It is your direct line to sitting before God and receiving directly. So that's something that uh, we're super excited to be giving. All right, everybody. I have to run because my son's going to be here in 10 seconds. And uh, we shall see you guys soon. Actually, tomorrow is, is tomorrow Friday. Yes, Slade Stone is going to be. No, I said it wrong again. Damn it. Shade Stone. <laughs> no, Slade. Shade Stone is going to be on talking about the um, why the charter is not a good, useful tool in law. At, but yet the Bill of Rights in Canada is a much more useful one, plus a whole bunch of practical tools, how to make your way through situations that we're in right now. Okay, everyone, have a have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Jackie. I love you. Uh, bye bye, Beth. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Bye. Holy Hannah, Rama, is there a website there? Mm. I mean, I didn't actually get an actual place to go. Um, they said on Sunday they were going to do something. Can't really? Huh? No. Nothing. Um, primal power gods law starting January 30th. Primal power gods law. That's what it's called. Starting yeah. January 30th. Yeah. Yeah, well, what time? Doesn't say. How do you find out then? Mm, I don't know. Okay, okay somebody help, Pop. Mm. <laughs> Maybe Penny will. Give us a shout or something. January 30th is tomorrow or today <laughs> for those who live in Central and Eastern time. Mm. Holy macaroni. <sighs> okay, Rama, let's do this. Got just a very squeaky amount of time if we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. You got those things set up. Okay, this is interesting. I mean, it's one 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 two 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 today, which is one 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 is a three, two 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 is a six, and that's added together a nine. Katumi, Lady Master Nada, and uh, completion of all that is number nine is completion, and I would say another final completion of. Kali Yuga, all gone. Now we're sat. The Sat Yuga again is four times longer than a normal Yuga, so we're talking about rounded out. We're talking about, you know, a hundred thousand years apiece. Because we're going beyond linear time, you know, but it's just. Annie? Yes. Oh, there you are. Yes. Yes, Tara. Uh, yes. The address was on the end at the end of the YouTube. It's called. Uh, have you got a pen? Yes. Take it up. Okay, it's https dot slash slash. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Slash slash www dot. 
Beth Martins. That's the name of the gal with the long hair. B-E-T-H, Beth Martins, M-A-R-T-E-N-S dot com. Uh-huh. And the rest of it is Primal Power, God's Law Edition with uh, hyphens between the words. Primal right. hyphen power hyphen God's hyphen law hyphen edition. Okay, so, okay, now you said a couple of things. So, um, HTTPS colon forward slash forward No, no, slash. not colon. Uh, well, maybe it is a colon. I think it's a period. HTTPS period double slash. No, they don't do that. Well, maybe it's a colon. I can't see. There's a bright red line right through this sucker. Oh, I know what that bright red line is. Okay, just a minute. I can move that bright red line. <laughs> no, I can't because it covers that bright red line is the end of the show. Yeah, it's a colon. It's always, it's always a colon We unless there's uh, that would be the only one in the world if it wasn't a colon there. HTTP. Okay, well, it's just a bright, like I said, it's not a bright blue line. It's a bright red line. Huh. Forward slash. So www.https colon forward slash forward slash uh, primal hyphen. No, www.bethmartins.com. Oh, okay, 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 okay. It's her pri- It's her website, Beth Martins. And then w- is there a slash? W- and then a slash primal hyphen power hyphen God's hyphen law hyphen edu- ed education. Uh, uh, I, now it's gone, of course. I went and changed it. Oh. Uh, I moved it. So anyway, her her just a minute. Her address is at the bottom. Uh, yeah, here it is. W, you're right. It's a colon. I, I found a better place. HTTPS colon slash slash www.bethmartins.com slash primal whatever the rest of it is, she said. Uh, hyphen primal. power, hyphen God's hyphen law, hyphen education. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, we can, everybody can go there and then you can find out the rest of the schedule for, for tomorrow or today, and depending the, on what time. Right. And there. all of the other, sorry, and all the other address information on, is on this YouTube at the end, like the one that you've just been watching, The Fall of an Empire, the New Federal Court Canada ruling. That is the web, that's the name of the YouTube. In an hour and 52 minutes and 19 seconds. Yeah. So, and oh, all, uh, there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of things um, underneath there. A whole bunch of uh, addresses people might be interested in. Okay. Well, we got this main one here, so that should be very helpful. And okay. thanks, Penny. And all right, we're going to take a little moment here, and we're going to listen to our favorite brother, Matthias here. Oh, and, okay. Uh, well, I'm going to bow out, so I'll Okay. To Thank you, Penny. Wow. Well, I never okay. know. Sarah you never know how things are going to roll. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> See you tomorrow or something like that. Okay. Or Namaste. Like, yes. Uh, okay, everybody. Yes, and uh, everybody, as long as Penny said that.
let's get together on Cheryl Croce's um, uh, on every Sunday and Monday evening. Uh, this would be a better time than ever to just come and join this uh, uh, work. And uh, it's about three hours on Sunday evening and Monday evening. And so I'll give it to you right away here. The phone number to come and join us is 425-436-6260. And the pin code is 946-7441 pounds. It's uh, affirmation work and it's uh, spiritual transformation to participate that way. So we'll see you in that, and now let's begin this. This is part two uh, from Matthias De Stefano, and it's 11, 11, 11. Let's do these 11s are all over the place lately. Ready, Rama? Matthias Stefano, and my purpose is to remember. At a young age, I began to remember living in a colony of the ancient civilization of Atlantis. Then I began to remember living on other planets, in another star systems and dimensions. I started to understand how everything I remember has a purpose in my mission here and now to help reconnect the network of consciousness of planet Earth in a plant that in Atlantis we called Atartumti, bring heaven on Earth. This mission began with organizing a gathering of thousands of people to create that network. This is my mission. I hope it helps you find yours. When the day of the gathering arrived, it was really heavy because my mom and other friends were organizing the gathering for 400 people. And we did all these uh, videos to, to invite the people from, from the world. And, but we had some problems. Camilla del Monte was ruled by a group of original people. They hold the information of the underground cities. They wouldn't give any permission to any white person that, that would come to the mountains and say, I'm here to work for this and that, like we were trying to do. So they were pushing us out. They didn't want us to be part of their information. So we had to go through many tests that they gave us to heal some spots in the region so that they could accept us and allow us to go inside, inside the mountains. So when we did all this process, they allow us to go to the main portal to a place called Ongamira. And after all the stories that we lived, 
in that mountains, I accomplished to sit in a cave where I was I was able to see in the other side how these other beings were seated, and we start to talk about how the gathering would be. They told me at what times, which meditations, what to do the first day, what to do the second day, the third day. They explain all the logistics, who we have to invite, everything that we have to do. So one of the things that they said was that this gathering would be the 11th, but the result of all of this would be the day 13, November 13. They told me to choose the darkest place to do the gathering of Cabilla de Monte. Because we needed to prove that we could change the energy of a place, that we could really transform and work together the darkness and the light and to make something different. And what they said was that the last day, the four elements would come and would clean the energy of the place. So the 11th, you can do everything. I guess that the most important story of what happened during the organization was that it's been many months without water in that region. It wasn't raining at all since the beginning of the year. And people was very concerned because the gathering was getting bigger and bigger and all these people wouldn't have water. And that same week, the 400 people gathering became 6,000. Suddenly 6,000 people appeared from nowhere. We had no idea from where they came so many people. And from 23 different countries, they came to Cabilla del Monte because of the, of the call. They decided to ban the gathering just one day before it started. So I went to the mountains and I spoke to the, these beings and I said, I'm here to do whatever I have to do, but this is too much. I can't handle this. I don't know what we have to do. And the beings said, we are the ones that will take the garbage out if it's necessary. So don't worry about that. You just keep organizing. So we went back to the main uh, village with this idea of uh, the, the garbage away. What does this mean? So suddenly, the people in charge of the, of the garbage, the city, they were in trade. So garbage was all around and it was horrible, a whole mess in the city. And we went back and did a ceremony to make the cleanings in the main square of the, of the, uh, of the village. And suddenly we, we heard gunshots. And we ran to the, to the gunshots to see what was happening. And the people that were taking the garbage, they broke the city hall and they took away the mayor. So they signed the permission to do the gathering. So during the, during the, uh, gathering 11, 11, 11, there was no government and the people that cleansed the city were the ones in charge of the, of the city hall. And we were waiting for the beginning of the 11, 11, then the four elements start to clean the whole city, like a big wind that came and went through all the city, changing the energy of the whole environment and suddenly the sun setting in the mountains and uh, lightnings 
that burned the top of the, the hill, setting fire in the mountain, and then rain made it disappear. And suddenly the stars. So it was like a cleaning of through the four elements. And suddenly everything was ready for the beginning of that day. So that day in the morning, we had this 6,000 people coming. It was like if everyone arrived knowing what they have to do. And the whole day was kind of like magic. They started to make all these ceremonies and, and the therapies and chantings and all this music. And in between, we did these meditations that were opening the portals. And the whole day was so special. It was something organized from other beings in other dimensions, and you could feel that. Este día tan particular, 11 del 11 del 2011, a las 11 de la mañana, tiene un significado muy especial para mucha gente. And even the media from Buenos Aires, they came to film what we were doing and they wanted me to explain why so many people are gathering for what I was supposed to do that day to connect all the energies of the country together in just one moment and all the people from different countries in a gathering that would take us in a next level of work that I had no idea until the next day. During the day 12, uh, many people have left, but other 2,000 people, we were doing workshops and, and talkings about the purpose of why we were there, the purpose of mainly South America, why we decided to be born in, those, in that region, what was the goal in the future, and why, why we were working with the spiritual aspect of the region and territory and the connection with every province and, and country that are South America and why we needed to make all this reconnection in, in order to allow a new time and a new society to come. That day, I fainted and suddenly I went to a meeting in the underground and I saw like this round table with many beings with different shapes and me sitting there and they said the next step is to connect the north and the south. It's some path that we used to call Harwigum. That was something that I remember from this past life but that you have to do it again. You have to connect the seven continents and go through 40 countries, 51 spots starting in Africa following Oceania, Asia, Europe, North America, Central America, South America, and Antarctica, where you have to deliver keys in the specific portals to open the Kundalini of the world. And they said, you have to do that from February 7th, 2012 until December 21st, 2012. That's the last day. And you have to be in Antarctica that day. But they said, 
you accomplished to open the portal in 11-11-11. So this is why tomorrow you will celebrate. This is a celebration. And because of what you did, what you all did, you will receive the blessing. And uh, I had no idea what they were talking about until the next day when we, the last people that stay in the gathering, we all went together and one of the beings from the city, from the underground city, started to talk through me. And uh, he or she was saying that we have come here to be like seeds, to receive the information from the skies and to be grounded on the earth so we could create this forest of consciousness. She just raised her hands to the skies and said, don't be afraid to receive the gift. And when she pulled down, it started to rain. It was so much water that uh, the rivers, everything started to fill in just one day. All the people were dancing under the water and the nature started to be green again. It was something so incredible because nobody was expecting rain that day. It was supposed to be sunny. When that happened, I knew so that I had only three months to start with this trip. In just three months, I had to take all the possible visas uh, to raise the money to bring four people in 40 countries in only six months and even to accomplish to get to Antarctica in just one day. And I had no idea how to do it. I had no idea where I was supposed to go. The only, say, the only thing that they said was, you have to go to these regions. I found three people in Argentina and Peru that were willing to help me with money to go to those places. And someone in Cabrilla del Monte made these keys in copper to open the portals. Well, these keys were like the symbol of the trip. They represented every door that I was supposed to be opening in every chakra of the planet and giving it to the earth. But also I had to make all the visas in just one week, uh, which are really complicated in Argentina. But one of the funny things of this was that my guides told me, again, don't lie. When the ambassador asked me, what are you going to do in the States? I just said, I'm going to open a portal of the throat chakra of the world. Uh, and in order to do that, I need to speak with the water of the three lakes and then to the Great Canyon. And so he stared at me like, are you kidding? What, what, what are you saying? And I was like, no, that's the truth. And who is going to pay for that? I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Um, so you don't have money and you say you are going to work with other dimension and I said yes basically that's the truth and the ambassador said I have no idea why but I will leave you to go to the States uh, anyway so in just one week I got all the visas of every country that I needed uh, something that was impossible to do and I begin the trip 
in the Canary Islands because it was the main spot from where the Atlanteans uh, started to wave the networks. So I went there because the seven islands represented the seven chakras. So I did one island per day. So in just one week, I did seven islands. And I was kind of introducing myself, like, this is me, this is my energy, and I will go to this continent so the energy would accept me in every place I would go. So we started to go to South Africa, to Adam's calendar, and all the region in Johannesburg and Waterbalboven, the ancient main spots of the first connections of humanity. And from there, New Zealand, to Australia, to Uluru, the Great Rock, to anchor this energy of the most ancient humans. We started to travel to all these places to go to Lake Baikal. Estamos de pie sobre el congelado Baikal y detrás nuestro está la roca sagrada del chamán que bueno también representa Dios Baikal en esta región. Que este punto, esta isla, es una isla de regeneración, donde la energía fluye y donde la energía se transforma y regenera constantemente. Es como si fuese un motor para el planeta esta isla y este lago. Then to go to Japan. Eh, lo primero que, que encontramos fue este lugar, que es el templo dedicado a eh, la divinidad femenina que surgió, que nació de Monte Fuji. No se puede luchar entre la luz y la oscuridad, sino que la luz necesita de la oscuridad también para ser protegida con la oscuridad de la luz. And suddenly I ran out of money. Because we had no organization, we had nothing. I was just, I was just a, a kid traveling around the world. People were following a blog that I was writing and they said, we want to give you money to keep going. And suddenly we had no idea how all the people started to donate to my travel agency. And I just knew that um, every day I had the new ticket to go, but I had no idea from where the money came from. And this path started to take me to Middle East Going to the ancient pyramids in Egypt. Este lugar fue construido hace más o menos 15.000 años antes del hundimiento de la Atlántida y fue construido como una de las bases de sabiduría en África para poder anclar en la línea magnética del planeta una red de pirámides que funcionen como vehículo y como conexión divina sobre la Tierra. During the trip, the other three. Uh, persons that were traveling with me, they had to go back. And the whole America, from Canada until Patagonia, I was alone by myself doing this trip. And all this experience of going and talk to the mountains, it made a lot of sense. In each country, 
there were so many adventures. But in each country also, I lost faith and I got frustrated and then I was rising again. And suddenly what I understood was that my path was also showing to the people their own path. It was not just about going and opening the portals and and to give the keys to the world so the portals of the energy would be opening in, in the future. But it felt more like all my inner process and the stories that I was living were helping people to understand what I was going through and what it was to connect the world. They were part of this. So many of the people started to travel to create all this network. Everyone was traveling around. I never asked that, but but somehow they started to organize themselves to to do the meditations, to to share their own stories, to make these groups. And suddenly we create this network of how we do I was doing the connection, the meditation, and from behind of me there comes this uh, native people with an arrow and a bow and another one with a sword and another one with a gun and they kidnapped me. Okay, go to the last one here. We're going to squeeze it all in. Part three, Rome Amor. Got it there, honey? In Initiation host Matthias De Stefano's mission unfolds into an expansive journey. All right. My name is Matthias Stefano, and my purpose is to remember. At a young age, I began to remember living in a colony of the ancient civilization of Atlantis. Then I began to remember living on other planets, in another star systems and dimensions. I started to understand how everything I remember has a purpose in my mission here and now to help reconnect the network consciousness of planet Earth in a planet that in Atlantis we call Atartumti, bring heaven on Earth. This mission began with organizing a gathering of thousands of people to create that network. This is my mission. I hope it helps you find yours. stories that I lived along the Harwitton path, I never told them, but two most important stories that I lived there in this trip were the one that happened in Paraguay and the one that happened in Antarctica. The one that happened in Paraguay was for me something really heavy, but also something that made me understand that we were really connected in different dimensions. I was supposed to go to a mountain that is called Wasu. It means peak in the native language. I was supposed to go there and the borders were closed, but there is no border, really. 
and between Brazil and Paraguay. So I just went to Paraguay, just crossed the street, and I took a taxi and asked them to take me to that mountain. So he took me there. But something funny happened. For me, it's, it's funny, but for most of the people, it wasn't. That I was doing the connection to understanding why the path took me to Guasú. And they said, there is an important information in the waters below South America, in this region, that will help awake the potential of the humanity in the future. So you need to open the portal here. But in order for people to know how important is this, we need you to show how important is this place. But I had no idea how it would happen. But suddenly I was doing the connection, the meditation. And from behind of me, there comes this native people with an arrow and a bow and another one with a sword and another one with a gun. They stole the car and they took the taxi driver and myself into the woods and they kidnapped me. Instead of being sad or or scared, I got like frustrated. I said, I can't die here and start all over. I I I, I just have two countries more to to go. I can't die. It's, it's impossible. So um, so I start to argue with the people that had the guns, but they just get us in the corner uh, in in the forest. And there were a lot of dogs, and I was playing with the dogs, and they were treating them really bad. I was, like, friend with the dogs, and suddenly I, I just relaxed myself, and I said, what is going on? I was escaping to be interviewed in during the trip because I was really scared to talk in front of a camera because I felt like they were pointing me in the head. But now I had a big gun in my head, and I thought... I will die here. One of my guides just appears very quietly around me and he just stared at me and said, now you're not going to be scared of cameras anymore. And he just came up with this joke that called me in such a way. And so he said, don't worry, everything is, everything is under control. You just relax. This, is, this was meant to happen. So I started to hug trees and I said, if the trees and humans, we are the neurons of the world. So people would, would know what is happening. And so I started to send the images of everything that happened into the trees. And what was incredible was that that day, a lot of people that were following me started to dream having all these nightmares that I was kidnapped or I was scared or something bad happened. Even my family felt that. So they started to wonder what was happening to me. And and suddenly they discovered that I disappeared. And so everyone started to move to find me. But the funny part was that at night I was sleeping, even if the taxi driver didn't understand how I was able to sleep. But I was sleeping and he woke me up and said, I, I received a sign that I saw a butterfly coming to my chest and he had problems with her, with his heart. And I have a, a butterfly came to my chest and, and I felt like we can leave. 
And he said to me, I don't know if you believe in these things. And I said, of course, if a butterfly said it, so let's go. So um, we stood up and we were surrounded by the tents of the Indians around us. And we just started to walk, like escaping from the Indians, like in a movie. And uh, because I got, I, I was friend of all the dogs. None of them made any noise. Just moved the tail, like, by. And we escaped. We escaped from, from the woods and we got into another spot that uh, also was dangerous, we think, because we kind of realized that we were in a, a drug dealer place, but they called the, the police so, so we could be brought back to Brazil. And, and I went back to Brazil and I, and we keep following the trip. So, Suddenly I realized that all the people was connected, that we were really a network because everyone felt what was happening. And I said, the secret of Paraguay is well kept by these people, but I know that somehow, someday, that region will awake some potential that will change something in humanity. This trip ended when we arrived to the south of Argentina, in Tandil. There is the womb of the mother of the region of South America. My guides were saying that Argentina was the body of this new mother, as Europe was the old mother that created all our civilizations. The new one in the future would be South America, and the new consciousness would be in Lake Titicaca. So Bolivia would be the head with the crown chakra in the Titicaca, Bolivia would be the head of the consciousness of the new time, as Argentina is the body and the womb is in Buenos Aires, and Chile the spine, Peru the spirit. So this body that all these countries shape, they needed to be connected in order to, to receive all this information from the openings of the energy that we did. So all the information from the from Africa and everywhere must be seeded in order to recreate a new energy. So that's why I took soil from each one of those countries so I could put them all together to seed a tree in the womb of Argentina. We just did a big ceremony that day with 3,000 people sitting in this tree. But in order to do that gathering, first we went all around these provinces and these four countries to connect this information, doing gatherings in every public main square where we did meditations, we uh, talk about the purpose of our countries and the need of being all together doing this connection. So we connected all these four countries, and uh, from there started our, our last trip that was in December 21st. People thought that December 21st would be the end of the world, because according to the Mayan calendar, that day would be the end of an era and the beginning of a new one. So everyone was concerned that that day would be the end of everything, But um, I knew that it was not an end. It was the beginning of the new time. So what we needed to do was to see it in the consciousness of the world 
the idea of laughing, of love, uh, of this new time. And because of the crown chakra of the world is Antarctica, we needed to open that last portal, allowing the mind of the world to realize that this new time should be filled of laughter, of love, of good energy and consciousness, not fear of the ending. After all this path of Harwitun and the great mother, the, the great woman of South America, our next goal was to go to Antarctica. But I had only one week before that to discover how I was going to go to Antarctica. We just discover a company that takes tourists to go there. And we were supposed to be the 21st of December in Antarctica because there was no flights that day and they arranged the flights. So they were saying whether it won't be good that day to travel. And I just said, we are going to arrange the weather issues and my friends will do that. And they were like, which friends would arrange the weather? It was funny because I wasn't, I was not supposed to lie. I was supposed to say everything that was happening. And I said, uh, Well, we, we have this kind of weird organization that we work in different dimensions, so they will take care of it, and that day was perfect. The thing was that the last key was supposed to be brought to Antarctica, and the guy that made the keys hid the main key from me like a kind of golem that got in love with the first key that he made, And he said that he didn't make any other, but the first one that was supposed to go in Antarctica, he hid it in the mountains. So I had to go to the mountains with him and convince him to come to Antarctica with me to bring that key. I convinced him, but he lost the flight. So somehow we accomplished to find a pilot that just flew with the key and took the key to the to the last city of the world just to uh, to give it to me so I could go to Antarctica to bring that to open the portal. So we flew to Antarctica the next day, the early morning, December 21st, and we had only two hours to decide what to do and where to go. So we ran fast and we did all this uh, connection in between the penguins And we see the key in the waters of Antarctica to open the portal that day. And we ran back to the plane. And when we were trying to take off, the plane broke. And oh, no. we almost fell in the sea of the Antarctica Sea. The pilot managed to stop the airplane and... And he said, let's try again. So uh, uh, he tried again and it, it, it couldn't. Uh, so he said, we, we need to stay. So we stayed for two days more in Antarctica, sleeping there with the scientists. And we were able to receive the messages of the next step that we had to, to give. And the message that we received was that in February 2013, there would be a lightning turning the key of the north towards the south. 
and that that lining will tell us that the power from the south would go to the north and would be the sign to turn the biggest key of the world. I was given the keys along the Harbutan path and by the message they said there is a bigger key, the biggest key of the whole planet, that when that turns from north to south, giving the power to the people from the south, every key of the world will, will start to change, to turn opening the heavens into earth. So you have to be there to balance that opening in 2014. We had no idea of what they were speaking about, but in February, we saw the lightning coming from the skies to the biggest key, and that big key is the Vatican. And that lightning was the day when the Pope quit. And one month later, an Argentinian Pope was elected. So the South went to the North to the biggest key. So that was the beginning of the next adventure that was to help to turn the key and to change the energy of Rome. Something that we learned during the Harutum was that every temple in the world is like a key. Every temple that a human goes and put faith on it is like a portal in between the consciousness of heaven and the consciousness of earth. So even if religion doesn't really matter for the universe, the aspects and the codes that it has are important. This is why we believed in that time that by opening the portals in those temples, in those natural places, we would be able to spread the consciousness in a faster way than going people to people. So this was the message of going to the Vatican. The Vatican is the biggest key. It was built by Bernini, given the shape of a key, the key of heavens, of St. Peter. Even if I am not Catholic, I am not Christian, and even if um, I'm not following any religion, there is something that we cannot deny, and is that Christianity reached the whole world. Every continent has a church. Every town has a church. And they even build the church and the churches and, and, and the cathedrals over the sacred places of every culture in the past. So this means that these churches and uh, cathedrals are like the portals of not only their own religion, but the portals of every faith in the past. If the Vatican changes its vibration and opens the portal in between the dimensions, so like changing the main core of the system, all the rest of the churches would be also turning and opening a new network. So what they said was, you have to do exactly the opposite to what the church did the religion of Christianity put all the country together, all the empire together under one only God, then having many gods, so many governments. So Rome created the system. Even our law system, our government system was coming from Rome and from there spread to the whole world. 
So that's why we turn the word Rome, which in Spanish is amor and means love. So <laughs> Roma Amor would be the next step of the Harwitan path to opening every portal in the planet just by turning one. This happened by creating a big network of people in America, bringing the energy towards Spain and Portugal, and from Spain and Portugal going to Italy, and from Italy to Rome, and from Rome to the Vatican. Exactly the opposite path that Rome took to the whole world, we did it backwards, like a reflection, like a mirror. One of the things was not criticize the church, not to go against the church, like they did against all the people that thought different. So what we had to do was to bring love and bring this energy of change. We just wanted to share with the Vatican the idea of we all are one in this world and we all have to transcend. We should not be always the same. And we are here asking you to go with us in this change. The funny thing of the story was that I went to, to Spain and I was supposed to raise money to go to the Vatican and to make all this trip by myself. But suddenly a lot of people were, were willing to join the trip and following the trip and helping me to get to all these places. And my guides told me, you have to go to Rome to wait for a call in a specific uh, square. You have to go to Piazza del Popolo and wait there for the calling. And so I took a flight to Rome and just sat there every day for three days waiting a call that I had no idea what it was. So I put a picture in Instagram saying, I'm here waiting for the call of the Pope as a joke. And suddenly someone that was in in a spiritual trip in Scotland, they saw the picture and shared it with the people in the bus. And one woman from the bus said, I am friend from the secretary of the Pope. We went to the school together. Maybe I can give him the number. So a few hours later, with no idea about anything of this, I received the calling of the secretary of the Pope that told me, what do you want? And I said, I don't know, you call me. And uh, I said, uh, so, okay, come to the office and explain me what you want. So I went to the Vatican and explained all this story about all my guides telling me to come, to turn the keys and do this work of Rome to love. And they just told me, sure, you are free to come and to do your meditations in St. Peter's Square. A month later, we came 400 people and we started to do the meditations in a beautiful day. And we started to make all this turning of energy in the in St. Peter's Square. And suddenly, like in every gathering I did, the storm came. And these big lightnings were falling and we were the only ones in the streets, 400 crazy people doing meditations under below the storm and all the, these lightnings and barefoot in the water and all, nobody was there the, the storm was so big that it was even in, in the news because it was a big storm suddenly um, my guide said the portal is going to be open so you have all to go in the middle of the square so we all went there and 
suddenly from all these lightnings coming, there was one that just hit the the Vatican and, and the cupola. The energy vibrates so so much that all the windows started to to vibrate and make this noise. Suddenly, the sun rises behind the Vatican, and two big rainbows open <laughs> in the door of the Vatican. The rainbows are like the portals in between all the dimensions because of the light and every perspective of the light. So these two big rainbows opening the portal of the Vatican and the lightnings and and the sun and suddenly we were like all dancing and celebrating like in the 11/11 was like the closing of the process from the 11/11 to turning this energy. Because of this, the secretary called me and they and they said we saw everything that happened uh, through the window. So you are invited to come in two days um, to give this message to the Pope, whatever you want to give. So I just brought a box with all the messages of everything that we have done, all the story that we have lived, <coughs> and the stories that we are willing to open in the future, and that we have to be all together in order to do so. So we try to heal the history of the religion so we could follow the next uh, teachings of the Christ that was the concept of the I am. So at the end of the Harvington path, at the end of Roma Moore path, we knew somehow that the next step would be to work with the I am. Well, I think we've arrived at the uh, the end, everyone. Um, this is called serendipity. This is what it is. And Rama has a song. We're just going to play a song because it's time. And uh, there's a set of books that I used to have. And there were just little kind of books. And they were, uh, there was a book called Serendipity. It was about this little unicorn. Uh, and so uh, the unicorn represents this uh, universal energy of oneness. So Rama picked a song, and it's about called The Universe. And this is by Sinkar. Here we go. Okay, Rainbird, you have the last word. Are you there? This is a very feathered, serpent feathered, rainbow feathered, <laughs> um, crystal feathered, uh, <laughs> Nanahuni feathered, talking stick. Here it comes. Oh my God, this Nanahuni's look great with feathers. <laughs> well, you got you. you you got the word rain bird for your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the twinkling of an eye. We're doing it. So, 
That's my word. Oh, good. I was just thinking, you know, he was, Matthias was having these uh, rainstorms everywhere. Uh, that the, the electric lightning and the burst of rain, and it was every place he went. So that's very yeah. interesting. Your name yeah, is Rain. That was really good. Really what? grateful you played that. What an amazing day. Serendipity it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. It was a sweet day. It was really fun. And, you know, yeah, twinkling of an eye. <laughs> Magic is afoot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Goddess yeah. is alive. And we'll see everyone in their dreams and on the ships. And uh, so much love. Namaste. Sat Nam. Sat Nam Di. Ah, holy Takuyasin. 13 thank yous, honey in the heart, no evil, and live long and prosper. And so it is. Namaste, everyone, till we meet again.